she has the moment where she's like, it is just like the slave masters of my home, Nova Roma. And I'm like, like you, bitch? Like, not to be <laughs> She means like the people who train the gladiators, but it's like, mm. uh, yeah. I feel like you were yeah. pretty complicit in that system, but I guess that's a growth moment for her, it, right? Yeah. X-Men, X-Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. Only hope is X-Men. Welcome to Cerebro, the X-Men podcast where a homo and his friends dig deep into the history of Homo Superior. I'm your host, Connor Goldsmith, and with me once again is Alex Abad Santos, a fan favorite guest on the show. <laughs> Alex, how are you today? I'm so happy to be back. I have told you, and I think you mentioned it on the podcast, that a Cerebro listener saw me at Horse Meat Disco, went up to me, and was like, let's talk about Selene. <laughs> that is really exciting to me personally. It was so nice. It was the sweetest thing. I had a little X-Men shirt on, and we were just gabbing, 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 while a sea of steroidy zombie gays were just we're just <laughs> yeah for people who are not familiar we should clarify it's a disco is a party. circuit it's, party it's, there's disco music <laughs> as circuit parties go it's one that like yes. you might want to go to there are other circuit parties i would not go to it's 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 for fans of dazzler yes certainly <laughs> so certainly all the dazzler, dazzler fans. fans welcome but, like, it, it does a little bit have the vibe of, like, are you a Dazzler fan who goes to Barry's Boot Camp <laughs> and wants to take your shirt off? Which you are, and I am not always. So I'm not necessarily a horse meat disco connoisseur myself yeah. that often. But but look how big the podcast has become. We were we were doing an Emma Frost, and we were doing, like, it was, like, who, like, back in, like, episode, what was it? Like, episode three. three. That was episode three. Right? And then now look at it. Like, it's, like, you're getting, I'm getting spotted at a Dazzler party. <laughs> I love that for you and for me. I love that for your podcast because I feel yeah, like it's pretty wild. Yeah. Honestly. I'm very grateful. And congratulations on your essay. Oh, thank you. In the Marvels versus Pride trade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Go pick that up if you haven't, listeners. Yeah. I don't know if my essay is going to be on marble.com or if it's just going to be in the trade, but like Pride Month is over. So I'm not sure <laughs> if it hasn't <laughs> popped up online by now. I think you may have to read it in the trade paperback. But the trade is cool. It features last year's Pride issue, which was really great. Features stories by my friends T. Howard, Anthony Alvera, Kieran Gillen, lots of other great creators. Josh Trujillo's Gay Captain America story and other gay stories from last year sort of collected. It's a good little trade. Yeah. Marvel always does like a really good push when it comes to uh, letting the fans of Dazzler have their mm -hmm. own comic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this year's was great too. Um and I'm excited for Charlie Jane Andrews' upcoming guest arc on New Mutants, which will spin out of that. Uh speaking of Anthony Oliveira, in the announcement schedule that I did some time ago, Pyro was going to be episode eighty-two. That is not happening because Tony is really sick, or he was really sick, oh, no. as he talked about on his Twitter account, and he lost his voice, like, entirely. So podcasting was not really in the cards. So please send him your finest healing well wishes. He appears to be on the mend, but I don't know when exactly he'll be like, yes, let's talk for four hours about Pyro, <laughs> right? So I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm here about magma. If she kills me, I am blaming you. 
We've skipped ahead to Magma, and hopefully the Pyra episode will be among the next few episodes, but I don't know exactly when, scheduling-wise, that's going to happen. It's just a little touch-and-go, and, go, and uh, I appreciate your patience and your sympathy for Anthony and his time of need. But wait, now you have a fire theme going on. Well, I already had one. It was going to be Pyro, <laughs> then Magma, and now it's maybe Magma, then Pyro, but I don't know if Tony will be well enough to record this coming week either. Okay. So we're going to see. I'm trying to think if there's any, if there's any other fire-based. <laughs> like... Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> but I don't like to be too repetitive, right? right. Like, we gotta, you got to change it up. In fact, I am slightly like, because I specifically put Pyro between Wolfsbane and Magma because I didn't want to do two new mutants in a row, mm-hmm. which I've done before. I did Cannonball and Sunspot in a row, but I like to shake it up if I can just so that the stories we're talking about are a little more varied. But you know what? This is a little bit... Too much of how the sausage is made. <laughs> questions are closed for Pyro because we've got a ton of them already, so please don't send any more. But questions are now open for the next four characters to be featured on Cerebro. First, cartoonist Daryl Ayo joins me to talk about Maria Kaya Santos, a.k.a. Feral. Many of you have asked me, when is Ayo going to be on to talk about Feral? And the answer is, it has been planned for a very long time, but the moment needed to be right then Margot Mutter joins the show to talk about Lila Cheney. You may know Margot on Twitter as Pearl Snap. She's a great follow. Then two Cerebro Discord moderators in a row. Luke Ruddick returns to the pod to talk about Pietro Maximoff. Yes, I am finally doing a Quicksilver episode. He is an X-Men character. Please don't ask me about Wanda. She is still not an X-Men character. <laughs> the face. And I'm I not ju- reading the, the 500 issues made. of Avengers. I'm just not. I'm just not reading 500 issues of Avengers. I don't want to do it. But we'll talk plenty about Wanda, I'm sure, during the Pietro episode, because that is, of course, a thing. They're siblings, if you're not familiar. <laughs> are they still, depending on the retcon? No, they, they definitely, <laughs> they still are. That remains consistent. It's everything else about their family that keeps getting changed up. And then Discord moderator Sam Guido joins the pod to talk about Colin McKay, Kailun, hero of the people, currently appearing in Knights of X after a long hiatus from publication, but originally a member of Alan Davis's lineup on Excalibur. I am excited about all four of those episodes. If you have questions about Feral, Lila Cheney, Quicksilver, or Kailun, send those to Cerebrocast at gmail.com. I can't promise every question will be read, but we will do our best. Alex, how have you been since the Celine episode, which was last October? I mean, I've been great. I was not a fan of the Coward Hope Summers assassination. <laughs> the, assassination. <laughs> the assassination of Celine Gallio by the Coward Hope Summers. Yes. Yeah, I will say questions for this were opened before Immortal X-Men 2 came out. So there are a lot of questions that ask about Celine as though she's like still walking around on Krakoa. And here's the thing, guys. I think she will be again. She so let's not be. worry too much about it. She always comes back. I know, but that was I was just like really Really? (laughs) I thought it was funny. Because here's the thing. As we went into in detail in the second longest episode of this podcast, Celine's plans never work. So it was very funny to just fully have her shut down when she's like, I have an incredible plan and that it it just didn't pan out. And it was like working really well. Yeah. The monster kept coming back. Everything was going great. And then, oop, I didn't anticipate that a redheaded girl with vast power could kill me. I just want her to come back 
and be really horny for Hope Summers <laughs> because there's nothing Celine loves more than a hot redhead who can kill her. Yeah, absolutely. She has an, a humongous, throbbing attraction to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, and Rachel is busy in other world at the moment. Yeah. So I think that Celine could occupy herself with Hope for quite some time. And Celine doesn't need the five to bring her back to life. She comes back to life <laughs> by herself. So she just you know, slurps down, slurps down a human shooter. Yeah, I think she might just like wake up in Arbor Magna and they're all like, oh, we forgot she could do that. <laughs> and then they're, I, I mean. She actually, in, in the boneyard, the X Factor, uh, <laughs> like the, the corpse garden that Prodigy keeps, she might just open her eyes like, oh, that was annoying. <laughs> that was weird. But I mean, Rachel is, I feel like, too emotional. Like, she's a. I feel like Hope Summers is more emotionally unavailable for Celine, which which will turn Celine on more. Right, like that makes the most sense. Yeah, she'll be like, "You're what, nineteen, and you hate everything? <laughs> You've got a big gun on your back? I love it. I love so. your Celine voice. It's the best voice. When I read more last one, I was just like, I can only hear it in this modern <laughs> Dorit voice." Can you believe that Kieran hadn't heard our episode yet when he wrote that? Because everybody kept emailing. They were like, your Selene is now canon. I was like, no, Kieran and I are just on a wavelength. Yeah. It has nothing to do it's with just vibes. Like, Kieran just gets it. Yeah. I love that we're like, let's dance around for about 15 minutes before we have to talk about Selene's granddaughter. granddaughter. <laughs> right. So we are here today to talk about Amara Juliana Olivian's Aquila, which... Just so we're clear, before we even get started, and there's a question about this, so I'm going to save it for the q and I'm going to break it down just how bad this is. Perfect. But that is not a Roman name that works at all. So <laughs> there's that. As names for the new mutants that are just fully made up go, mm -hmm. I would say, like, it's not as bad as Ilyana Rasputin and most notably Xi'an Koi Man because <laughs> those are fully like wrong and also from like real extant cultures on earth uh -huh. that might be unhappy about that. Right. There are no ancient Romans walking around to be disquieted by this, but I gotta be real. This may be the worst one. It's truly, it's not proper Latin. It's not how names work in ancient Rome. It's bad. So we'll get there. But we're going to call her Amara Aquila, even though that doesn't make any sense, because that is her name. Wait, have you seen the TikToker? I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. Um, but her whole, her whole shtick is that ancient Rome was a hoax. <laughs> no, and that's <laughs> funny. But I, the, my, my, the problem is, is she, she's joking. I she's joking, but she's just like... I've the problem is that like... I'm, kids believe this stuff on she's TikTok. Just, she's like, I'm going to radicalize kids against ancient Rome. Okay, but see, it's like not that funny because like, I, it's a, I'm sure it is funny, but she's going to get some of them is the problem <laughs> because we're past the point where satire on social media right. works anymore, you know? Well, as long, like, I think, I'm trying to think where Amara would fall on that if she was going to be radicalized against ancient Rome. Well, they tried to <laughs> radicalize her against ancient Rome, and it didn't work. We're going to get there. The Alice and Crestmere era is fully Nova Roma is fake. Yeah. TikTok. So are we starting with your favorite character? Can I ask you why, so why she's your favorite people, character? People are always like, why do you hate Magma so much? And I'm like, I don't, actually. It's just funny, and it's become a bit. Because the thing about Magma is she's aggressively mid. Like, there is nothing... She has a cool 
design, like when she's powered up, especially as drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there is almost nothing interesting about this character as she's been written literally ever. That is sad because she's on a cast of characters, the classic New Mutants, mm-hmm. who are 201 otherwise, even Rain who I discovered last week and who I have some difficulties with. But even Rain is interesting. There's stuff there. There's stuff you can really sink your teeth into, so to speak, if you were a werewolf. Mm -hmm. With Magma, there's just not much going on to the point where Claremont loses interest in her pretty quickly in the classic New Mutants run. And then Louise Simonson begins writing her out in her first issue. So (laughs) it's like, I got to get rid of this character. So that has evolved on this show to haterade for Magma. It's more just that she's disappointing by comparison to her cohort. I mean, she's also she's also disappointing when you think about like to Celine. Well, I was gonna say to any. <laughs> I think if you give a character, and maybe this is just me being a little gay boy, but like any character that's like an elemental, right? Like they do mm-hmm. like stuff that she does, like what Storm does, like what Magneto does. Yeah, they need to be cool and she's not cool. Or like just some kind like some kind of like oomph there. <laughs> there needs to be like a cool factor. Yeah. And she just apart from the look, which again is great. I mean, yeah. There's just not much else going on. And most of the time she's just a blonde girl walking around. <laughs> it doesn't even have the look active. So that's not super helpful either. Right. It's not like she's nightcrawler and she always looks like that. Yeah. She has to flame on like the human torch, you know? Mm-hmm. Or it's, it, I mean, it, it's, there's just nothing, like, you would just hope, like, she'd be, like, a little weirder, right? Like, it's just like... Well, that's the, uh, my my biggest problem, and I do believe that we can fix Magma, and I think by the end of this episode, we very well might, but if I were given the opportunity to write Magma, I would make her weird, because she grew up in a time capsule ancient Roman society in the Amazon jungle. Like, yeah, make her weird. She grew up basically in ancient Rome drag. Like, it was an ancient Rome drag show. Yeah, it's, well, it's specifically, like, it's ancient Rome, but it's also M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Yeah. Like, that's funny. Do something. Hilarious. You know, especially if now that, like, now that retcons have established that Celine was just coming and going as she pleased, mm-hmm. the idea of Celine coming back after, like, a hundred years in Europe or whatever and going, oh, no, things are evolving <laughs> far too strangely here in Nova Roma and just, like, aggressively resetting the culture or whatever. There's just so many funny things you could do mm-hmm. with Nova Roma as a setting, particularly also, like, they say from the jump that the Inca... Yeah, mixed into the society. So bring some of that in and make it like a fantasy setting that's weird also because it shouldn't just be ancient Roman if it's been 2,000 years since the Inca integrated into the culture. Now, that could get... Like, I'm not saying, you know... Let's have a Mara in an Inca headdress. Don't get me wrong. No, we are, just, we're not saying... We're absolutely... Because we're absolutely we're not, not saying, saying that. that. But the culture of Nova Roma could be more syncretic in a way that would be interesting. It could be like Hellenistic Greece and Rome and Egypt, mm-hmm. but South American Rome. I mean, like, that would be a neat thing to do. You know, it's something DC is kind of doing with the Brazilian Amazons right. with the new Yara Flor character. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be fun. And that's just like one obvious thing. But more importantly, I would make Amara a fucking bitch, <laughs> like, but in a fun way. You know what I mean? Like Monet. Or Emma sometimes. Yeah. Because Amara is like a haughty rich girl. She literally, like, yeah, no. Monet grew up in a ski lodge or whatever. 
Amara grew up with like literal slaves. Like she's from ancient Rome. <laughs> yes. You know, and not that we need to get into explicit slavery stuff in our X-Men comics and also slavery in ancient Rome, while it was bad, to be clear, was very different from what we think of as slavery. Now, either way, point is, she had like a legion of servants living in her home. Oh, yeah. Her father was an important senator. My father, the inventor of ancient Roman toaster strudel, <laughs> is like very much the vibe. And I just think that like if you made her meaner, but in a funny way... That would help. There are just so many things, but she's boring. Is the problem when she goes to uh, when she goes to try and catch Celine with Rachel? She gets she's a little too happy when she gets to be like, "We get to be slaves." She <laughs> that's that is her coolest <laughs> issue. Is the thing that oh, no. one story? <laughs> it is that one story is her best story. The one where she and where she gets like bing- Rachel go after Celine. It's bing bong basically. Yeah. Oh, she gets completely owned, <laughs> but it's her best story. And that's really tragic. It's like, first of all, it was almost 40 years ago. Second of all, <laughs> she kind of just doesn't do much. It's more of a Rachel story than an Amara story. Uh, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And she just gets a little bit unconscious. Like my favorite X-Men women do. Yeah. But, Hey, yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's not uh, It's not that I actively dislike Amara. It's that I'm frustrated by the fact that a Chris Claremont woman created in the 80s who is part of the classic New Mutants cast is such a flop because that shouldn't happen. No. Even Karma, who didn't have good stories either, was always a more interesting and distinctive character. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them. I'm trying to think of like because all of them are. I'm just saying, like, yeah. if you look at it, like Amara and Doug and Sean are probably the three of the '80s New Mutants who are the most difficult to get into plots. You know what I mean? Like the ones that are in fewer issues collectively than their peers are of the book. With Doug, the link with Warlock and all of that stuff provides a lot of interest. With Sean, she's just more interesting well, no, no, it's also like amara's supposed to be like the powerhouse right like she's one of the powerhouses yeah, and it's just exactly like... so why isn't she a character who matters is sort of the question and you see that in the 21st century because amara in the utopia like decimation era particularly mm-hmm. is the ultimate cameo queen she shows up anytime there's a crisis because cyclops is like heavy hitters to the front <laughs> and it's always she's there with you know, the other big guns. Mm-hmm. But she has 20 Zaladanes, and most of her appearances are shit like that, where it's just like, okay, we need some lava. Yeah. Even on Krakoa, for the most part. Right. Like, she shows up to do, like, some lava in Empire, mm-hmm. but, like, otherwise, who gives a shit? Her most memorable moment on Krakoa, which I did really love, is, I mean, first of all, the haircut, which is just dire, but we'll get there. <laughs> The fact that she is the one who is just like, fuck you, Wanda, actually. Because, <laughs> again, I think Magma should be mean. And also, Magma had a really traumatic decimation experience, which we will get oh, to. Yes. So that worked. The problem was that her new pixie cut makes her unrecognizable. People were like, why is Doug pissed at Wanda? <laughs> and I was like, that's Amara, actually. I, I mean, I was thinking about this in my head, and I feel like... If you were going to compare Amara to a ca- to a character on one of my favorite shows, Selling Sunset, mm. she wouldn't be Christine. No. She wouldn't be Chriselle. No. She'd be like one of the blondes. 
<laughs> that like ooh harsh in and out which one be, be say it say it not gonna, I think, no you don't have to you don't have to i, 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 my... I think she i think she's heather okay she she's I, heather. I, we were we were both thinking it and here's the thing i love that show and it's this is not to disrespect heather in a mean way but i do think that heather got magmed which is that yeah. emma came in emma hernan who is the Ilyana in this equation, like a new blonde enters the fray who is more interesting and mixes it up more. And ready to fight. Yeah, and then Heather Ray Young, now Heather El Musa. Congratulations. Yeah. Mazatov on the wedding, Heather. Again, mm-hmm. like I, I am obsessed with this show and I love every person on it. But she does fade into the background the second that Emma shows up to be a more interesting blonde character. Who fights? Who, who wants fights to fight? with people? Who wants yeah, who to like fight wants to get in the mix, right? With her empanada empire. Yes. And so I do not think those are empanadas. Says. <laughs> if that check. So I like, feel like they're vegan. I don't think that's an empanada. But like, I feel like what like I kept waiting for this season again of a show that we like was like a villain turn from either Mary or Heather. Listeners, if you don't watch Selling Sunset, the episodes <laughs> are like 30 to 40 minutes. They're all on Netflix and it's great. And you can just really power through it Absolutely in like two Absolutely blissful television. The pop music is so great. It is one of the platonic ideals, I think, of a reality show. It's basically like someone took Vanderpump Rules and Million Dollar Listing and put them in a blender and made them the same show. Mm-hmm. And it is insane. The outfits. Ugh. And The Hills. Like, it's sort of all three of those at once because it does feel fake in the way that The Hills was. Mm -hmm. It is a way that, like, Vanderpump Rules feels very real or did in the classic years, certainly. Mm -hmm. This show feels enormously contrived, but I love every second. Yeah, it's so good. Christine and Chriselle are a true Morris and Emma and Jean. We talked about this in the Emma episode way back when. But anyway, yes, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Magma is the Heather. And Heather needs to to, to, do, to have a moment, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just not, it's not giving. It's not giving. Go on, girl. <laughs> Give us nothing, Magma. Yeah. Us- I mean, like, because, you know, I'm now I'm thinking about it. The more I think about it, this is super true. Like, Maya is the Sean uh-huh. of Selling Sunset. Like, she's not always on the show. But when she is, she's memorable. And also, she is really weirded out by everybody else on the show because she's mostly a pretty normal person. Oh my God, are you going to call Davina the warlock? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, Davina is warlock. Davina is 1,000% warlock. And I love that journey for her. Warlock would absolutely try to sell cell friends that $75 million home because he doesn't understand that that is not a good deal. Did you actually see, by the way, take it to a place of Ladies Mastermind, did you see that at the Netflix upfronts, which they hosted at that $75 million listing home with Davina as the hostess, she wore a Chris Bocciolo titty top dress? (laughs) No, I didn't. I'm going to Google it, though. Davina Patratz, you're doing amazing, (laughs) sweetie. Keep going. Keep it up. Keep it up. This is not a Selling Sunset podcast. Oh my gosh, we should make one, but... Back to Mags. I would. If you wanna if you wanna do a selling sunset recap podcast with me, <laughs> Mags. that'd be fun. I met Christine once. She was fun. Oh, she's uh, she's you know what? She looks great. She's she actually tweeted me in our Emma episode because we made that comparison and she uh-huh. was like, I'm obsessed with Emma Frost. So flattered. And <laughs> of I was like, she is. Of course she is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. I think with Magma, what we're gonna wanna do 
like we do with many characters who have sporadic publication histories, is to go chronologically. Because I think if we said, what are our favorite magma stories, we would talk about like two issues and then be done. Oh my God. And one of them would be the one where Doug clubs her half to death on behalf of Celine. <laughs> Because that's funny. That is funny. But another one is when she's just like, oh, I miss the old world. And they're like, <laughs> they go to the Hercules movie and everyone is fucking <laughs> heckling Hercules. And she takes it personally. And then Hercules- she's like, I worship Hercules, actually. <laughs> this is extremely rude. <laughs> and then, but even Zeus is like, yeah, that's a bad movie. That's a it's terrible movie. And she just hangs out with Hercules for like a day, which is kind yeah, of. Yeah, no, fun. we'll get to the Hercules story, which is fun. I want them to reunite, actually. Like, I have been thinking as I do when a character is coming up, like, what's a good magma story we could tell? How- and I, I do think Victor Laval just used her in a fun way in Sabretooth. So maybe that's going to set up a new kind of arc for her. She did something rebellious, which was interesting. She has her longer hair back, which was a great choice. (laughs) Um, And we'll see, we'll see where that goes. (laughs) But yeah, so I think we'll just go chronologically. And I figure when we get up to the Nova Roma retcon, we'll pause for the character file Mm -hmm. in the nineties and then come back for like new Hellions, extreme X-Men. And then like her three or four random plots since like dating Mephisto. Dating Mephisto is pretty good. Dating Mephisto is funny. But again, that's Mephisto doing the heavy lifting. It's because Mephisto's fun, right? Like it could yeah. have been any of them. It's not yeah. specifically fun. Here's but like the, this is what's frustrating is <laughs> the fact that she's an ancient Roman pagan could make that really funny. Yes. And it's yes. just not that funny. No. Like it's like the fact that she doesn't believe in Christian hell at all would make her relationship with the Christian devil amusing. But it doesn't really go to that place. No, it goes into him doing all the work and her being like, well, uh." maybe he's not so bad. And I'm like, why would you think he was bad? You don't even know the Bible. You predate the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. Like as far as you're concerned, deities of the underworld are not evil because that's not how your religion works. You got there's like one hot girl down there. Uh, well, and, and Hades is like a yeah. normal Pl- Pluto is like a normal dude. He's just like, kind of, I mean, like, you know, the whole Proserpine thing was not ideal, but I'm just saying he's not like the devil. He's just yeah. like a guy who's he's, not yeah. who's no better or worse than any of the other gods who are all kind of terrible in Greco-Roman religion. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Not that bad. Hades, not that bad. <laughs> Cerebral cast seal of approval on Hades. Not that bad. Hades, honestly, doing fine. Um, So. (laughs) This is so stupid. We're so stupid. I love it. Stupid. No, I I think we're great. No, we are great. It's just it just makes me laugh. Amara makes her debut in 1983 in New Mutants number eight by Chris Claremont and Sal Buscema. This is the Nova Roma arc, which is kind of infamous. People really hate this arc. I think it's fun for Celine reasons, as we've discussed. Go back to the Celine episode, episode 55, which is a real treat. Who are these people that say it's not good? Because we should fight them. Lots of people. We should fight them. It's like noted as the worst arc of New Mutants. (laughs) And I'm always just like, I don't agree. (laughs) Absolutely not. I'm like, first of all, Bird Brain is the worst arc of New Mutants. So don't get me started. Jesus fucking Christ, Bird Brain. Love Wheezy, but it's a no from me on Bird Brain. Yeah. Actually, also love Wheezy, but 
Return to Asgard when like Danny gets possessed by hell is actually that is the worst arc of Minions. It is so bad. Yeah. But we'll, we'll we won't get there because it doesn't matter to Amara, thank God. So don't worry about it. But anyway, to get back <laughs> to what we were talking about. The thing about Nova Roma, and this is true, is that there's a lot of nonsense that doesn't matter. Like, we spend a lot of time with Lucius Antonius Aquila, Amara's father, who is a senator, and his rival, Marcus Domitius Gallio, who is also a senator. Domitius is married to Celine. Well, okay, he's called Gallio. This is, again, to get into... The <laughs> Connor's so mad if you had a video if the said video he's like turning so red and so mad right Uh, now (laughs) but here's like but honestly I can accept that in 1980 when Karma was created Vietnamese naming schemes were difficult to research in New York City Mm -hmm. there is no excuse in 1983 for getting Roman names this wrong this is not something that people didn't know about like pick up a book Chris I love you but come on and this wasn't even like the fake like there was no end game to be like oh yeah it was all actually just fake like right and <laughs> like this if you argued like fabian kind of fixed it by saying nova roma's fake in that retcon mm-hmm. which then made all of the bizarre things about nova roma fine you also could be like it's been two thousand years and they integrated with the inca and like language evolves and like sure except nothing else about nova roman culture has evolved which is part of why fabian was like it's got to be fake right because otherwise things would have changed <laughs> in two thousand years if everything else is like, here we are in the Roman Republic, it just doesn't scan for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. The point that I'm trying to make, and we'll get again into the name stuff more in depth in a question later on, is that Roman names have three parts. There's a prenomen, a nomen, and a cognomen. The prenomen, which is a given name that by the late Republic usually only men had, is in this case, if we look at Lucius Antonius Aquila, That's Lucius. It's a given name. It's like being named Connor or Alex. There are not that many of them. There are like a couple dozen that you can pick from if you're like in Roman society. And then the second name, Antonius, that's the family name. Mm -hmm. Antonius or Antonia would be the family name, except note that Amara doesn't have that anywhere in her name, which is a problem to begin with. Aquila, which is used as the last name here, is a cognomen, which is a title. First of all, it's spelled wrong. It should have one L. Aquila means eagle in Latin, and it would be a nickname or title given to Lucius Antonius because it would distinguish him from other people named Lucius Antonius. Oh, wait, that is where, sorry, I am, you are too, you are much more smarter than this than I am. But like, that's where the aquiline nose comes from, right? Or yes, no? it means a beak. Yeah, aquiline right. nose means beakish. I love, like I love those noses. John mm-hmm. Slattery. Oh, same. Yeah, no, I love a, I love an aquiline nose. They also call it the Roman nose. I just love a big schnozole on a guy. Didn't we talk about John Bernthal last time? I feel like Oof. we did. John Slattery's nose, best nose ever. That's a ever great made, nose. Ever created. That's a great, great nose. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the point is, I, I, Aquila sorry. is a cognomen, and you wouldn't call him Senator Aquila. Similarly, Gallio, which is derived from the word for cock or rooster, which <gasps> I think is funny. Very we funny. should have mentioned that in the Celine episode. Ooh. I think it is. Well, I'm 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 kind of a himbo when it comes to this. You're you're Yeah, no, right I now. should have brought it up. You know what yes. I mean? Bottom line is Aquila and Gallio are not family names, and so it doesn't make sense that they're called the Aquilas or the Gallios. It also doesn't make sense that Celine would use 
Gallio because if she was going to take her husband's cognomen, it would be Gallia, first mm-hmm. of all. But also, you don't usually take your husband's cognomen. <laughs> Sometimes you did. That did happen occasionally. It's more common that you would take your father's. So Antonia Aquila would be a perfectly reasonable name for Amara to have. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She's named Amara. <laughs> Juliana <laughs> Olivianz Aquila. Even though she's one of the Antonii, not one of the Julii. So she shouldn't be named Julia either. And Juliana is not how you would render that either unless it was a diminutive. This doesn't matter. We'll go back. We're going to get into this later. We're going to get into this later. I have to stop myself. I mean, it's very funny. It's very I'm funny. I'm going to call them Senator Aquila and Senator Gallio because that is what they are called in the Marvel Universe in Nova Roma. So whatever. Point mm-hmm. is, we spend a lot of time with these characters who truly do not matter ever again. Mm-hmm. I mean, Senator Gallio dies by the end of the arc. I get why, in general, people were just kind of like, mm, this mm. is boring. There's a lot of like, oh, let's fight in the Colosseum. And it's like, who cares? You know and what aren't I mean? the New Moons basically having like a little like R&R? <laughs> they're like going on yeah, Well, they're, on, they're basically on vacay with <laughs> Roberto's mother, who's yeah. an archaeologist, to try and like explore undiscovered places in the Amazon. And they yeah. end up attacked by... <laughs> This is the other reason I think that people are not crazy about the Nova Remark. It's how it begins for Amara, which is that they are attacked by a group of young women, indigenous women, with shields and spears who are dark-skinned women with dark hair who do not appear to speak English. The implication is basically that they are one of the uncontacted tribes in the Amazon, which is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And is the kind of thing that an archaeologist, anthropologist type scientist like Roberto's mother would be interested in mm-hmm. studying. I mean, probably not contact. You're not supposed to do the contact because it like that's yeah, not how it works. It but they don't do this on purpose. Up. Like the no. new mutants do get attacked as intruders. They end up capturing one of the girls as a hostage to try and figure out what's going on. And that mm-hmm. girl is Amara. Rain at one point, we just talked about this last week, like, bears her soul to Amara because she knows Amara doesn't speak English, so she feels like she can be honest with her and she's just, like, having a bit of a crisis. But later, when they crash down a waterfall, Amara falls into the river, her hair dye and body paint wash away, and she is revealed as Rain puts it, Glory! Her skin's white as my own, and her hair's blonde! She was in disguise! Amara, I cannot hold on much longer. You must help me. Grab the rock. Kick with your legs. Do something. I'm not strong enough by myself. If only you could understand me. I I do, Rain. I'll try. And Rain is like, what? <laughs> what because Amara fuck? speaks flawless English, as it turns out, and is a white girl with blonde hair. So, um, as characters who debut in blackface go. <laughs> no, not this. Not this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just I don't know how else to I guess it's brown face. She's impersonating an indigenous Brazilian, but yeah. uh it's bad. It's deaf heavy bronzer. Yeah, no, it makes Julianne Huff look like she just did a little under eye shadow yeah. that like, time that she was yeah, for Halloween. Like, but it's not good. If Megan Kelly defended it, she would have gone fired. It's just not great. And that is I think for a lot of people reading the material now. A little bit of a hard thing to swallow. <laughs> yeah. 
the stuff we like isn't that. Like the no, stuff no, <laughs> the Nova Roman stuff we like is not that part. Absolutely I mean, I, not. I, I like that we can have a laugh about it because it's so completely insane. Yeah, but I don't approve. Let's say no. of that element of the story. It's not good. Yeah, but once they have Amara revealed to be herself, it turns out that. She is from Nova Roma, which is an enclave of Romans who left Rome after the death of Caesar because they believed that it was going to be bad. And, you know, quite honestly, they weren't wrong. (laughs) They were Republicans who didn't want it to become an empire. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we got to bounce. Yeah, they did. They somehow got to the Brazilian jungle centuries and centuries before contact actually happened in reality. Later stories will establish that Celine basically took them there, mm-hmm. which does make more sense. But in this story, Celine is mostly just presented as like Senator Gallia's wife, who's like maybe an Inca, like unclear exactly and what her deal is. slightly evil? Oh, very. <laughs> <laughs> the reason Amara has been blackfishing in the rainforest is that her father sent her to the local tribe for protection because a bunch of virgin girls have been sacrificed by an evil cult beneath Nova Roma that worships an immortal called the Black Priestess. Mm-hmm. Who could this be? Who could it be? Who who are they throwing these girls into the volcano for? What's happening? Who is the mysterious black <laughs> priestess, witch of old, who has lurked beneath our city for millennia? It's Selena, obviously. Um, but we've never seen her before, so it's a little bit of a surprise. Right? It's a little bit. But I mean... But you get it pretty quick the second she walks <laughs> in the door. You're like, there's the black priestess. She's got black hair and she's super evil. <laughs> It's like, who is this supermodel? This supermodel with black hair, gorgeous, amazing businesswoman. Exactly. So Senator Aquila, who has a friendly relationship with this local tribe, has been like, can you please hide my daughter among you? And then it just, unfortunately, she happens to be the one who the New Mutants captured to protect themselves as like a hostage. Mm -hmm. They all get arrested by a Roman legion. This is before Amara explains Nova Roma to them. They're just like, wow, she's white and speaks English. That's weird. Why do the Nova Romans speak English, by the way? Unclear. Don't worry about Mm -hmm. it. Just truly, I assume Celine taught them. This is part of why Fabian's retcon that they're just British people Celine brainwashed is so funny because that does explain why they would speak English. Yeah. It's such a good, like, (laughs) it's such a good explanation and retcon and just being like, yeah, they're, It's so good. You know what? Celine Celine is just wild. Like Celine's just wild like that. Celine will do stuff. I think Celine went to Europe, learned English, came back, was like, I've got something new to teach you all, and just did it. I like this better. I like how this sounds better. "Mm, It sounds good. There's so many more words. (laughs) Women have their own names. Basically, Celine was playing like Sims or Sim City, I guess. But Sims. Oh, absolutely. And and just editing. Just completely editing. Right. She has the the rosebud cheat on and everything, you know? Like, so. He just comes back with more and more money, builds lots of weird things, maybe takes out a few languages, try, tries a different outfit, tries a different scheme. I want to see what Celine's Wikipedia edits on Nova Roma are. Well, you know her account has been <laughs> suspended several times because it's like... <laughs> A person too close to the subject of this article has been doing edit wars in the article. She's just like, that's not what happened at all. It's all in first person. Yes. She's just like, and then I went down to Brazil. It wasn't called Brazil back then, mind you. 
It's a memoir. Someone tries to edit her and be like, the headwaters of the Amazon are in Peru, Celine. And she's like, I didn't ask for notes. But anyway, they get captured by these Roman soldiers. They get thrown in a dungeon. They get forced to do blood sport in the arena and all of that, yada, yada, yada. Amara escapes and is captured by Celine, who is throwing virgins into the volcano beneath Nova Roma Mm -hmm. in order to prolong her own life it's very much like we haven't decided yet how celine's powers work because she was just a one-off villain for this arc right so to maintain her eternal youth and beauty she throws girls into the volcano and it's magic which honestly good for her yeah good for her it's a little extreme but it's holistic like it's an organic solution she's not injecting anything and i mean kudos to celine for evolving and just being like you know what i can just slurp some people down yeah, exactly. We don't even, exactly. To, we don't even need. And she a gets volcano. a little slurpy in this without the <laughs> volcano. Even like when she realizes that Danny Moonstar is a mutant, she's like, "Hmm, slurp, slurp." And then we can see we see that she has like psychic vampire powers. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the ritual of the volcano doesn't really recur after she leaves Nova Roma. I do think maybe we should bring it back because it's kind of funny, especially on Krakoa. <laughs> right? No, I know where they would have volcanoes, but I understand why she would stop doing it because this last time that she does it, she's like, "Ooh, how great!" She She's a virgin I can sacrifice, and she's my husband's rival's daughter, so that's more fun for me. We'll later find out that she is even more connected to Amara than one might think, but that's Mm -hmm. established later. But basically, when she throws this girl in the volcano, it activates Amara's X-gene, and Amara becomes magma, mistress of lava and fire and earth. Mm -hmm. And she rocks Selene's shit with her lava powers, and Selene is really annoyed about it. So... I, too, would hesitate before throwing any other girls into a volcano if I were her. (laughs) It's like, okay, here's where the edit comes in. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, "Mm, that ritual was my favorite, but now apparently kids these days could turn into creatures of lava, and I would prefer not to have that happen. So let's not do it again. Um, But anyway, it it doesn't really work out for Celine. Beto throws her into the volcano herself. She apparently dies. And Amara, who now has crazy superpowers that she can't control, is sent home with the new mutants because her father is like, you need to learn how to control this new power. Mm -hmm. She goes out with them to Rio so that they can like fly home. And the modern world baffles and astonishes (laughs) her. She ends up getting heat stroke and like, having hallucinations and like almost killing people with natural disasters. She has a habit of that. That is, she, yeah, that is habit. kind of a thing that she does. Like she just gets a little upset and suddenly there's an earthquake, <laughs> which is not ideal. No, but uh, not. once she realizes like, Oh, that was, that was not ideal. She's like, I guess I should go home with you and, uh, and enjoy and learn how to use my powers But she's immediately just like, wow, like, Xavier can read my mind? I'm not cool with that. That's Mm -hmm. witchcraft that I'm, like, not down with. She also is like, I don't think this mansion is fancy enough. Well, that is the, she really is not impressed. They don't even have slaves. (laughs) Yeah, which is honestly relatable because you're just like, well, I would like something fancy. I would, if you're taking me from this fancy place. If you're accustomed to having a bevy of servants at your command to fan you and feed you grapes and whatnot, Mm -hmm. showing up at a school where the only faculty is Moira McTaggart, and she's certainly not feeding you anything. 
and she's like borderline mean. She's kind of mean. <laughs> she's kind of bitchy. <laughs> I think that you know that might be disappointing. I do get that. Yeah, that's the funniest part though. Is all the parts where she complains about like she's like I don't fucking like it here, and she's like complaining like at the kitchen table, and everyone's just like, yeah, wow, she's a huge bitch. Yeah, but... we don't like this girl. Like they all don't like her, also, which is the important thing. But then they try. They they then I think I think it's always Danny that's like, you know what? Well, we tried. We should try to get to know her. She's just a fancy bitch who's just kind of mean and kind of stuck up, and this is the way she grew up. So maybe we can throw her a bone and be well, nice. One cannonball her. develops a crush on her, <laughs> so he's always like, hey, "Everybody, we should be nice to Amara. <laughs> She's so pretty," and everybody's like, "Sam, like, put your dick away. She sucks. <laughs> she sucks. <laughs> she sucks so much. Like, well, it's just like, I mean, if they leaned into that and tried to make her just like a not likable kind of well, bitchy right. rich girl, but what we're supposed mo- to care is yeah. the problem, right? And also, like, again, I think that Monet is this character done more effectively in the Gen X generation, Mm -hmm. where it's like she is the bitch, she is the mean girl, she is the wealthy one who's out of touch with regular people, Mm -hmm. but she has moments of compassion, empathy, and whatnot that make you more interested. Amara is just kind of unpleasant to everyone all the time, (laughs) and she also has the problem of, well, first, so she's going to go back to Novaroma. She's like, I'm leaving, I don't like it here. Then she overhears Xavier talking to Lalandra, his bird woman alien slam piece, who is trying <laughs> to win back the throne of the Shi'ar Empire. As she always does. Yeah, well, Lalandra is like always, you know, in trouble. She's impressed. The thing is, of course, the Shi'ar, for reasons that have never been explained, I guess it's just that like when you translate their speech, our ears just hear like ancient Roman terms because that's what we're familiar with. But mm-hmm. You know, the Imperatrix Lalandra is certainly in the Roman mold, and her talking about her duty to her people and whatnot makes Samara realize, okay, I do need to stay here and, and learn to control my power so they don't endanger my home, and et cetera, et cetera. She also walks around the mansion for a while going like, what is this witchcraft about, like, computers? <laughs> and I, I, I think that if they did more of that for a long time, it would be more fun. But she learns way too quick. So, like, after a couple issues, she's completely acclimated to modern technology. And you're just sort of like, oh, but there was fun stuff you could do with that. Well, that's, like, what makes, uh, or what made the first Wonder Woman and a lot of, like, I think it's Wonder Woman Legends so funny is that if you play someone, if you take someone out of, like, again, it's, like, a fake ancient Rome, but, like, you mm-hmm. place them out of, like, fish out of water and then make them a bit of a square, there's something funny and very interesting and likable there versus, I feel like, a lot of the times, they make Amara pathetic so that we're like, oh, we should take pity on her, right? Right, but I don't feel sorry for her, ever. <laughs> Which is not effective, because it's just like... Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, like watching her get tossed around, and you're just like, oh, she's, she kind of just sucks. And you're just... But but I get that what they're trying to do is like, oh, like, she's like... Like, maybe she isn't as strong as it she, she seems. Well, her biggest struggle is that around this time, two characters are introduced who have a similar thing going on, but are more interesting than her. And that's mm-hmm. Ilyana and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And Ilyana joins the team and is a blonde girl who's kind of a bitch who grew up <laughs> outside of Earth culture and has to acclimate herself to it, but is more interesting, has more attachments to the rest of the cast already, mm-hmm. and interacts with them in a way that's more fruitful. Rachel is from the future, 
just like Amara is from the past. And so he's similarly out of touch with modern America, et cetera, et cetera, and has similar struggles there. That is when we get the one really fun Amara story that I do like, which is in Uncanny 189, when she and Rachel just like go out on the town and see Manhattan together. Yeah. Celine, who has at this point become the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club, is around and they're just like, you know what we should do? We should kill Fucking Celine. kill her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we... It's like, Psst. hey, I have an idea. Why don't we sneak into the Hellfire Club dressed as sex maids and kill her? <laughs> I fucking hate this bitch. Wait, you do too? <laughs> yeah, so they try to do that. This is when Rachel witnesses Celine's mannequin, iconic, mm-hmm. uh, the dress form <laughs> beside her bed. Oh, the bikini. Celine overpowers them super quickly, in part by posing as Amara with an illusion, which she loves to do. Mm-hmm. But also just like overpowers and hypnotizes them, presents them to Shaw and Tessa as a present because Shaw and Tessa are perturbed by Celine. So Celine's like, I know what will smooth this over. Slaves. I'll give them slaves. <laughs> She's like, That's Tessa's how we like, do it in Nova Roma. Tessa's like, take the fucking slaves. Take the fucking yeah, Tessa's slaves. Tessa's like, Tessa's like, Shaw, take the, <laughs> take the slaves and use them to kill Celine. Because she can feel that Rachel is connected to a higher power of some kind. And she's just like, yeah, say yes, say thank you, and then turn them on her. Mm -hmm. It's not to be because Rachel is telepathically able to, like, snap them out of their trance. They fight Celine, they fight Celine, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it it is funny, though, because I think we in in that issue, she's just like, wow, there's, like, Amara's really fucking, like latched onto this woman for some reason right like i think they go into like amara's brain right or mm-hmm. like in her and there's like a statue of <laughs> there's like a hot statue of celine <laughs> <laughs> and rachel's like whoa that's fucking weird that doesn't well, happen hot in my statues head of celine will recur soon because that is a thing that, that comes back around but rachel's like that's not going on in my head okay so i don't know what's happening here but maybe <laughs> she's just like she's like she's like oh i think i saw something i wasn't meant to see and Amara's really kind of fucking wild. She's just like, wow, this is wild. <laughs> so the X-Men show up at the Hellfire Club and Xavier is like, Amara, Rachel, the X-Men do not kill and makes them <laughs> promise that they won't try to kill Celine. Yeah. Which is wild because if anybody, I mean, you know, I love her, you love her. But if anybody does deserve to be killed for the safety of the people around her, it's probably Celine. Like, this is one of those cases where, hmm, I know that we're superheroes, but... Yeah. Well, no, like, Tessa's death, like... Please kill her. Yeah. I'm begging you to kill her. <laughs> Just fucking kill her, please. <laughs> she is going to kill all of us. <laughs> it's going to be bad. The next big magma plot which is like, again, not that she's kind of just around is the thing, especially once Ilyana shows up and starts pulling focus so dramatically. It really turns into the Danny and Ilyana show more than Mm -hmm. anything else with the other characters sort of revolving around them. There is an arc though, where empath of the Hellions helps brainwash Amara and Sunspot and uh, sells them to a mutant circus in LA. (laughs) A mutant gladiatorial ring in L.A. This -hmm. was previously a plot in Beauty and the Beast, the Dazzler and Hank miniseries. If you read that, you're like, oh, it's these guys. Otherwise, you're like, what's going on? But that's why Dazzler ends up rescuing them because she knows the deal. 
Amara and Beto end up drugged and forced to participate in gladiatorial games. It turns out that the mysterious operator of the fight ring is Karma, who they all thought was dead, but she's been possessed by the Shadow King, and that's when the whole Karma and Shadow King thing happens. Go back to the Karma episode for more on that. Honestly, this arc is pretty whatever. Amara just happens to be in it, but like, Mm-hmm. Does it super advance her character? I don't know. She has the moment where she's like, it is just like the slave masters of my home, Nova Roma. And I'm like, like you, bitch? Like, not to be <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> She means like the people who train the gladiators, but it's like, mm, uh, yeah, I feel like you were yeah. pretty complicit in that system. But I guess that's a growth moment for her, it, right? Yeah. In rereading it, I'm just kind of like, she's just so giddy to say slave. Like, so giddy to say <laughs> She slave. does say it a lot. And I just don't remember it. I think it's maybe I just blot. No, she says the word slave a lot. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where like when I see like if you were to word association magma with me, I would be mm. like lava, Rome, rainforest, <laughs> slavery. Like those are sort of the things I think of when I think of her. Yeah. Right? And I mean, she also is in a lot. She also is in many, many storylines bondaged up. Oh, well, she gets Claremont imperiled a lot. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's a lot of ropes, a lot of, like, psychic, I don't know, psychic straps. Claremont Street's love a mind control (laughs) moment, and, you know, that'll happen. They also love an involuntary body transformation moment, which is the next storyline with Amara featuring in a major role, the Asgard storyline, when the New Mutants go to Asgard. Mm -hmm. She gets take it in by the fae folk and eat some fairy food, which is not <laughs> right. a thing you're supposed to do. And she gets turned into an elf. Um, yeah. This is a weird kinky sex plot that I just don't want to dig. She turns into like yeah. a three foot tall <laughs> sex elf. And I don't, I don't support it. I don't want to think too much about it. By the end of the story, they are all sent home and it's fine and she gets turned back to normal. So don't yeah. worry too much about it. It has never been mentioned again, as far as I can remember. Celine probably liked it. But she probably thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, they made her into an elf. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the whole arc where the Beyonder kills them and they go to Emma's for a while because they're all catatonic from being killed and resurrected by the Beyonder. But she's just, you know, kind of in the background. Then toward the end of the Claremont run on New Mutants, this is in 53, the Hellfire Club and the X-Men have been establishing a truce ever since Rachel and the blood scent and all of that stuff. Again, see the Selene episode. <laughs> and actually, I got that wrong earlier when I said that, that, that the first time they're maids is when Rachel sees the mannequin. She sees the mannequin when she goes back. When she goes to kill her. Yeah, when she's like, I don't agree, Charles Xavier, and I'm going to go kill her, which is, uh, yeah, after her encounter with the Beyonder. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The truce has been developed, and Rachel is now gone out of the narrative into the mojo world with Spiral. Amara is with the New Mutants when they all go to, like, a gala at the Hellfire Club with Magneto. <laughs> this is a pretty good up. This is a pretty good This issue. one's great. This is New Mutants 53. It's fun in general. There's a great bit where the gala is displaying a statue this gorgeous ancient Roman looking statue. No, wait, 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 wait. Go back, go back a little bit. Isn't there a part where, uh, okay, like... first, 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 <laughs> yes. first, 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 one of the Hellfire Club, like random humans is just like, wow, Celine, that girl seems to really hate you. Why is that about Amara? And Celine looks at her and goes, 
Oh, a small matter. I killed her mother. (laughs) 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 Which, like, what? (laughs) Just bing bong. Like, that's funny. And Amara's like, I am going to fucking kill (laughs) you. Well, they they all walk in with Magneto, right? Like, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, like we're just we're just gonna fucking have fun at this little party. Everybody's like, you can't <laughs> fight her. We have a truce. <laughs> but that makes Celine start acting out. She's well, like, well, yeah. can't touch me, can't touch me. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Aren't they like? It's kind of getting hot in here. Is it getting hot in here, guys? I think it's yes. Hot like it's a little here. warm, and she's like, oh well, you know that girl does not like me. <laughs> she fucking hates me. But so then there's this statue that, like, this businessman is showing off, and he's like, oh, a Roman sculptor made this. It's an incredible statue from ancient times. And Amara's like, I beg your pardon, but you have been deceived. The original has been in my family for generations. It is the representation of my grandmother, many times removed. He's like, LOL, no. This is an image of the moon goddess, Celine, And he <laughs> gestures at Celine and goes, who bears the same name and face as our revered black queen? And Celine has a great line. She goes, in a sense, you are both right. It is Celine and Amara's ancestor. Those women are one and the same. And Amara is like, fuck you, lady. Like, there is no way that that is true. But it's not explored further, and it will never be in Claremont's run, is the thing. Like, it never really goes beyond that exchange. Zeb Wells brings it back in Necrotia, where they simplify it down to, like, she's her grandmother. But I like to think that she is, like, her grandmother and also her grandmother many generations. Like, Selena's just popped back in a couple times as, like, her own, you know? Yeah. Well, no, this is not she gets Amara gets so doesn't she stomp the statue? Well, it's it's <laughs> actually it's even better. Celine. <laughs> I should open this on my Celine destroys the statue because she goes, Uh-oh. Don't worry about it, it's a forgery anyway. <laughs> and she's like, The original is at your family's estate in Nova Roma. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Oh, weird. And then, like, Amara's, like, fucking, like, having, like, a nervous breakdown. She's just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this woman just did all this stuff. Oh, my God, the statue. She's, like, on her knees. But that's Claremont's second-to-last issue on New Mutants. And in Louise Simonson's second issue on New Mutants, 56, she has Amara get a letter from her father. She's getting older, and it's time for her to come home and get married now that she's been training in her powers for a while. Mm-hmm. which is a great way to write this character out if you wanted to write this character out. She doesn't want to go, but she gets very upset with the New Mutants because Danny... At, <laughs> such a troll. Danny is, is trolling troll. her friends <laughs> and is like, hmm, what's your heart's desire? And just like makes them all pop into existence. And Amara is very embarrassed because She's her in heart's love desire with a twink. She's in love with a twink. Empath. Not a, not just a twink, but a really bad, <laughs> evil guy who they all really hate. The demon twink. The demon twink of the new moons. But he's straight, so he's not a twink. That, like, doesn't... He's, like, an aggressively straight character. Oh, but also a twink. You can have a... You can be a straight twink. I don't think straight people can be twinks. Oh, really? I'm gonna be, like, really firm on this. I don't Chalamet is not be. a twink? Nope, not to me. Huh. Interesting. I actually get annoyed when people say that because to me it is specifically gay youth 
who are part of the culture in that way because they're like gay sex objects. Mm-hmm. But mine is a weight limit. <laughs> well, that too, obviously. But I just like it, it feels wrong to me when anybody calls a straight man a twink. I'm just especially when straight people do. I'm like, that's not. Okay, you guys well, need to stop. There was that like age of the twink article in the New York Times, and I was like, please shut the fuck up because <laughs> this is not. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Point is, empath. A thin, mean, straight man. Empath is a thin, hairless, mean little white boy. <laughs> <laughs> Manuel de la Rocha. He's from Spain. He's an asshole. But she throws herself like fitfully onto her bed and like looks at the letter from her father about finding a husband. But also, like, if you, if you, if you, <laughs> at first she's like, that's a lie. <laughs> we're just like, but then her reaction is so fucking crazy. Well, she's embarrassed, but she <laughs> runs off into her room and she flops down onto the bed. I'm going to read it because her thought bubbles are incredible. temper tantrum. So she throws herself onto her bed and like looks at the scroll from her father that's like, come home and get married. And then she pulls out from under her pillow a photo of empath and Jetstream that she just has. <laughs> Maybe it's a drawing. Maybe she like sketched them. <laughs> But they're standing there in their little Hellions uniforms with the low-cut top. I love mm-hmm. those outfits. They're, they're so, so good. It's like my favorite training uniform from any of the X-Men stuff, honestly. The Gen X one is also great, that training uniform. with The big, the red with the gold gauntlets. But I love the Hellions one. Anyway, she starts thinking, No, never. No matter what father thinks, I don't belong in Nova Rome anymore. And I don't belong here. I get so lonely sometimes. My power to transform into a fire being, to control heat, call lava from the earth. It frightened my father. He practically forced me to come here, used me to learn the ways of the other world. And then she pulls out the picture and she thinks, Miss Frost, Massachusetts Academy, where the Hellions go, with its servants and its luxury, is more like home. I felt comfortable there. And empath. He's an aristocrat. Like me, he traces his family's lineage back to ancient Rome. I know he likes me. I can tell by the way he looks at me. And I'm like, he sold you into gladiatorial slavery like <laughs> 20 issues ago. You know, what? She, when you're when you're horny for a fancy thin white boy. <laughs> She's just like, oh, he's so European and aristocratic. And it's just like, oh, OK. And you notice she said servants. Oh, yeah, she did say servants. She's learning to say servants now at this point. Well, also, like, Emma Emma doesn't have slaves. Emma's (laughs) servants, to be clear. To be fair to Emma, they are are paid, presumably. Yeah. So Magma, who's just fed up, decides, I'm going to quit Xavier's and transfers to the Massachusetts Academy to become one of the Hellions. And that's how... Wheezy writes her out in issue three of her run. I mean, it. The reaction though is pretty funny too, because like all her, all her, all her friends, all her so-called friends are like, "Well, she is fancy." So I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> this place <laughs> is kind of a dump. It's sort of like the vibe. Yeah, and they're like, "Magneto's not that fancy, and it's not that fun here." So, well, hmm. I mean, okay, <laughs> we get it. I guess. The interesting thing there is, like, when we see her again a handful of issues later with the Hellions, Empath seems to return her feelings because in training, when he is supposed to do what he always does, which is, like, use your power on your classmates, mm-hmm. he can't bring himself to, like, torture Amara in the way that he does with the other Hellions. Oh, yeah, poor Tarot. I know. Oh, Jesus. I will say, though, we should probably say something of it's very kind of telling that 
the new mutants go after Birdbrain for many, many issues and don't even like send Amara like a little letter or don't even send Don't spend her that much time <laughs> trying to convince Amara to come back home. They really don't. They really don't. Meanwhile, Magic is teleporting, finding like teleporting to SeaWorld, getting like all that food <laughs> like that they feed the killer whales. We've got to convince Birdbrain to stay with us. It's like, Mag- who's Magma? We have, we have- In the first handful of issues, Simonson gets rid of Magma and Cypher so quick that it's like blink and you miss him babe yeah so <laughs> and it's the craziest like she, it's like ha- like like iliana is like going across the world there's an obsession with like if they can just illusion uh bird brain to stay and keep him hungry and fed <laughs> he will stay with them but it's not oh, really it's like, clear I, oh. this is not a bird brain episode and the <laughs> only new mutant i dislike more than magma and wolfsbane is bird brain and so we've got to move on Okay, all I want to say is there's a lot more affection towards Birdbrain from her new mutant. Who is unbearable. Birdbrain is the Jar Jar Binks of the X-Men. And all of the mutants are like, our new brother, Birdbrain. Whereas Amara leaves after like being a bitch to them for the final time. And they're all just like, bye, have fun in Massachusetts. Birdbrain is so cool. They have more fun with Gossamer than they do with Amara. Sorry, I did not mean to turn this into the bird. No, brain it's okay. Episode. We just, I can't, I can't bird brain tangent any further. I, I simply refuse. Amara's with the Hellions. She gets another letter from her father who's like, You really must come home and get married and yada. I've arranged a marriage for you and all this stuff. Emma tells Empath to go with her to Nova Roma because she wants him to put the whammy on Senator Aquila so that the Hellfire Club. <laughs> can mine Nova Roma for natural resources, <laughs> which is Smart. such a, like, it's like her Dr. Blight era. Like, it's a very Captain Planet moment from Emma. Just like, hmm, there are lots of minerals and things beneath Nova Roma. Let's see if there's any oil and, like, whatnot. So they're on the way to Nova Roma, or at least down to Rio, I guess, to take a boat down the river or whatever. And their plane crashes. So Amara and Empath are stuck in the rainforest and have to survive together and their relationship really deepens into a true romance and empath who has mostly been presented as a complete sociopath up to this point like his code name is ironic right Mm -hmm. is actually like wait i care about this girl also amara you shouldn't let your father marry you off to some random guy you've never met because I love you. Like, it's very that. And he's he's kind of the girlfriend in this arc. Well, also, though, like, the female character has an arranged marriage and the male character has to... This is basically exactly what happens with Dick Grayson and Starfire mm-hmm. in New Teen Titans also. Like, there are a couple of those where it's like, but my father has betrothed me to so-and-so. And, like, you have to... It is like a romance novel plot. But, yeah, he is very much, like, the supporting character in the story. And he's it's kind of the soft boy. It's a nice little boy. moment for Magma. He's kind of the soft boy because he has to, like, survive the plane crash when, obviously, she has... She's the power. She can just turn into a lava person. So, yeah. like, she's fine. <laughs> she's okay. But he's like, oh, <laughs> I can only do feeling power. Yeah. This oh. is like the one time Wheezy ever really gives a shit about magma. And it's a fun issue. That's uh, New Mutant 62. And then I guess also there's the annual, New Mutants Annual 4, where Senator Aquila is like, here's your betrothed, et cetera, et cetera. And then the High Evolutionary shows up. 
which is never good, honestly. Unless Zaladane is there, I don't care to see the High Evolutionary generally. No, absolutely not. He's just not my vibe, if I'm being completely honest. The High Evolutionary kidnaps Magma. He wants to test his new device that removes mutant powers on her. So Senator Aquila calls up Emma, and Emma is like, okay, the Hellfire Club will rescue her. The new mutants actually do end up rescuing her instead. And uh, she's like, I'm not marrying who you tell me to, father. I am my own woman, and yada, 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 yada. And then there's the plot with Hercules, which we were talking about. (laughs) That story is all a flashback because Amara is explaining her religion to Empath. (laughs) Right. It's a Chris Claremont fill-in during the Simonson period, but it takes place earlier, like during Claremont's run on New Mutants. When she meets Hercules, she is really upset because Hercules is a dumbass. (laughs) Such a himbo. And she's just like, I worship you as a god? (laughs) She was like, I've been telling my friends about you for so long. And you suck. (laughs) She refuses to believe that he's the real Hercules because she's like, I've been to the Temple of Hercules and you, Sarah, no Hercules, basically. (laughs) But then they save some kids from like a burning building and she sees Hercules' gentle compassion with one of the kids. She kneels before him like, my lord, it is you. Forgive me, please. And he's like, please get up. It's fine. (laughs) It's cool. No, like it's... (laughs) I I think what I... In that one, like it feels like an like that should be an Amara story, but it kind of feels like it's just her co-starring, like her she's the co-star to Hercules as a big. Story. It's more of like a Hercules guest star issue that Amara yeah. is in, right? But there is a nice moment there at the end where he's like, "I do not wish to be worshipped, but let us be friends." And mm-hmm. she's like, "I suppose Hercules, I will try, my you know, sir." And, and there's like fun stuff going on there with the whole idea of like. How does Hercules fit in into a world full of superheroes can, who well, can do right. everything he he does? Which I think is kind of fun. And he tells her that he thinks that mortal superheroes are much more impressive and worthy of respect than he is because they're actually risking their lives in a way that mm-hmm. he's not. Which is an interesting idea now in the age of Krakoa when like Magma can't die, right? Because she can come back. That's what the Iraqis say also up on Arako is they're just like, What's the point of fighting if you can't die? Then you're not doing anything that matters, right? Like, you're not actually risking anything or sticking your neck out for anything. Oh, and it's fun watching the New Mutants make fun of Hercules in the movie theater. Yes, (laughs) it is. They're just heckling. (laughs) They would be be at the 34th Street, (laughs) Chelsea, whatever, AMZ or Regal there (laughs) throwing popcorn at the fucking bad Hercules movie. She and Empath decide to hang out in Nova Rome a bit, I guess so that, like, Senator Aquila can, like, get to know Empath, right? Because Amara's like, but Daddy, I love him, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what's going on. That turns out to be super lucky for them, because soon after this, Claremont and Simonson leave the franchise, and the Hellions get absolutely <laughs> blown to bits by Trevor Fitzroy's Sentinels Aww. in... Uh, uncanny 281 282 the only survivors of the hellions now are amara and empath and warpath who had quit and firestar who also famously quit after she found out about the butter rum of it all mazel tov to firestar by the way on her addition to the x-men mm-hmm. 
Jerry made it funny, and I'm sure he will continue to make it funny, and I trust him implicitly. Congrats to the Firestar fans. You're insane, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. Are the Firestar fans the barbs of the X-Men community? No, the Jean fans are the barbs. Yes, okay. I call them the jarbs. Because they are, literally. Like, that what are, is exactly... what, are the, what are the Emmas? Emma stands and Storm stands are also, like, a lot to deal with, but they are not... It's not barb behavior in quite the same way. The Wanda fans are also, like, barbs, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, there is a warbs contingent, but, again, not an X-Men character. So, if the X-Men fandom is what we're talking about, the Jean fans, they frighten me. <laughs> they are powerful. Yes. They speak their mind a lot and uh <laughs> i i wish them the best but anyway <laughs> fabian niciesa has firestar and warpath head down to nova roma in new warriors because firestar is a new warrior by that point to tell amara and empath about the deaths of the hellions but while they're there they're like huh nova roma sure is weird huh isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and this is where the retcon happens empath confesses to amara that he has learned the truth of nova roma somehow mm-hmm. he says your name is allison crestmere you're a mutant of british descent you'd been living with your family in rio when celine kidnapped you i know who all of you are where you came from i can help you and he offers to unbrainwash the nova romans who according to him are all british people who celine kidnapped and placed in an ancient roman theme park And the reason that the technology and religion haven't evolved at all in 2,000 years is because Selene has kept it artificially stunted so that they would worship her as a goddess and continue to emulate the ancient Rome that she remembered and enjoyed. This is the best possible fix for Nova Roma. Unfortunately, it makes magma even less interesting because now the ancient Roman hook is gone. But given that no one seemed particularly interested in using her, that's fine, right? She is really upset that Empath kept this from her. Basically, like, with Celine gone, the spell started to fade, which is why in Nova Roma people are starting to act weird. Their conditioning is starting to break. And he's like, I didn't tell you because for the first time in my life I'm happy and I didn't want to lose you and I didn't want to lose this place. And Allison, as she's now called, is like, well, then I suppose we shall stay here and help all of the Nova Romans remember their true selves and become modern people again, and, like, they continue to be written out. Fabian is also writing X-Force by this point, so he brings them back in the Young Hunt when the upstarts are trying to kill all of the surviving New Mutants and Hellions as part of their game. Mm-hmm. Magma and Empath are specifically targeted by the Fenris twins, Experts in the New Warriors team up. She's kind of flop. She gets captured really quick. She sure does. And once she's been rescued, she's like, (laughs) I think it's time actually for me to go to England and try to find my parents because her parents were not kidnapped and brainwashed into Nova Romans. And so she'd like to go meet them, but she's scared. So she's like, will you come with me and yada yada. And she also dumps empath because she says that their relationship was built on false pretenses and therefore is also a lie, which is pretty rough, actually. Like, I, feel <laughs> I think that's, you know, not to hand it to empath, but mm-hmm. that doesn't, I mean, I get that she's under a lot of stress at the time, but it's not really his fault that Celine brainwashed her. <laughs> 
that's where we leave her for a good long time. And I think now is probably a good time to do the Cerebro character file on Amara Juliana Oliviance Aquila, <laughs> a.k.a. Magma, a.k.a. Alison Cressmere, but not for long. That's in 1994. We will not see her again until, well, there's the New Mutants Truth or Death miniseries by Ben Robb in 1997, but that's like a time travel story. So like we won't see her again in the present until 1999. So I think now is a good time to break and we will return for more with Alex Abad Santos. We will tell you about the limited amount of stories that Magma has had since 1994 And then we will answer a lot of questions from listeners like you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. X-Men, X-Men. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. And now, Miss Candy Southern and me, your host, with a message from our sponsors. Long time no see, beautiful boys and groovy gals. The summer's just beginning. And I, for one... (laughs) Oh my, that one was a whopper. What's the matter, Candy? Sorry, Connor, old sport. My allergies are just the pits this year. I'm afraid any ad for me is going to sound like it was recorded underwater. Have you tried Astapro over-the-counter nasal spray? It's the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray and starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, delivering full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. I've had terrible allergies this year, which is a bummer when you record a podcast for a living, but Astapro has kept me sounding crystal clear. It's got your back and your nose. And thank heavens for that. If you've got allergies like me and Candy, get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com X-Men, X-Men. Amara Juliana Oliviance Aquila, best known by the codename Magma and briefly by the name Alison Crestmere, is perhaps the most obscure of the classic New Mutants. Created by Chris Claremont and Sal Buscema, Amara is a young noblewoman of Nova Roma, a lost colony of ancient Romans in the Amazon jungle, who joins the team to master her volcanic power over earth and fire. The character is never really stuck, especially after a confusing series of retcons and unretcons in the 90s and early aughts, but she's always just kind of around. Amara debuts in 1983's New Mutants No. 8, in which she appears as one of a group of dark-skinned indigenous tribeswomen who attack the New Mutants during their exploration of the Amazon rainforest. Captured by the New Mutants as a hostage, she's revealed to be a white blonde girl when she falls into the river and her makeup and hair dye are washed away. Before she can explain, the group is apprehended by ancient Roman soldiers and taken to Nova Roma, where Amara's father, Lucius Antonius Aquila, is a prominent senator, rival to the sinister Marcus Domitius Gallio. It turns out Amara's father hid her with a friendly local tribe in order to protect her from the Black Priestess, a mysterious cult leader who's been murdering young girls in volcanic sacrifices. Amara escapes from custody, but is captured by Selene, the exotic wife of Senator Gallio, who is secretly the Black Priestess herself, an ancient immortal mutant who sustains herself by draining life force from others. When Selene throws Amara into the volcano, Amara's own latent mutation activates, granting her power over fire, seismic force, and volcanic activity. She helps the new mutants defeat and apparently kill Selene. And once the threat has been resolved, Senator Aquila bids her travel to America with them to master her new abilities. After the culture shock of modern Rio de Janeiro causes a dangerous power spike, Amara realizes she does indeed need to get under control, and becomes a member of the New Mutants under the codename Magma. 
When they arrive in Westchester, Amara is disappointed with the relative squalor of the Xavier mansion compared to her Nova Roman life of extreme luxury. She's also uncomfortable around Professor Xavier, not trusting that he will stay out of her thoughts. She decides to return home, but reconsiders after she overhears Xavier speaking with his lover Lilandra Naramani, exiled empress of the alien Shi'ar. Lilandra's devotion to her people inspires Amara to buckle down and train hard. She doesn't quite fit in with the team, though, and is left bemused by Cannonball's romantic interest in her. After bonding with the X-Men's teenage ward Rachel Summers, also a woman out of time, in Uncanny X-Men 189, Amara joins Rachel on a shopping trip to Manhattan, where they bond further over their mutual hatred of Celine, who's become the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. The girls decide to kill the psychic vampire once and for all, and infiltrate the Hellfire Club by stealing maid outfits. Celine quickly overpowers them, beginning a psychic conflict with Rachel for control of their bodies and souls. But the X-Men arrive, and Xavier chastises Amara and Rachel. The X-Men do not kill, he reminds them, even if the target is someone as wicked as Celine. Back in New Mutants, Amara and Sunspot are kidnapped and forced to battle in an underground mutant gladiatorial circuit in Los Angeles. They're freed by their classmates, who team up with Shadowcat and Dazzler. In the 1985 New Mutants special, the New Mutants are kidnapped to Asgard, where Amara finds herself lost among the fairies and elves. After eating some magical fairy food, Amara is transformed into an elf herself and is aghast at this apparently permanent change in her body. After the New Mutants defeat Loki, however, she's restored to normal and sent back home. At the mansion, the kids learn their new headmaster is Magneto, as Professor Xavier was grievously injured and has departed for Shi'ar space. Shortly thereafter, the New Mutants are murdered and resurrected by the cosmic entity the Beyonder, which leaves them in a catatonic fugue state. Emma Frost, the telepathic white queen of the Hellfire Club, convinces Magneto to transfer them to her school, the Massachusetts Academy, where they join her students, their rivals, the Hellions. With help from Magneto, Emma's able to restore their minds, whereupon they return to him and to Xavier's. Emma lets them go, but tells them that they are all always welcome to return to her. In New Mutants 53, one of Claremont's last issues on the title, the team accompanies Magneto to a gala at the Hellfire Club, with which he and the X-Men have established a truce. Amara is infuriated to be breathing the same air as Celine, especially when Celine casually reveals she long ago murdered Amara's mother. Amara is then perturbed by an ancient statue one of the club members is showing off, which he claims depicts the moon goddess Celine. He notes its resemblance to the club's immortal black queen. Amara, however, recognizes the statue. It is a family heirloom depicting her great-great-however-many-greats-grandmother. Celine interrupts, explaining that all of these things are true. The statue depicts the goddess, the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club, and Amara's ancestor. All of these women are the same person. This horrifies Amara, who insists it must be a lie, but the matter is never resolved. Under new writer Louise Simonson, Amara is upset when classmate Danny Moonstar's power reveals to the team that Amara has a crush on Empath, Manuel de la Rocha, the most dreadful of their rival Hellions. Amara feels a kinship with Empath, who hails from European aristocracy and also claims descent from ancient Rome. Sulking in her room, Amara ruminates over a letter from her father, who wishes her to return to Nova Roma to be married. Unwilling to go home, but longing for the fancier accommodations of the Massachusetts Academy, Amara decides to transfer into the Hellions to explore her feelings for Empath. Several months later, in issue 62, we see that while Empath appears to return Amara's romantic interest, Amara hasn't acclimated easily to her new team. The other girls, particularly Marie-Ange Colbert, aka Taro, feel threatened by her, and Taro accuses Empath of being Amara's lover. This compels him to use his powers against her, and even though the two girls hadn't gotten along, Amara defends Taro. When another letter arrives from Nova Roma insisting on Amara's return, the White Queen instructs Empath to accompany Amara so that the Hellfire Club can exploit the lost civilization's resources. When their plane crashes in the Amazon, Amara and Empath must work together to survive in the wilderness, and they fall in love. When they arrive in Nova Roma, Empath encourages Amara to refuse the betrothal her father has arranged. She's then kidnapped by the High Evolutionary in New Mutants Annual Number 4, but truly do not worry about it. 
What matters is that after she's rescued, her father relents about the engagement, and she's free to begin a formal romantic relationship with Empath. The following year, in New Mutants 81, a fill-in issue by Chris Claremont, Amara relates a story to Empath about her time with the New Mutants. In this flashback story, Amara is stunned to meet the Avenger Hercules, whom she's worshipped all her life as a god. She's not impressed with the genuine article until they team up to save children from a burning building, and the two become friends. This story is cute. Amara doesn't return to publication until four years later, after Claremont and Simonson depart the franchise. When the other Hellions are slaughtered by Trevor Fitzroy, one of the mutant-hunting thrill-seekers called the Upstarts, Amara and Empath are visited in Nova Roma by Cannonball, Firestar, and Warpath in the pages of New Warriors by writer Fabian Niciesa. It's quickly evident that something in Nova Roma is off. And in a major retcon, it's revealed that the entire civilization of Nova Roma is an artificial simulation created by Selene through dark magic. Its denizens are actually modern people who've been kidnapped and brainwashed to believe themselves ancient Romans. And in Selene's prolonged absence, their programming is starting to break down. Empath reveals he figured this out some time ago, but maintained the fiction because Nova Roma is the first place he's ever been truly happy. He tells Amara that her real name is Alison Cressmere, and that she's the daughter of British diplomats who were living in Rio de Janeiro when she was kidnapped. Empath and Allison decide to stay in Nova Roma to help the citizens adjust to their new reality. The following year, in the crossover Child's Play, also by Niciesa, Allison and Empath are targeted by the Upstarts as part of the Young Hunt, in which the group attempts to eliminate all surviving New Mutants and Hellions. After X-Force and the New Warriors save them from the Fenris twins, Allison decides she can't continue her relationship with Empath, as it was founded on a falsehood, and decides to abandon both him and Nova Roma to seek out her real parents in England. Three years later, a time-displaced version of Amara slash Allison appears alongside her teammates in the miniseries New Mutants Truth or Death by writer Ben Robb, but you don't have to worry about it. Her next appearance in the present is in 1999's X-Verse 81 by writer John Francis Moore, in which she's described as a British exile and has joined up with the villainous King Bedlam and his new Hellions. When Bedlam's plans go too far, Allison betrays him and helps X-Force. She then flees before she can be taken into custody. Another four years go by before Allison turns up again, this time in the Chuck Austin run on Uncanny X-Men, as one of several mutants captured by the anti-mutant Church of Humanity and crucified on the lawn at the Xavier Mansion. Archangel's new secondary mutation, Healing Blood, is able to save Allison's life, but she remains in a coma. Some months later, in the DeFilippis and Weir New Mutants Volume 2, the young Omega-level healer Elixir is able to use his powers to shock Allison back to consciousness. Confused and frightened, Allison activates her powers and destroys a wing of the mansion, then runs away into the woods. She turns up in Los Angeles in Chris Claremont's Extreme X-Men, where she joins Sunspot's new branch of the outreach group X-Corporation and abruptly begins calling herself Amara again and once more acting like she's from ancient Rome. She now expresses a deep distaste for Empath, who's been hired by Sunspot as his communications director. Amara and Sunspot later share a kiss while under the telepathic influence of the evil Elias Bogan in a very upsetting scene. Anyway, Amara helps the Extreme X-Men fight Bogan, eventually finding a mysterious mannequin in his secret headquarters. The mannequin looks just like Amara, wears her mother's jewelry, and displays her father's sword. When the mannequin is animated through Bogan's power, the X-Men battle it on the astral plane. But Amara finds herself facing down Selene, who taunts her with knowledge of her mother's death. Selene says she's the genuine article, not one of Bogan's illusions, but this plot does not go anywhere, so don't worry about it. In the final issue of Extreme X-Men, Amara explains to Cannonball that when she was revived by Elixir, it gave her a clarity of thought that enabled her to discern Alison Crestmere had been the true lie, and Nova Roma was real after all. This is Chris Claremont casually undoing Fabian Nicias' retcon, which he evidently did not like. In any event, they travel to New York to deal with the aftermath of Zorn Magneto's attack on the city, don't worry about it right now, and Amara decides to stick around the school, pivoting into Academy X as a teacher. She replaces Wolfsbane, who's left her teaching position after an inappropriate affair with student Elixir. 
Then comes the decimation, in which all but about 200 mutants worldwide are depowered. In the miniseries X-Men The 198 by David Hine and Jim Muniz, Amara is one of those to retain her gift, but at a terrible price. Her new boyfriend Antonio is burned to death before her eyes in a volcano when his own similar power is extinguished. This drives her crazy, and she's apprehended by the X-Men off the coast of Guatemala, where she's been causing natural disasters. Empath, who's also retained his mutant power over emotion, is able to use it to sedate her. Amara hangs around the camp for the 198 established by the Office of National Emergency on the grounds of the Xavier Institute, but finds herself growing more and more emotionally unstable. She blames this on Empath, but it's actually the mutant called Johnny D, who uses his so-called voodoo dolls to spark a riot. With the voodoo doll of Amara, he's able to control her into executing the messianic Omega-level mutant Absalon Mercator, a.k.a. Mr. M. Still erroneously blaming Empath, Amara leaves Xavier's to get away from him. Two years later, in Young X-Men by Mark Guggenheim and Yannick Paquette, a group of former Xavier students are convinced by Donald Pierce, posing as Cyclops with an illusion, that the classic New Mutants have become supervillains. They attack Amara, who uses her powers to freeze one of them, dust, into glass. Once everything's been more or less sorted out, she's able to melt dust back down into sand and accompanies the kids to the New Mutant Haven Utopia off the coast of San Francisco, where the real Cyclops tasks her with acting as one of the island's major defenders. She attempts to reconcile with Empath, who's been imprisoned after he was manipulated by the evil Red Queen into attacking the X-Men, but he rebukes her. Amara then becomes a regular cast member in New Mutants Volume 3 by writer Zeb Wells, where she joins a new squad of X-Men comprised of her old New Mutants teammates and led by Cannonball. Amara is perturbed by Magic, who claims to have advanced knowledge of Amara's death via time travel. It was allegedly a dying Amara who convinced Magic to go back in time and alter the timeline. In the franchise-wide event Necrotia, Selene uses a combination of dark sorcery and the techno-organic virus to resurrect dead mutants all around the world in a quest to become a true goddess. She tasks the resurrected Cypher with murdering his old friend Amara, here described definitively as Selene's granddaughter. Cypher is able to beat Amara nearly to death, but is stopped by the new mutants. Amara is able to recover thanks to the X-Men's ally, Dr. Nemesis, who uses an experimental serum to force her into magma form and begin healing herself. While she's recuperating, Selene and her forces are defeated. Amara reconciles with Cypher and is attended by Sunspot, who's developed romantic feelings for her. But they don't have time to explore it, but where they must accompany Magic to Limbo to battle the ancient Elder Gods there. Amara's willing to sacrifice herself to ensure Magic does travel back in time to save the world, but it turns out this isn't necessary, and Magic's master plan works. The Elder Gods are destroyed and erased from existence. Under new writers Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, Amara continues to serve with the team after a roster shakeup, even assuming leadership briefly when Danny Moonstar is captured by the goddess Hela. The New Mutants attempt to travel to the Norse Hell, Hela's realm in Niflheim, but make a mistake in their spellcasting and accidentally travel to the Christian Hell, realm of the archdevil Mephisto. Mephisto is taken with Amara and offers to send the New Mutants to help Danny if Amara agrees to go on a date with him in the future. Over her teammates' objections, especially Sunspots, Amara agrees and they're able to help Danny and the Valkyries defend Niflheim. After the 2011 schism in which the mutants divide their loyalties between Wolverine and Cyclops, the new mutants decide to stay with Cyclops, but move off Utopia into a house in San Francisco. To help pay the bills, Amara applies for some restaurant jobs. Her powers later prove essential when a rock band causes an earthquake, and Sunspot decides to proclaim his love. Amara is grateful for his help, but tells him she only sees him as a friend. Meanwhile, Mephisto comes calling for their promised date. He takes Amara to a restaurant in hell, but she convinces him to go out in San Francisco instead. Surprisingly charmed by Mephisto, Amara gives him a kiss on the cheek and tells him he's welcome to call her for a second date, but decides to hide this from her friends. When they do figure it out, the New Mutants are concerned and Sunspot is pretty bummed. Amara eventually breaks up with Mephisto after she learns he's been holding some Norse goddesses captive. Following Avengers vs. X-Men and the end of Utopia, the New Mutants team disbands and Amara fades into the background of the franchise again. She makes only two appearances over the next five years, backing up Danny in an issue of Fearless Defenders and attending Sunspot's fake funeral in New Avengers. 
In 2017's X-Men Gold, written by Mark Guggenheim, Amara is brainwashed into joining a new incarnation of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants by the hypnotic villain Mesmero. She's recovered by the X-Men and slowly regains her sanity, though she fails to get revenge on Mesmero when she attacks him some issues later. She then hangs out in the background of the book as part of a squad led by Iceman. In the 2019 soft reboot, House of X and Powers of Ten by writer Jonathan Hickman, Amara is one of countless mutants to join the new sovereign nation on the living island Krakoa. Amara is the only member of the classic New Mutant squad not to factor into Hickman and Rod Rice's relaunch of New Mutants, but she later recurs in Ed Brisson's run on the title. A letter from her father in Nova Roma tells of a mutant boy who's been harmed while trying to access a Krakoan gate. Amara and some of her comrades travel to Nova Roma, where they discover strange creatures terrorizing the populace. This plot remains unresolved following Brisson's departure from the title, and Amara was not picked up as a regular cast member for Vita Ayala's subsequent run. In the 2021 event miniseries The Trial of Magneto by Leah Williams and Lucas Vernack, Amara is the most vocal mutant to challenge the good intentions of the Scarlet Witch, one-time architect of the decimation. She next appears in the 2022 miniseries Sabretooth by Victor Laval and Leonard Kirk, in which she's dismayed to learn about the horrors of the pit beneath Krakawa, where undesirables have been sentenced by Xavier and Magneto. At the urging of Mole the Morlock, who's acting on behalf of the prisoners, Amara uses her powers to cause a volcanic eruption on Krakoa that provides cover for a prison break. And, uh, that's it. X-Men, X-Men. You're always nervous. You thought this lead episode hadn't gone well, and then it turned out to be the most popular episode of this show. Is it? Actually, you know what? I'm just going to leave that in. I'm going to leave this is in it? right now. Is we're it? back. Oh, and no. we're back. Oh, yes, we're no, back. it is. We're back. It is. Oh. You know, the like, my favorite thing about this lead episode is... Is, and I think about this like maybe once a week is Lot's wife. <laughs> Lot's wife. Oh yeah, well I mean, what the reason it's the reason it's become the most <laughs> listened to episode of this podcast is because of all those TikToks. <laughs> Krakoa welcomes me. Like we did a whole week leading up to Immortal X Men Two, which is why I read Kieran the Riot Act. But it was a fun bit, and now there are all these Gen Z Celine stands that we created, <laughs> and I feel really good about that. Celine stands, I love you. I love you all. Oh, I love the Celine kids. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's like everybody discovering Kate Bush now. Oh, you know. Yeah, it's like our gay icon is now their gay icon, and that excites me. Absolutely. I hope. I hope that. Do you think Celine likes Kate Bush? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> she... You think Celine talks about Lot's wife with Kate Bush? Celine, I don't think Celine's met Kate Bush, but I think Celine like <laughs> definitely has the sensual world on vinyl. Oh yeah, Babushka. She loves Babushka. That's never forever. But yes, no. I mean, I think Sorry. she has. No, no, no. I meant like no, the song. Fine. No, no. But, I know. I just that's yeah. not. Oh, but I was like, I'm. I'm. This is not a Kate Bush podcast, and I could do a Kate Bush podcast. So let's. Oh, I, I can't. We can't. I, 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 am, I am very, I am a Kate Bush neophyte. I'm going to, I can't, I'm not even. Oh my, I mean, my Twitter username. The funniest thing is the kids suddenly get my Twitter username because it's a <laughs> Kate Bush lyric and they've all been listening to Hounds of Love now because of running up that hell being on Stranger Things. And they're all like, oh, Dream of Oregon. I'm like, yes, it is from Cloud Busting. Great song. Check it out. When I saw Kate Bush do that live at the Before the Dawn show, I wept. It was the encore because she knows. She was like, I'm going to make you wait for Cloud Busting, bitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, because that's the one to end on with like tears streaming down your face. It was really good. Absolutely. Oh, that, was that was an all time experience. Anyway, we're here. Uh, we're back now uh, talking about magma, theoretically. I mean, the thing is, when I reached out to Alex and said, let's do magma, it wasn't because either of us is enormously passionate about magma. It was because it felt like a funny sequel to the Celine episode, which is such a celebrated 
fan favorite episode of this podcast. I mean, I want to know who the passionate Magma fans are. They're out there. There are people who love Magma. And you know what? Like, God bless them. And I'm not saying people who loved Magma on the Evolution cartoon, because that's a completely different character. I'm talking about like... Or X-Men Legends. Yeah, also a different character. But this is just people who just fucking love Amara Juliana (laughs) Olivia's Aquila. You deserve better. I hope we got better. I (laughs) would, I mean, I would like to think that if you have spent this many years standing magma, Mm -hmm. just build higher standards for yourself. (laughs) Because I want better for you. You know what I mean? That said, the look is great. And I hope that someone gives you the magma story that you want and crave and desire. I just don't think anyone has. Oh, the magma story they deserve. If you've stuck it out with Magma you for have, It's true. It's true. It's kind of like, I'm a big Sky Ferreira fan. And whenever Sky <laughs> drops a single, I'm just like, ah, yes. I have waited a thousand years. But every like thousand years, Sky Ferreira emerges from her cave and mm-hmm. releases the banger of the century. And then is just like, I'm not doing any more music ever again. Or am I? And just like disappears back into the shadows. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting on that album, Sky, if you're listening. Also a Brazilian queen, actually, Sky Ferreira. <laughs> also a white blonde girl from Brazil. <laughs> um, <but laughs> point is, I get it. I see you. I understand, like, not the magma of it all, but where you're coming from. And I hope, you know what I will say? I've been a Polaris fan my whole life, and there's never really been a great Polaris story until, like, now. Mm-hmm. And it feels real good right now to be a Polaris mm-hmm. stan who has waited for her to have, like, a tail. So, you know, maybe Magnum will get there. I do think that the stuff in Sabretooth was was a good start. Maybe we'll see more of that. Anyway, uh, when last we left our heroine, she had gone off to meet her parents in 1994 she pops up again with the time-traveling new mutants, like I said, in the 1997 miniseries Truth or Death, but that's a time-displaced version, and they forget everything at the end of the story, so it's not super consequential. In terms of her personal timeline, she shows up again in the John Francis Moore run on X-Force in the late 90s. This is issue 87 in 1999. Here she is one of the new Hellions, King Bedlam's group of Hellions. King Bedlam is a character you do not need to worry about. He is the brother of Jesse Bedlam, an (laughs) X-Force character you also do not need to worry about. I don't have a problem with the Bedlam brothers. They're just, like, not important, right? Mm -hmm. King Bedlam's big thing that is cool as hell to me in this era is that he has used his powers, which are mysterious powers over the brain, to resurrect Tarot, because the retcon is that he and Taro were in love back in the 80s when he didn't exist yet as a character. So Mm -hmm. Taro's back, and he has created the new Hellions, which Taro's involved in, and two of the other members, actually one of them is Switch, who's doing a lot of stuff in uh, Legion of X right now, Devin Alomar. That was such a pull. Like It was like, sure, that character, we haven't seen them in like 20 years. What I wanted to mention when she joins the Hellions for a little bit, like back the classic Hellions yeah, back in the day. It's, it's, it's kind of funny watching her interact. <laughs> they don't seem particularly thrilled with her either. No, <laughs> nobody likes this girl. Cats like, and Tarot are just like. <sighs> well, it's like we already have a bitch because like Roulette is already a blonde bitch. <laughs> she's Greek even. Like she's like, we already have a Greco-Roman blonde yeah. bitch on our team. We're good. Yeah. Because Tara Roulette and Cat's Eye have, like, a great thing going. Yeah. They're Emma's favorites. 
having their little like mean girl club. I mean, Tara is nice. Like, and so is Cat's Eye, frankly. They're actually not mean. Only Roulette is mean. But they're doing their thing. They're like mm-hmm. a little clique. And then Amara shows up and they're just kind of like, they're, they're like, Hi. like, they're just like, you're throwing off the vibe, basically. Yeah. Like, could you be less weird? And then they're just like, why are you so trained so well? <laughs> they're like, I think that's a lot of the things that happens with Amara in, in these arcs. It's like, like you said, she picks up technology really fast. She gets trained really fast. Everyone keeps saying like how well trained she is, but then she's just and she's such like, a quick study. But then it's like she's a flop. Then she flops. yeah. <laughs> then she flops. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I think also it's that, like, I do think they're intimidated by how powerful she is. Mm -hmm. Tarot can do, like, cool stuff, but it's a limited power set. Cat's Eye is just a cat. (laughs) 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 And Roulette, who has a really scary power, like her luck manipulation is pretty scary, but she's not really useful in a fight. She's the cipher analog really on the Hellions because they both have to be protected by the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. But if she throws a luck disc at you and gives you bad luck, you're fucked my guy. (laughs) But like, (laughs) but but you could also just like shoot her with a gun and she'd be in trouble. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And Magma is just like, loves to burn the, burn Tarot's cards. She, she is horny to burn Tarot's cards. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Given the opportunity, she's just like, you see those cards? I'm going to burn them. Burn them. Okay, sorry. I distracted you. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're back in the 90s now. We're in 1999. It's the new Hellions. Tarot's been brought back from the dead mysteriously by King Bedlam. Her power has now evolved in a way that's cool, which is that when she, this is not a tarot episode, but like instead of just summoning the figures on the tarot cards, she can also like become them. So she uses the death card and like suddenly has like a cool cloak and a big scythe that she can fight with. And that's like pretty neat. Mm-hmm. The other members of the team that are relevant are two former friends of X-Force, Feral and Magma. This is the arc where Feral slits Siren's throat. For more on that, come back either next week or the week after for the Feral episode. But Magma is the one who really like, everybody's like, Magma, you're evil now? (laughs) She's described as a British exile, which is weird. So like apparently going to meet her parents did not go well. No. She looks, however, so cool in this arc unfortunately it's because she's wearing ancient egyptian jewelry and it's like amara (laughs) but it's a cool look there should be an egyptian character who looks like that because she looks fucking radical she's like in lava form with like a manat necklace and like these bracelets and she looks fucking rad but uh it's not roman problematic a little i mean you know well i mean now i'm looking at it let me go look at it i'm like could this be jewelry from the hellenistic period (laughs) that necklace is pretty egyptian looking but i mean like once the cult of isis reached rome but that happened way after the republic period that nova roma was based on also at this point in her history she's allison cressmere so Mm -hmm. i don't know anyway point is she looks great got some bracelets but she's evil so there's that. That said, when King Bedlam proves to be super evil and is blackmailing the government, it's like, I'm going to bring about the end of the world and yada yada. Magma's like, okay, I wanted to get rich, but I'm not down for <laughs> the end of the releasing world. the Armageddon man. So yeah. she betrays the New Hellions and helps X-Force. 
what's she been up to? We don't really get that much clarity on that. And after that, we don't see her again for four years until she pops up in the Chuck Austin run on Uncanny X-Men as one of the characters who randomly gets crucified on the front lawn at Xavier's by the Church of Humanity. This is a very low point for this character. Yeah, it's just like, babe, you're so irrelevant that you were one of the people we could just throw on the crucifixion lawn. The only character that's important who gets crucified is Jubilee. And she's the one who, Jubilee and Magma are the two that they are able to save with Warren's newly evolved healing blood. Don't worry about it. Go back to the angel and husk episodes Mm -hmm. for more on that. And they're just like, basically it's all about like, oh my God, I can't believe they crucified jubilee like the the church of humanity right. wanted no, to send exactly. a message <laughs> exactly. and then everyone's like oh my god not jubilee not jubilee oh and magma magma's back there <laughs> magma they stabilize but she's in a coma she's back there <laughs> the two who die are skin from gen x and jesse bedlam from 90s x-force which is again why like like he hadn't been back so this is why i'm saying he's not a character you especially have to worry about it is a bad look that it's like the two men of color who die I guess Chuck Austin, problematic. I, I Like, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. So, you know, but mm-hmm. it's not great. Jubilee gets better. Amara does not get better and is in a coma. But we see her popping up a couple times in her coma in the infirmary in the Weir and DeFilippis New Mutants Volume 2, the first Academy X book. This is when Rain is running amok with Elixir. But Elixir and Hellion... This is Julian Keller Hellion, who names himself Hellion after the dead Hellions, but is not. Mm-hmm. He's a new character. They are like, I bet we could wake Magma up with your powers, Elixir, <laughs> and save boys the day. Boys will be boys, I right. guess. So Josh is like, let's sneak into the infirmary, and he touches Magma and does wake her up, but she panics and explodes like half the mansion and runs away. Yeah. I think he's also kind of like he's a, he's a he's a little bit of an outsider, right? Like he's like <laughs> fighting with the rest of his team and they're like you can't really heal people and he's like I'm going to show you guys and then he teams up with in a very kind of like broy way with Hellion. Yeah. <laughs> and he fucking defibrillates magma. <laughs> Clear. <laughs> But she's so freaked out that she does just, like, blow up the wing of the mansion and flee into the night. So it's like, great work, boys. And then they were like, oh, no one will know it was us. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's just, magma's at it again, you know? Like, what are you going to... In a fucking school full of telepaths. They're like, no one's ever going to know. No one's ever going to know it was us. She pops up a few months later in the Extreme X-Men arc Intifada, which, Chris, don't call it. This is over in Chris Claremont's Extreme X-Men, where she turns up as a new recruit for X-Corporation, which is the global outreach thing that Xavier is now doing. She is recruited to the LA branch, but she's, I mean, apparently she's like calmed down at this point. Uh, She gets in touch with Sunspot, who recruits her to join the LA branch, which he is running. Cannonball is there, too, because he's with the Extreme X-Men at that point. And the Extreme X-Men are living on the West Coast during this period. They're, like, in the desert outside L.A. Mm -hmm. Magma confuses everyone by insisting, like, my name is Amara and, like, I'm from ancient Rome. Because Chris Claremont is like, no, 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 to this retcon. (laughs) They're all just like, I thought you were Alice. And she's like, don't worry about it right now. 
Empath is also part of X Corp LA. He's been hired as their communication specialist, and Amara is pissed to see him. She's like furious. I hate Empath, and it's kind of like, do you? Because it wasn't again. Like none of this was his fault, particularly. But whatever. She's pissed. Well, I guess she's now really pissed because she's discovered that the Allison Crestmere thing was the actual lie, and he's the one who told. I mean, this is never really cleared up. No, so absolutely. Don't not. worry about it. There's a really creepy scene in this arc where Elias Bogan, don't worry about Elias Bogan. Elias Bogan, who's like the evil telepath that Claremont invents for Extreme X-Men because the Shadow King had been killed off. And it's very much just like Claremont doing the Shadow King again. Mm -hmm. Elias Bogan uses his evil enslaved telepath, who later will turn out to be a brainwashed Rachel Summers, but don't worry about that right now either. Go back to the Rachel episode maybe. The telepath takes over Empath and uses his power to force Amara and Sunspot to make out in a very weird scene. It goes on for panels and panels until like Empath and Amara and Beto are all sobbing with tears streaming down their face while Sunspot and Magma are still making out while like sobbing from the violation. And you're just like, Chris, this is truly like Chris Claremont Unchained. This is right before like the arena arc. Like it's not... There's too much going on here. It's like, dial it back, It's weird. my friend. It's Love too, you, it's but this weird. is, it's too much. Anyway, not great. Also, that telepath loves to lick brains. That's what I remember <laughs> from reading it. There's a lot of, like, weird stuff that happens with Bishop in that arc. And it's just like, yeah. and, like, the, the telepath's, like, kissing his fucking brain and shit. And you're just like, wow, this is. What weird. am I reading? It's a lot going on. Anyway, after the weird scene, Bogan's pet telepath rachel erases everyone's memories so they don't remember what happened and also gets empath hooked on kick which is pretty funny because the Mm -hmm. kick arc is like presently happening in new x-men like a handful of issues later still in extreme amara shows back up she has a cool new costume now she's still with x group la she's a cool new costume now that has like roman elements to it which i think is a good direction for the character like if you're gonna bring back the ancient rome thing which I get because it is more interesting than her just being this girl named Allison. But like <laughs> the retcon was so funny that it is a shame to lose it, right? Yeah. I do think it's probably better for the character long term to be ancient Roman. This would all be so much easier if she was just a time traveler. There was really no reason for Nova Roma to be like a contemporary civilization <laughs> that has remained unchanged in the jungle for 2000 years. That's really the part that's a problem. But anyway, it doesn't super matter. They're still fighting Elias Bogan. Elias Bogan is like the overall big bad of Extreme X-Men. He is just not a compelling character, so don't worry about it too much. But there is a great scene where they are in the like catacombs beneath Bogan's mansion. And Amara comes across a mannequin. <laughs> a mannequin that looks just like her and is wearing her mother's clothes she like recognizes the clothes as belonging to her dead mother and her father's sword is sitting beneath the mannequin elias bogan uses the mannequin to like psychically torture all of the x-men he like animates it but when it turns to amara it becomes celine and we know celine loves a mannequin (laughs) that woman loves a dress form she loves a mannequin and there's this really great little fight scene between them Amara grabs her father's sword and starts swinging it. It's like a short sword, like a Roman, like Gladius. The mannequin, like unlike the other scenes where it's just like, this is telepathic weirdness, the Selene possessed mannequin insists like, oh no, this is real. 
And this plot never goes anywhere, but she's like, this isn't just Bogan. Like, I'm here, bitch. Guess what? (laughs) Knock, knock. Bogan is tied to the Hellfire Club, so it's not out of, like, the realm of possibility. It's just, like, this is a plot. This is very close to the end of Mm -hmm. Extreme X-Men, and it's just never really addressed. But there's a great bit where Selene, through the mannequin, says, your mother chose to defy me. Be careful not to make the same mistake. (laughs) And Magma says, you killed her! And swings the sword. You are so like your father. He defended your mother with that same gladius. (laughs) So that's all we've ever really gotten about the death of Amara's mother, which is a point of interest that I am definitely intrigued by. That's when Extreme X-Men ends. In the final issue of Extreme X-Men, which is 46, she explains to Sam that after the shock to her system of Elixir waking her up from like the crucifixion coma, it just like basically realigned some shit in her brain and she was able to determine that Nova Roma was real and Alison Kressmere was actually the lie and that it was something someone created to turn her against her family. It's not explained. Chris Claremont basically just says to you, do not worry about it. From the end of Extreme, she pivots over to Academy X because two things have happened. One is that Zorn has blown up the X-Mansion, so they're trying to, like, you know, get everything back together. The other is that Rain has been removed from her position as a teacher. (laughs) So someone needs to head up the Paragon Squad, and uh, Danny convinces Amara to come be a teacher at the school. That doesn't last very long, though, because only a year later, she is caught up in the decimation in the miniseries X-Men The 198. Amara is not decimated, but we see her on vacation in Guadalupe, where she has met a boy named Antonio, who she has fallen in love with because he also has lava powers, and they're really vibing. Oh my god, he makes he makes her the cutest little lava heart. It's really sweet, and uh, they are frolicking together in a volcano. Yep. She's like, Antonio, stay with me, right? And it's like, we can just do volcanology together. Yeah, and they decide to like hang out in volcanoes and be cool <laughs> volcano pals. <laughs> and uh, then the decimation hits, and old Wanda takes Antonio's powers <laughs> away, and he literally melts. Like he disintegrates while screaming for Amara, disintegrates into a skeleton of ash and dies. I know it smells crazy in there. I know it smells crazy in there. Disgusting. (laughs) Amara has a psychotic break from witnessing this, which like, I'm not mad about it. Like of all the like flop Amara moments, (laughs) I'd be pretty crazy too if this happened to me, right? So she's just like completely has a psychotic episode she starts like racing across the ocean doing volcano things, ends up in Guatemala where like the tectonic plates all around her are like erupting and destroying shit. There's earthquakes happening. The ONE send the X-Men with Empath to try and like calm her down. Mm-hmm. Empath, who also still has his powers, is able to use them to like sedate her. And Emma's like, she's freaking out. Emma's like, she is absolutely wild and unhinged right now. 
So she ends up at the little concentration camp that the ONE has set up at Xavier's for the 198, not Val Cooper's best era. Go back to the Val Cooper episode. And she is in this miniseries, which is mostly about Mr. M, this mysterious Omega level mutant, Absalom Mercator, who has popped up again recently in Knights of X after a bunch of teases about him since Hoxpox. In this story, there's this mutant, Johnny D, who is able to control people by making little effigies of them. He calls them his voodoo dolls, and he can like manipulate them and make you do stuff. He tempts Amara and is like trying to seduce her. She feels herself acting weird, and she assumes that Empath is manipulating her emotions, but it's actually Johnny D who is manipulating her using one of his voodoo dolls. He ends up starting a riot at the camp, and Mr. M is killed by magma. Like, (laughs) Johnny D (laughs) makes her kill him. Like, the messiah (laughs) mutant guy who's, like, here to save everyone. Oops. Magma just lights him up, and, uh, you know, there you go. Um, So, you know, cool. She still doesn't know Johnny D did it, and she's just like, empath must have made me do it, which is just, you know. It's a, it's a fraught relationship, those two. Their guys. relationship is, let's say, complicado. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you'd say that in Portuguese, but he's Spanish, so that's fine. <laughs> a couple years later, she turns up in Young X-Men. Uh, we talked about this in the Dust episode. This is after Messiah Complex, when Cyclops has disbanded the X-Men and the school. So the young kids who were students there just kind of fending for themselves. And a fake Cyclops, who's actually Donald Pierce, convinces them all that the original New Mutants have become a new brotherhood and are evil and must be stopped. And uh, they attack Magma, and Magma kicks the shit out of them and gives Dust sand cancer. Oh, the sand cancer. <laughs> Not the sand. That's when she turns to glass, right? She turns dust into glass, and oh. then she's able to undo it by, like, melting the glass down. But it turns out, as the arc proceeds, that now dust has sand cancer and is turning into glass slowly, and it's terminal. Mm-hmm. So, way to go, Amara. <laughs> Amara knows these kids, by the way, because she did teach at the school in Academy X. So, mm-hmm. the fact that she just shoots to kill instantly woof she's just a wild character honestly it's just like magma (laughs) calm yourself i mean i guess that her like erupting a lot makes sense like if that were the character trait that they're trying to go with that she's explosive yeah but in the classic material she wasn't really like that so it mostly just comes across as like amara's a wacko now i guess (laughs) like you know not much to be done a fancy wacko who loves nice sheets Yeah, but she helps them all fight Donald Pierce. She doesn't talk like herself in this arc either. At one point, there's a moment where she says playing with like an apostrophe on the end. And I'm like, even if she was Alison Kressmere, I feel like that's not the right accent. But whatever. After that, she winds up on Utopia, where, as we said, she's just a cameo queen, not doing anything important particularly. Mm -hmm. After Empath is manipulated by the Red Queen in the Sisterhood arc, and like gets imprisoned for attacking the X-Men, she does reach out to him and try to help him. He's been blinded in that battle and he's in a bad way. And she's, she does try to reach him, which is like kind of interesting. This is in uh, the Zeb Wells new mutants run where she is added onto that new team because 
Magic tells them that Danny and Karma are in trouble. Magic's been time traveling. She also reveals to Amara that the reason that she's been time traveling and has come back from a year in the future is because Amara was dying and told her, you have to go back and save us. And Amara's <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with this information? <laughs> like, this is not, she's like, <laughs> she thanks. How do you know Sean and Danny are in trouble, Ilyana? You told me, Amara, one year from now. You blamed me for not being there, so now I'm here. I hope you're able to give me enough information to find them. You weren't making much sense at the time. It's not your fault, though. You had a rather large hole eaten through your stomach. <laughs> Which is just a horrible phrase. <laughs> Amara doesn't initially believe her, but like her predictions do start coming to pass. The Zabos New Mutants run is great. You should just read it, honestly. Magma helps them defeat Legion and take him into custody. And this new squad made up of the classic mutants begins operating as like an independent X-Men team out of Utopia at Cyclops' direction, led by Cannonball, because Danny doesn't have her powers and Danny feels some type of way about that. Mm -hmm. That's when Necrotia happens, and Amara's major role in that is to get the absolute shit beaten out of her with a lead pipe by Doug. <laughs> Celine resurrects and sends specifically <laughs> to, to kill, kill her. Yes. <laughs> Not even like by herself. She just like, mm, I'm going to send Doug to do it because that'll be funny. Yeah. Well, she, she loves a grudge. She loves a theme and a twist. And so. And her granddaughter is enormously disappointing. So. Yes. Well, she's, as well, I mean, she remembered, she remembered what happened when she threw her in the volcano. Well, so like Celine has not interacted with this girl, to be clear, since that party in New Mutants 53. <laughs> Where she was like, here's a mind fuck. I'm like, gonna oh, the statue gonna... is me, and I'm your great-great-grandmother, and also, fuck you. But they and, haven't been on panel together since. And I'm out. And I'm out. It's almost like someone reminded her, you have that granddaughter. She's like, oh, yeah, that's a you send I should tie up. Let's send her friend to kill her. That'd be funny. She also sends Farrell to kill her, which is like, you know... Because they were New Hellions friends yeah. together, I guess. It is kind of funny that Celine was trying to, like, basically turn into the gigantic blue big BBL goddess, mm -hmm. right? But she also had time. She had the time, as the kids say. Her only other goal was to kill Amara, which is funny. <laughs> yes. Like, while I'm at it, while we're reanimating the dead. Hmm. And she's like, well, I need a special I need a special knife. I need all this stuff. I need all this stuff. And then, like, the last thing on her notes app on her checkbook was... Kill my <laughs> flop granddaughter. Oh, right. I forgot all about her. Amara survives because Sunspot interferes. It becomes clear that Sunspot has developed feelings for Amara. The biggest feelings. Yeah, he's like, baby, come back to me. And it's like a whole... Like, this Lots of fire puns. Kind of... Lots of fire sure, puns. Sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my read on it is that she has exploding powers like Cannonball, and that's what he's <laughs> doing there. But it just... Because it just doesn't quite scan... Like, they never had anything like this in the classic stuff. But I guess that's kind of what Zeb is doing in this run. Like, because mm -hmm. this is when Danny and Sam also make out, and it's just like... This is so weird, but also when you're reunited with your high school classmates, sometimes weird shit happens that Some, you would not have expected when you were teenagers. Yeah, in San Francisco. So, Well, yeah, particularly, right? Mm. Dr. Nemesis is able to restore her to health by injecting her with like a supercharging thing that activates her power in a big way and turns her to magma form where her system kind of resets itself. She is kind of stuck in a lava state for a few days while she heals. There's actually a funny bit where Nemesis makes like a bathtub of, or like a big tank of like lava for her to hang out in. 
to like i don't know regain <laughs> sure, her strength sure. no there's th- i mean that's that seems pretty like there's a whole thing of like her like get like basically her the the dirt is her yeah. like spa while she's like splashing around in the lava vat cannonball comes through and is just like i think beto's in love with you and she's just like what okay interesting <laughs> but she doesn't want to talk about it doug reconciles where he's like sorry Celine made me do it and they're like okay i mean she's initially like not down and then there's a cute bit where like he creates a language just for her and tells her something and we don't get to see what it is and mm-hmm. she's like oh you're actually doug like okay that's when the time travel magic plot really pops off. This is sort of the conclusion of the Zebwells run. They all go to limbo. They fight the Inferno babies. Go back to a million other episodes where I talk about this. We're not doing the Inferno babies again right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the big thing is that Amara realizes that a version of Ilyana that runs past them is the version that she needs to tell to travel back in time. She hasn't had a hole eaten in her stomach, but events have already changed because of time travel. So she's like, well, I'm not dead yet. Mm-hmm. Roberto is like, Ilyana told me about this. You are destined to die right now, and I'm not going to let you die. And Amara is like, look, the world's ending. The elder gods of Limbo are about to arrive on Earth. This is a good magma moment. Like She has the kind of a heroic sacrifice kind of thing, goes to make sure that magic gets the message and goes back in time. But... Magic's master plan comes into play. She uses Legion to destroy the Elder Gods, and Amara ends up being fine. So it's fine. And she and Sunspot are together, and maybe something is developing, and yada, yada, yada. But that's where Zeb Wells' run ends. The kind of fascinating thing that happens next is that Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning take over New Mutants. DNA, I love them. I don't love their New Mutants run. It's just kind of like... Frankly, it's just not as good as the Zeb Wells run, so that's not their fault, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just kind of there for me. It's like 25 issues that exist. Nate Gray's in it. Blink is in it. Mm-hmm. If you like those characters, check it out, I guess. Magic and Cannonball and Karma all leave the team, and so Danny becomes the leader, but then Danny gets kidnapped by Hela, so Amara takes leadership of the team, which this to me was crazy because... If I were to run down a list of the classic New Mutants <laughs> and be like, who becomes leader if Sam and Danny are gone? Now, I guess when you think about it, Karma's also gone and Ilyana's also gone. Mm-hmm. So, Sunspot? At this point in his character trajectory, he's not really like a leadership kind no, of character. He, he's very horny. Yeah. Very horny, very rich. And like... Doug is still pretty crazy from being resurrected with the T.O. virus and all of that. Mm -hmm. Warlock is Warlock. Like, I get why, (laughs) I guess, Amara (laughs) steps up. I just don't think of her as a leader. Anyway. I can't believe you made me read Fear Itself. (laughs) I am sorry. (laughs) Do you have anything to say about Fear Itself? I, beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. (laughs) So, um... Kuth attacks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know what's cool? Here's what I'll say. The whole thing about the hammers coming down and all those bad guys and good Where, guys. like, they become the worthy and all that. Yeah. I mostly remember this because I was addicted to that Marvel Avengers Alliance Facebook game and they did a whole event right. about fear itself. It's, but... kinda, it's, it's like the con- some of the concepts are kind of cool. I'm not going to sure. lie. And, uh... But a lot of it is beautiful gowns. Scott sends Danny to meet with Hella, 
mm-hmm. in Las Vegas because Ragnarok happened and hell is in Las Vegas now. Don't worry about it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and she has like that special like death connection because she's a little bit Valkyrie ish. Well, yeah, because Danny Danny was one of Hella's Valkyries, so mm. it's like after the the arc at the end of the Simon's again. This is not go back to the Danny Moonster episode. We talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's episode seven, another early episode of the pod. But Danny disappears because obviously, like, Hella does something nefarious. That's when Amara takes over the team. Ilyana is in the brig because of all the evil shit she did at the end of the Zeb Wells run. Amara goes to her and is like, What do we do about all of this weird magic stuff? And, like, about the fact that Danny has disappeared on this quest to visit the gods or whatever. Ilyana <laughs> explains how to do a spell to teleport to hell, H-E-L. Yes, not hell. The mystical realm in Niflheim ruled by Hela, but Doug fucks up the spell and <laughs> takes them to hell with two L's. Yeah. The Christian hell where they are met by Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Mephisto, this is not a Mephisto podcast. What is there to say about Mephisto? Mephisto is more of an Avengers and Doctor Strange adjacent character than an X-Men adjacent character. His son Blackheart has popped up more often in X-Men stuff. Mm -hmm. But Mephisto is basically just, he's the devil. There are a couple characters who are the devil in the Marvel Universe. Marduk Kyrios, the father of Hellstrom and Satana, is one of them. Mephisto is the other big one. Eventually they sort of get codified as like a set of hell lords. Anyway, this is Mephisto's hell, and he's basically like, well, I'll send you to Niflheim hell if you give me what I want. And everybody's like, what do you want? He's like, I want to go on a date with Magma. (laughs) Well, he gets very turned on when she turns on her power. He's like, that looks like Yeah, I mean, she is, like, made of hell, right? She's Yeah, she she is hot girl summer. Yeah, so he's like, she's hot. I want you to go on a date with me. Mm -hmm. And all of the new mutants are like, Amara, you cannot go on a date with the devil. And Amara's like, look, I don't see any other options right now, honestly. So, sure. But, but but they're also, like, deep down, they're like, Amara, you're not smart enough. He's going to catch you in a deal. He's going to take your soul. <laughs> like, they do not trust Amara to outsmart the devil. Like, they're no. like, this is a devil. Famously, the devil is really smart. <laughs> He's going to have her selling. I mean, she doesn't have a marriage to sell like Spider-Man. But he's going to have her selling something real mm-hmm. quick. Right. They're just like, no, we're not keen on this setup. But Amara's like, nope, I'm going to do it. Sorry. And agrees. Mm -hmm. She's like, deal. And he's like, I'll call you, which is funny to me. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) they end up rescuing Danny. And Hela is like, I just summoned her, actually, because she's a Valkyrie and I needed help. Mm -hmm. I didn't kidnap her. She's a Valkyrie. That's her job. So they team up with Hela and, uh, you know, fight off legions of the undead or what? I, I honestly, guys, like, go read Fear Itself if you want to. It's like uh, they're like the dead gods before the goddess of death. They eat the dead. None of this matters. So, so don't worry about it. You don't want this to be a Draumar podcast? <laughs> <laughs> About the uh, Draumars. The Draumar. I just clicked. I actually just Googled Draumar Marvel because I'm going to be real. I did not reread Fear Itself. Wait, I read Fear Itself and you. Yeah, I trusted you. I trust you. I, re- I read the scene with like with like Magma and Mephisto, but I'm not 
rereading all of Fear Itself. I simply was not going to do that. So according to the Marvel Wiki, because I just Googled it, <laughs> the Draumar were the soldiers of the serpent and his worthy. They were buried in hell, H-E-L, eons ago, and their hatred and rage mutated them into monsters while they were redacted from Asgard's myth. When Serpent returned during the events of the Fear Itself, the Draumar woke up. Grammar on this is a little shaky. When Serpent returned during the events of the Fear Itself, the Draumar woke up and attacked Hela and then Danny Moonstar when she came to rescue Hela. Members, Bone Grinder, Threadcutter, Breathtaker, Heartbreaker, and Bloodletter. Four appearances of Draumar. One minor appearance of Draumar. Okay. Well, I love that those them. four sound like an Olivia Rodrigo song. <laughs> yeah, I know. Breathtaker, well, like Heartbreak, I'm like, it's very Pat Benatar, right? But Breathtaker here is written, um, and it says, it doesn't say team members, but it says representatives, which is something <laughs> the Marvel Wiki does, and that made me laugh. I'm like, representative Heartbreaker. Breathtaker has no A in it, and I don't remember if that's in the comic or if it's a typo in the Marvel Wiki. But mm. uh, if you're a Marvel Wiki editor, feel free to edit the Draumar page. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So uh, they go back to Earth, and Cyclops is like, for your next task, new mutants, go and find Blink. Because Blink had been resurrected-ish. Like, it turned out she wasn't really dead, but Selene had corrupted Blink into one of her inner circle during Necrotia. Mm-hmm. So they go and find Blink. There's a whole weird plot they get tied up in where, like, a rock band is causing earthquakes. And natural disasters, and Blink is saving all the people. Yeah. But some of them are like, is this Blink doing this, or is this something else? And Blink Yeah, is- and it turns out it's like this it's this rock band that's doing it, and Amara uses her earthquake powers to uh, yeah, basically- save <laughs> the city. I forget where they're having the concert, but apparently there's a lot of tectonic plates there. Amara's like showing I think it's off. in San Francisco, where like the, you know, because there's... There's some big, there's a fault line. Yeah, Amara is showing off. She's having like her little moment. She's like, these tectonic plates, like basically she's like, I can't move, like I can't do this on my own. And Beto's like, but I love you, you rock. Yeah, and he confesses his love to her. And and he says, and it's like, oh, why did you say you rock just because she's a lava lady? And it's just like, ooh. And so she stops the earthquake and gives Beto a hug. But then she's like, by the way, I only see you as a friend. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to go fuck the devil. And I'm going to go fuck the devil. <laughs> Honestly, if she said that, if she was just like, you know what? I'm just going to fuck if, the devil. If that was the line, I would stand. <laughs> but the thing about Amara is she never goes there. Right? She's like, honestly, Bobby, you're so lovely, but I'm not really feeling it. And I'm going to go shag the devil. I would have been like, yes. Because I support women's wrongs. But instead... Yeah. She's just like, I really just see you as a friend. Which, like, that's her right, but, like, just admit you want to fuck the devil. Like, you just want to try it. You want to try the devil dick. (laughs) It is the devil dick. Here's the thing about Amara. I, too, would be interested in maybe fucking the devil if my first storyline was my grandmother trying to use me as a virgin sacrifice. Because, like, once the devil's fucked you, you're definitely not a candidate for virgin volcano sacrifice, Also, I would say. once you fuck the devil, how is Celine going to one-up that? Right. Like, you won. Honestly, <laughs> like, Celine would love that. Celine would be like, oh, my goodness, she shagged the devil. And it would be like, she's like, I'm, you know, I've tried to kill you so many times, but now I'm proud of you, darling, and I am so thrilled that you rode that satanic cock for all it was worth and like you know it'd be that would be they would be like really thrilled about that with each other absolutely absolutely that would be the ultimate like game respects game right 
there is a line where Beto, he's like, you say you don't love me and you'd rather date the devil. And that makes me want to kill myself. (laughs) He says something like, I I, I could not live if I believed that that was true. So I think that you're lying. Which like, you know, no means no, Beto. But also, I do get why they're all like, please don't actually go on a date with the devil. Because again, they're like, you're an idiot and he's going to take your immortal soul. Yeah. It's like you're going to sign. I mean, it's you're going to sign away the mortgage. You're going to sign. You're not even going to sign a prenup. You're not. It's like everything wrong is going to happen. So Mephisto shows up for his date with Amara, and it's so. I think this is actually actually so cute. (laughs) This is uh, New Mutants thirty-seven, volume three, thirty-seven. He takes her to hell and is like, I've set up a restaurant in hell. For he has a cute a little outfit. He slicks back his he's hair. He's wearing a little suit and uh, he's part. like, he's hiding his horns and everything. I mean, yeah. I guess Mephisto doesn't usually have horns, but it depends. But like, he's, he's just like, he kind of, um, who does he look like here? Let me go look. I have to pull him up. I'm trying to, th- he looked, I, I felt like he looked like, especially this, the, the part where she kisses him on the cheek. Yeah. Because she's like, thank you for not stealing my soul at the end of the date. Uh-huh. He looks like a famous person, but I can't think of who. It might be like Steve Carell. <laughs> I'm kind of into that. I hate that. <laughs> Hold on. He let has me... kind of like a Steve Carell vibe. Look, I'm going to go look at it. I'm going to pull it up on my computer right now. I mean, he's red. Yeah. If you're not familiar with Mephisto. But <laughs> it's something about he does this like kind of underbite grimace of surprise that is very like. Steve Carell in the office. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, you're yeah. right. You're right. You know, I see it. I he it it's a little Steve Carell ish. There's maybe like a little like Jeremy Irons to it. Sure. Yeah. 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 I could see that. Um. I mean, it's a it's a good like if the devil's gonna be kind of cute. Yeah. It works for me. Yeah. But so anyway, she's like, "You brought me to hell. You're here to steal my soul, and I won't be having it." And <laughs> he's just like, "No, literally, actually, like he's like, I get why you would think that." It is what I do. However, I just think you're hot, and I would like to have dinner with you. And I'm taking you to Gluttony. He takes her to the yeah. He takes her. <laughs> <laughs> he takes her to the Gluttony Circle of Hell, which is where really he set thoughtful. up a restaurant. It's I so know. fucking thoughtful. I know. He's like, they've got the best stuff here. You know, if you're gonna have a feast, might as well come here, right? Yeah. Amara's like, okay, I believe that you don't want my soul, but I'm not really into this like hell dining experience. So she takes him to San Francisco, <laughs> where they just like go out to dinner. Where she went, where she had her little dumb interview, where Amara mm. the idiot took. She was like, I want to experience the real world, and she was just like, let me take this minimum wage job. I'm really good. That's at That's right. Yeah, her. she she does a job interview to like learn more about. And then she San leaves Francisco in the middle order. of it. But yeah. then goes back with the devil at the restaurant. But then returns to that restaurant with the devil. She's like, it was a nice restaurant. <laughs> they chat about, like, his job. It's it, This is a funny issue. I would I would recommend. Um, the, the DNA of New Mutants Volume 3 run is, like, not. Again, it's just, like, not my favorite. But this plot is actually pretty funny. I, I did. And I said that the one good magma issue was that one where they dress up as maids and infiltrate the Hellfire Club. This is, like, the other one good magnitude. I do well, it's, it's so good because like okay so the the conceit is like she's just like wait why do you want to pro-? like he basically reveals to her that he's been prolonging people's lives like he's helping them right. live longer and she's like what the fuck i don't get that at all why do you want to do that i'm not ex-. she's like i can't put that together and he's like actually if you make people get old they can do a lot of bad decisions 
Yeah, they got more time to sin. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, innocent people die young. So they all go to heaven. And it's just like, if I can keep That doesn't help alive, me out. The longer <laughs> I keep people alive, the more likely they are to damn themselves. And she's like, huh. Yeah. It's his Susie Armand moment. He has, he's <laughs> like, I am an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's like, but have you considered that I'm a working <laughs> businessman? He's like, he's like, get, let me get on this lot. Like, this this mortality MLM. Like he's like, I need to keep people alive really, really long. And she's like, that's kind of cool. So Amara, and listen, this is maybe the most relatable moment she has ever had, because girl, who hasn't been there? She ends this date with the literal devil, and she's like, you know what? That was actually fun. Gives him a kiss on the cheek and is like, you can call me again, but I'm not going to tell my friends. (laughs) Well, she gets home and everyone's like, did you fuck the devil? And she's like, like, no! (laughs) And I never would! She's like, they're like, did you sign your life away? Are you okay? Yeah, she's like, I'm fine, and I'm never going to talk to him again, and it's fine. But she's like, Mephisto, call me. I want to (laughs) get down. I want that big red D. (laughs) So she lies to them and starts dating Mephisto in secret, which is very funny to me. Like, they are literally, like, in a relationship. (laughs) Which is very funny. And Beto is so upset once they find out. He's like, you actually rejected me and started dating the devil? But they break up because of like a Thor crossover plot called Exiled, where uh, it turns out that he's been holding some Asgardian goddesses prisoner. They're like, are they Valkyries? They're the Disir who are like, (laughs) I'm not, honestly, I'm a classist. I'm not, uh, this is not a Disir podcast. I'm not, (laughs) probably not even saying that right. This is a Norse myth thing. And I'm just like, not that, uh, I know like my basics, but I'm not that up on Norse mythology. So I'm just like, not entire, it it is an actual like thing from Norse myth though, is my, is my recollection. I mean, Disir just means goddesses is Mm -hmm. my recollection, but like, so this specifically is like a bunch of cursed evil Valkyries or something. Well, he, the funny part is, is like she breaks up with them because she invites them all to like the new mutants, like house party in San Francisco. Like they have like a little housewarming Mm -hmm. and like the Disir show up. Yeah. 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 yeah, (laughs) And they're like, where are the beers? And they're like, they go in the they go into the <laughs> the kitchen and then Mephisto shows up and he's like, hey, babe, what's up? What's up? And he's, she's like, get out. I know what you've been doing with the Desir. They're right here. Do you want to talk to them? They are right. And it's here. such a stunt. It's such a stunt that she breaks up with the devil in front of all her friends. She's like, I've seen the real you now, Mephisto. You can't tempt me anymore with illusions. And, uh, you know, that's the end of that. Honestly, good for her. Amara's dating the devil era, though, is maybe my favorite era of Amara, having revisited the scenes mm-hmm. for this episode. Like, I didn't read Fear Itself, but I read their <laughs> scenes. I was like, oh, the hammers are happening again. Turn the pages. <laughs> but, like, their stuff is fun. I would enjoy especially because, like, Jason Aaron has just been throwing Mephisto at the wall every arc of Avengers. So, like, he's around. Mm-hmm. And it would be kind of a fun time if... if they were going to, you know, rekindle. No magma pun intended. <laughs> it, could, it could be fun. Not this. Not rekindled. Not rekindled. Anyway, so that's when the New Mutants volume ends around there. And magma becomes a cameo queen again. Uh, she, like, you know, helps during Avengers vs. X-Men like everybody does. And then mm-hmm. she pops up at one point in Fearless Defenders because that's a Danny book. The all-female team that Danny leads helps with a battle in that uh she also pops up in 
Avengers, the Ewing Avengers, when Beto fakes his own death, and mm-hmm. they all have like a fake funeral for him, which is funny. But then she pops up in X Men Gold by Mark Guggenheim, <laughs> where <laughs> say it, say it, say who she kidnaps. She's ensorcelled by Mesmero into joining his new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and she kidnaps Mayor Bill de Blasio. <laughs> yes, the tall mayor. And honestly, let Mesmero have Bill de Blasio. I don't understand why the X-Men are like, oh, no. Like, it really would have been fine. I mean, that's kind of like a flop kidnapping. If you want to, like, it was like, we're going to fucking, like, the, the new Brotherhood is all like, uh, they're all mind washed and whatever brainwashed, and they're like, "We're gonna fucking cause some chaos." You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna fucking kidnap Bill De Blasio. And like, but it's like no one in New York cares if you kidnap <laughs> yeah. Bill De Blasio. For people not from the New York City area, Bill De Blasio is one of the most incredible political figures of the last twenty years. In that. Everyone hates Bill de Blasio. The left hates Bill de Blasio. The right hates Bill de Blasio. The one thing that pretty much everybody could agree on by the end of Bill de Blasio's term as mayor was, wow, what a bad mayor. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like, I get that we're superheroes. We have to rescue the mayor, but. Yeah, mm. like, I don't think he's actually named, but it's basically because it's everything is happening in real time with the real things. It's Bill de Blasio. Yeah. But it, it it's kind of funny that, <laughs> that Magma's great criminal feat. Magma's greatest <laughs> crime as a brainwashed supervillain is to kidnap Bill de Blasio. She's like, this will help the Brotherhood achieve greatness. They will ransom Bill de Blasio for millions. And everybody's just like, please keep him. It's fine. I would have just left that off the resume. <laughs> I know. I would just, if I was Magma, I'd just be like, you know what? That was me. I get it because the last time that Magma was hanging out in New York, if you kidnapped the mayor, people would have cared. Mm -hmm. Enough people liked Bloomberg that it would have caused a stir. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or it would have been like, even if like, even if she was just like, oh, you know, it was a joke. I was kidding. (laughs) No one cares. Everybody's fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway. um, But so eventually Kitty Pride finds her locked up because Mesmer locks her up when he's not actively brainwashing her. So Kitty finds her. This is Kitty's worst era, X-Men Gold. <laughs> She's just insufferable in this the, era. The, so haircut, it's extremely, the haircut's so bad. Ooh, well, and Magma will follow suit soon. It's a very, like, <laughs> I was told by Apple Care haircut. I'd like to speak to the manager. Also, I don't get how, like, you have a powerhouse like Storm and she just, like, gets... Does nothing. Does, oh, well, does Storm nothing. gets her shit wrecked all throughout X-Men Gold in a way that is extraordinarily embarrassing, and <laughs> I hate that for her. But anyway, Kitty finds Amara locked up, and Amara is just, like, still too brainwashed. And it's very satisfying because Kitty is so annoying in this book that Amara just goes, stay back, and blasts her with lava, which is it's just a fun moment. Now, of course, Kitty can phase so she's fine she gets singed a little she did get like a little crispy yeah so the, i the know X-Men, it smells crazy in there you're obsessed with the, <laughs> the olfactory sensation of being around magma it's stinky i know it's stinky. she is kind of like a human hibachi grill at times <laughs> so you know it is a little bit like we're slicing yeah. and dicing on the grill right at your table yeah, it's, it's it's smelly amara ends up drafted into the X-Men squad. She's on Iceman's team, which is kind of like a background element in X-Men Gold with like the gay pyro. Both pyros are gay, but this is the explicitly gay pyro. (laughs) 
And she just kind of hangs out as a background character while they're dealing with the Mesmero stuff. But like when she confronts Mesmero, he completely owns her. And it's like, this is the thing with Amara. She just like flops again and again. You can't beat Mesmero? (laughs) Mesmero? Yes. Yes. I mean, not the most impressive dude. To be fair, that whole art, the, they can't really, in X-Men Gold, I feel like they, his powers vary wildly. That's true. Like, sometimes he's just so powerful. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. It's like, so I guess... pa- like, it's like, oh, like, he, like, took Rachel down for a little bit. I, I would maybe give Amara, like, a rogue level intelligence with side blockers. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> she's floating on that rogue level, you know? Oof. She is a brute force. I would not. I wouldn't ask Magma to make a plan. So I guess (laughs) like a telepath overpowering or even like a weird hypnotic, not real, like full telepath makes sense. But it's just kind of like Amara. Come on now. She's used for like character development with that second pyro, but he will probably never appear again. So that doesn't super matter. I mean, honestly, if you brought him back with a new code name and were like, this is just like a gay fire guy with a new code name, I bet he would have stands because... Yeah, absolutely. As the Anol people have proven, it's truly that easy. Flamer? Flamer? <laughs> Call him Flamer, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I don't know if that would get through standards and practices, but I like it. Uh-oh. Anyway, she pops up again a year later. Again, like cameo queen for Age of X-Men. In the Age of X-Men reality warp, she works at Mastermind Studios <laughs> as a stunt coordinator. So maybe she remembers working for Reagan Wingard. That could be a fun <laughs> crossover. She comes back on Krakoa, and now she has a haircut that is truly just awful. <laughs> <laughs> Hickman pointedly does not take her for his New Mutants arc, which uses all of the other classic New Mutants. Mm-hmm. But it's like Magma can stay home. She's all, she has that little thing in Empire, right? Like she's yeah, like, she, but she's in the Ed Brisson arc, like because like Hickman and Brisson alternated New Mutants issues, and she is in the Brisson New Mutants. There's this arc where they go to Nova Roma because like monsters are slaughtering mm. the Nova Romans. But it doesn't go anywhere because the Brisson run ends like abruptly, kind of, when Vidaiola is given the book. And this plot has not been revisited. The crazy scientist lady who made the creatures that attacked Nova Roma popped up in Children of the Atom, where she's now leading John Sublime's Mm U-Men. But I don't think she's been seen since that. So she's just percolating. Like, she's a character who could pop up again, but... Not percolating. Not percolating. The funniest thing, though, is that in the first issue of X-Corp, we see Nova Roma because they're in Brazil. And Mm -hmm. so, like, one of the montage shots of, like, the, you know, energy thing happening over Brazil is from Nova Roma. And Nova Roma's fine. So I don't think it's a plot that we need to... That we're, like, especially going to revisit. Mm Mm-hmm. She's then in the Cosmar arc, which is like the end of the Brisson run. And uh, then she's really pissed at Wanda in Trial of Magneto. Because again, her boyfriend did disintegrate into bubbling flesh and an ash skeleton before her eyes on M-Day. So I get it. Because they were skinny dipping in the volcano. They were clothed. They should have been skinny dipping. If it was real, they would not have been wearing clothes. But they are. Yeah. Okay, well. Uh, it, do- it, it doesn't matter. The point is, she's pissed at Wanda. She sort of, like, speaks with the people when it's like, 
fuck you, Wanda. Which that was, I was like, finally, I was like, magma gets me. But then <laughs> trial ends with, you know, Wanda reconciling with everyone. We haven't seen how magma feels about that. She mm-hmm. then pops up most recently in Victor Laval's Sabretooth, where she is recruited by Mole and the other rebels who have been awakened by Sabretooth to the injustice of the pit. Mm-hmm. And she uses her volcanic power to create an eruption under Krakoa that forces Krakoa to suck in energy from all the mutants around the explosion to heal itself, which knocks everybody unconscious, which enables Sabretooth to escape. So uh, good work, Amara. She didn't mean to do that, by the way. She just like did as she was told. She meant to help. She meant okay. to help, but she didn't mean to knock out everybody on the island. And the thing that's interesting now is like, that's not very respectful to the sacred land. So... <laughs> Who knows what that will mean? Are you telling? So, how does Amara feel about prison reform? <laughs> that was my question. I was like, I mean, I guess to her, it, it, she's an interesting character to use for that because I think to Amara, prison reform would be like, we don't sell them into gladiatorial slavery anymore. <laughs> right. But I get that the volcano power was useful for for that. Yeah. So it was cool. I just think you know, after Celine got in trouble for disrespecting the sacred land, finally. Magma will be of use because Link can be like, Amara did it. You're not throwing her in the pit. <laughs> so that'll be helpful. And uh, that's it. So that's the whole that's the whole story of Magma. Oof. How much of that does anyone remember now? Um... <laughs> I think that was the worst. I think that was the thing I kept running into. Is like I, I just wish it was more memorable. I think you texted me like, this girl is the most forgettable character of all time. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like, I, I was just like, well, cool. Like, it just very fades into the background. And I think I just want more from her. Like, I wish there was more. I want her to bring it. Because mm-hmm. she could. If she was just mean and funny and like a weirdo from ancient Rome. Yeah, I feel like that's more of like a writer thing that they'd never really want. No one has ever decided, like, let's make her the element, like, like a Magneto or a Storm and give her, like, this gravitas of, like, oomph, right? And they've also never made her weird enough. Like, yeah. she could be, like, Hercules or Thor and be comic relief in that way with, mm-hmm. like, I don't understand you modern humans in your ways. <laughs> right. But, like, she doesn't do that either, you no, know? No, it's not that. It's also not, like, a young girl. Like, a young, like, perky weirdo. Like, a weird, like, I don't know. It's not even that. Or it's, like... Not even a bitchy person. It's just kind of someone that... It's kind of feels like someone that's written that you're supposed to like, right? But Right, but I never do except when she's fucking the devil because that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you never give... You never... It's like someone you're supposed to like and so like you're never really like, oh, I would ride or die for this one. But she never reaches a Monet place where it's like even when she's being a fucking bitch, you're like, yes, you're so funny. I love you. <laughs> yes. She doesn't even bring us that. You no. know what I mean? So like no. she's neither likable as a person nor likable as a socially antagonist. She's neither. Yeah. Well, I told you this I th- in our DMs. I said she got crucified and no one cared. Not a soul. Not no a one soul. says anything about it even. <laughs> it's not until like the ending four pages where it's like oh and magma was oh and magma she's alive (laughs) by the way we've managed to stabilize her anyway jubilee it's so great to have you back like it really is kind of astounding and i love that the the religious zealots that were just like you know it'll you know make it'll make the x-men pay attention it's 
Let's crucify magma. Magma skin and Jesse Bedlam. That'll really get them talking. They could have just crucified Jubilee and made their point. Frankly. It would have been a lot easier, probably. Yeah, that's a lot less work. I mean, I guess skin was Jubilee's roommate. So, like, you might as well if you're already there. But where'd they go get magma from? Who Like, that's a lot of work. I think now is a good time to get into the questions. Perfect. Stacy Khan writes, hello, Connor, an illustrious honored guest. Connor, as a fellow recovering classicist, what the heck is up with Amara's full name? I mean, don't get me wrong. When the cat that set up shop on my family's back patio got knocked up, Magma gifted me with enough names for all four kittens. But still, that's how you spell Aquila? What the heck is Oliviance? Why does a girl have four names? My degree is disintegrating to dust from disuse at this point, but every part of her full name breaks at least one rule of the whole Roman prenomen nomen cognomen setup. I only discovered the a couple weeks ago and I'm already halfway through the backlog. Thank you for making something so utterly delightful. Stacy Khan, pronounced Khan as in Wrath of. Ooh. Yeah, that was cute. It's spelled different from that. Mm-hmm. I explained this a little bit earlier on, but yes, the naming conventions for women in ancient Rome were limited, let's say. So like, if you were from, well, let's just use her father, Lucius Antonius Aquila, right? So that would make her one of the Antonii. That actually is a fun bit. And this, I'm sure, is 100% an accident on Claremont's part. But if she is from the Gens Antonia, they have that name because they are supposedly descended from Anton, the son of Hercules. So it would make sense that she worships Hercules as a god if he's her ancestor mm-hmm. in uh, their family tradition. But she's never called Antonia, so uh, and they're called the Aquilas. So I, uh, I don't know if that, I, I don't think that was intentional. But anyway, her name, if you were a girl from the Gens Antonia, would just be Antonia, the feminine form. Your father would be an Antonius. He has a prenomen, Lucius Antonius. You're just Antonia. If you had a sister, you might be Antonia Maior, the elder, if you're the older one, or Antonia Minor, if you're the younger one, the lesser, is how they translate that. Basically, girls were just not important to public life. Like, they couldn't hold office or anything. So distinguishing between them wasn't super important. And in context, you always knew, like, I'm referring to Antonius's daughter. If he had three daughters, they might be Antonia Prima, Antonia Secunda, and Antonia Tertia. Like it was very, <laughs> like they would have a nickname afterward to distinguish them. Sometimes it would be a longer nickname. Sometimes they would have the female version of their father's cognomen. So like she could be Antonia Aquila or she could be Antonia Aquilina, but she certainly wouldn't be Amara Juliana Olivians Aquila. That just is, I mean, Olivians is not even Latin. Like, why is there an S on the end of it? I, I mean, maybe it's like, I will say, I, in my classic studies, I specialized in ancient Greece, not ancient Rome. So it's possible that that's like a Latin declension that I'm just not thinking of, but it doesn't super make sense. And it also comes out of nowhere because it's not part of her father's name. Well, I, can I just add that as a, as a simple boy, I'm just thinking... It just makes her sound fancy. It was someone just wanted her to sound fancy. <sighs> I know, but she would sound fancy enough as Antonia Aquilina. Right. Like, that would be fine. Right. But it, it was just, I, I, my, my guess is that it was just a wild stab at fanciness. I guess. <laughs> it's bad is what it is. It just is. I, I, it's, it's truly, it's a they didn't care kind of moment. Right. You know what I mean? Of course. 
because Amara also, like to begin with, is not Latin at all. Mm-hmm. It's Italian. Yeah. But they're from ancient Rome before Italian exists. I mean, it exists in a couple different languages, the name Amara. But like, if you meet someone named Amara from Rome, it's because it's Italian, not... How much of your magma dislike comes from her silly name? What percentage? Uh, oh, not too high a percentage, but it is it is frustrating because it's just so unbelievably wrong. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, there's there's no fixing it. I don't know what to tell you. It's one of those things like Chien Coimant where there's just like no, it, it's simply wrong. And mm-hmm. at this, it's not an easy fix like Rasputina or like calling him Beto instead of Berto. Like there's no easy way to just change it. So. I think that we're just stuck with it at this point. And you just have to chalk it up to Nova Roma being a very silly place. Where yes, a silly rules don't apply. cosplay. Melissa Holm writes, Hi, Connor. I checked the feed and couldn't find a closed feed for Magma Questions, so I hope this got through. If not, no worries. But if I made it in just under the wire, and you did, in fact, Melissa. I vaguely remember reading a comic just after the decimation or House of M happened, wherein two characters, a man and a woman, were exploring a volcano. Oh, the, the <laughs> subject line of this is, About Magma, didn't she die horribly? <laughs> I vaguely remember reading a comic just after the decimation in House of M happened wherein two characters, a man and a woman, were exploring a volcano they were both mutants and I think it was magma because well, volcano. Anyway, the decimation hit and they were depowered and she fell into the lava and died horribly because she was depowered so my question is, was that magma? Did it happen to someone other than magma? Was it the other person who died and magma had to watch? Was it all a fever dream caused by studying for finals while TAing an intro to Greek mythology class of over 700 students? I'm hoping you or your esteemed guests will know the answer because I really don't want to go digging for the issue on my own because I can't even recall which line of books I was reading when I read it. The decimation was a dark time for all of us. So, Melissa, that was Antonio, her new boyfriend. She did just have to watch. But that question mm-hmm. made me laugh. The subject line, didn't she die horribly, <laughs> was very funny to me. Because, no, somehow, Amara has never died horribly. She has mm-hmm. just been a flop. She just watches. She just watches as things happen to other characters, mostly. Yeah. Serb writes, Dear Connor and esteemed guests, Serb here wanted to say thanks for all the amazing podcast episodes and for curating a nice place to talk about the comic books that we all love. It's nice to have an area where people take this stuff seriously and also take queer rights seriously and feel free to do a central New York accent. Oh my God. It's the same as a normal New York accent, except if you say upstate, we scream. That's funny and true. I have many, many questions about Amara. She's led a very interesting and confusing life, but can try to be concise and ask only one of them. What do you think her thoughts on faith are? She seems like a really interesting character through which to examine how the very obvious proof of theological beings affects a person who holds to a belief in a similar way they've sometimes done with Nightcrawler to not great effect. One of my top 10 New Mutant stories is the one where she meets Hercules, instantly loses her faith upon realizing how much of a himbo he is, and then he's forced to gain it back. I realize saying that's in the top 10 of my New Mutant stories might be blasphemy, but I like what I like. No, that issue's funny. Also, she dated the literal devil in a surprisingly cute moment. Do you think she's still worshiping the Greek gods on Krakoa? Does that cause tension? Will an influx of ancient mutants, thanks to Wanda expanding Cerebro, lead to a resurgence in a variety of faith on the island? Will Amara try to start a shrine to, like, Hestia or something? Or melt one that's dedicated to Selene? Sorry for the long question. This kind of stuff just makes my brain run wild. Thanks for reading, even if this doesn't end up on the show. Hope y'all are having a good one. What a smart question. That yeah, is great so question. smart. Well, it's like, I, do, I think it's so unexplored, because, like, I think we were mentioning, like, the Hercules arc is really funny to me. But it's also, yeah. like... Writers don't really explore it, but it's just like in this whole wrinkle of immortality that they now have. How does that fuck with her, right? Right. Like this is a person. What that... does it mean to now be a god yourself? In yeah. That sense? Because the big thing in in ancient Greek poetry, at least, is 
the gods are called deathless. Mm-hmm. That's the big word that defines them, the deathless gods. Right. Athanatoi. Because they are not mortal. That's the thing about them. So what does it mean to Amara to now no longer be mortal herself? Yeah, it should. It could be a very rich story, I think. It's a, uh, I mean... Especially if she feels differently about it from how Selene, obviously, relishes being immortal. Mm-hmm. Or it could just be just like, how does that work? Like in your, like, in your In calculus. your religion, like, yeah. Like what in happens your, to like... Aphrodite and all these people that you loved? <laughs> Right. What do you think about them now? No, I would be interested to see that. I think that the big thing is like she's never been portrayed as an especially religious character, except for the Hercules story. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see more of that. I mean, she's interacted with as guardian gods and stuff. Mm-hmm. Part of it is that the Greek gods are not a huge part of the Marvel universe, typically, in part because their role is taken often by the Eternals. But they exist at the same time as the Eternals, which is like, because the Eternals wasn't originally supposed to be set in the Marvel Universe when Kirby created it. So it doesn't quite jive with like the cosmology. So, you know, it's complicated. And if I'm wrong about that, this is not an Eternals podcast, but that's my understanding. (laughs) Not Birdbrain, not Draumar. But it's weird to have like Thena, the Eternal, and Athena, the goddess, existing both in the Marvel Universe. And like Circe, the Eternal, is definitely Kirke, the ancient Greek goddess that's been like established that there's only that one character Mm -hmm. so anyway i don't know but it would be interesting and i would love to see her grappling particularly more with selene and like all of that and what it means like because selene is a mutant who became a god and was worshipped without actually like being divine like she was just a mutant who was immortal (laughs) so now if you're a mutant who's immortal are you a god what does that mean how does amara feel about that would be an interesting place to take the character they just have never really explored that aspect Mm -hmm. of her Harini Marchati writes, Hello, Connor and Alex. I'm greatly looking forward to another episode. I'm sure it will make me laugh embarrassingly loudly in public. My question goes back to Alex's most recent Cerebro appearance on the Celine episode. In that episode, you two referred to Magma as Celine's flop granddaughter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> My question is about Magma's flop hood in-universe. Do you think the other new mutants think of Magma as the flop? Did they include her in the group <laughs> chat out of obligation? Thanks, Harini Marchati. Yeah. Danny probably is like it's a she's a flop, but she doesn't say it. Oh, well, she would never say it. But she, I, I mean, I have to. Their reaction to her leaving for the Massachusetts Academy kind of says it all, right? Like, yeah. Versus again, they fought to keep Bird Brain. <laughs> this is not a Bird Brain podcast. I was told, but they fought to keep Bird Brain, and they didn't fight very hard to keep Meg. No, they they absolutely did not. They sure didn't. I think I, I'm trying to think about like why Celine think she's such a flop and i think like when i think of like think of like a nepotism baby right Mm -hmm. and think of like if like it's just like if dakota johnson i was literally gonna say you (laughs) want her to be dakota johnson right and she got a brooklyn beckham and it's like cool (laughs) great but it's also a brooklyn beckham who's getting dakota johnson roles right that that's definitely true yeah no that is true right Mm -hmm. and so you're just kind of like well like it's just like could (laughs) well this is why i'm saying that the the way out would have been to like actually get with the devil Mm -hmm. like you know brooklyn beckham married nicola pelz is a billionaire's daughter and Mm -hmm. now he's riding high he doesn't need to be the face of any campaign right because 
His parents are famous and he married a rich girl. So like, you know, marry the devil and live your best life. But she's not giving mm-hmm. a Dakota Johnson or Zoe Kravitz level of performance. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's and just she's, not. And she's 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 basically like the she should be the most powerful nepotism baby. If Well, right. And if, Celine spent thousands of years cultivating her bloodline. It's like, this is what I get. <laughs> yeah. That that is what I think my biggest disappointment was. Like if if Tippy Hendren and Melanie Griffith <laughs> and Don Johnson's kid or like Descendant. Was, I get what you're saying. Descendant was just like was a just, complete flop. Yeah, it was just like giving us nothing. Or like, wow, Gwyneth can't act. Like that would be a bummer. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like luckily Gwyneth can act. Right. She's not even giving Drew Barrymore. Sure isn't. It isn't. Absolutely not. No. No. Um, but yeah. What do you think? Who do you think? She's not giving Martha Plimpton. <laughs> She's not giving Nicolas Cage. I'm just saying, like, there's lots of, you know, it's just, uh, no, but do the New Mutants think she's a flop? Absolutely. Except for Sunspot and Cannonball, who think she's hot. But the rest of them are just like, wow. Like, Rain's like, what a flop she is. Because if you're Rain, if you're Rain, you have no choice but to decide that Magma's a flop. Because if Magma's not a flop, then you're the flop. Of the New <laughs> no one wants to be the flop. No, absolutely do you think not. They, do you think they enjoy that she's a little bit of a flop? I think they think it's fun. I think they they are a little bit like, because she was so rude back when they were kids, I think it's funny to them that she has completely <laughs> failed mm-hmm. at life, generally. Yeah, just not lived up to the potential. I think they call her Allison behind her back <laughs> as a joke. She's in, she's in their phones as Allison. Yeah, they're like, we changed it back when she thought she was Allison, and she is just such a fucking Allison. Oh my god, it's, you know what it is? In Danny's phone, it's maybe Allison question. It's Allison question mark? Maybe Allison. Maybe? Siri suggestion. She's not even saved. It's just maybe Rachel Allison. called her Amy back in uh, the 80s. That's kind of cute. But like, it's not the same vowel as Amara. It's one of those very weird Claremont nicknames that's like not logical at all. Mm-hmm. Amara to Amy? <laughs> it's not Amara. But, you know, what are you going to do? Gabe Kawagule writes, Hi, Connor and Alex. Longtime listener, first time caller, etc. I hate Magma, but it felt like I had to get a <laughs> I hate, no, this gets even better. Hold on. I hate magma, but felt like I had to go to question in because Alex told me y'all were doing this episode when he shouted it in my ear at horse meat disco. <laughs> Thank you for writing in, Gabe. I hope you had a great time at horse meat. I actually saw Gabe at two horse meats in a row. <laughs> and we, <laughs> yes, I was like, oh my gosh, nice to see you. You again. I love that. We're forming connections here mm-hmm. in this allegation. Was there a question? Yeah. What <laughs> okay. kind of deal did Amara strike to get out of S.H.I.E.L.D. custody after she was in Mesmero's fake brotherhood, since the rest of that team all got arrested, even <laughs> though they were under mind control? Does she have dirt on Maria Hill? Maybe because they go to the same hairdresser to get the same cunty little pixie cut? <laughs> did she threaten to stick her evil immortal grandmother on Maria Hill? Just kidding. That's exactly Celine's idea of a good time. On that note, would Amara die if Celine threw her into a volcano? My thought is no, so I feel that she should just let Celine throw her in to get it out of her system. <laughs> just my two cents. Yours, Gabe, Gabe.doc on the Discord. P.S. I know everyone says this, but I want to thank you for the show and the community around it that you fostered. It's really life affirming to hear that all the subtext I read into these books when I was younger wasn't just my imagination. I can't wait to see how the show grows from here. Thank you. That's very sweet. Gabe is very sweet. Very, very we sweet. We know for a fact that she doesn't die when Celine throws her into a volcano. That's her very first story. So 
and she frustrating loves, for she, Celine. She loves a volcano. No, like she's. But that's why I said it could be a bonding experience for yeah. them in the Celine episode because like Celine could just do it a couple times Millions and it would be times. fun. Millions yeah. of times. Yeah. As for how she got out of. Yeah, I think that she probably and this is a, here's the thing again what monet would do is be like my father the diplomat and that would be hilarious yeah and unfortunately magma's never fun like that like do you know who my father is right like my father is the senator of nova roma and like you know mm-hmm. it would be fun but they never go there the thing about magma is you can make her fun by imagining things but none of it exists on the page and like You know, we've said that about Celine, that, like, Celine's good stories are mostly things we're making up in our head. But she actually has fun stories. Like, she does fun things on panel. And Amara just mostly Absolutely. Like, just even that small panel of, (laughs) oh, she fucking hates me because I killed her mom. A small matter. I killed her mother. Yeah. Why? Amara never has a line like that. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I, I don't, I really don't think that writers under, like, haven't decided what kind of person they want her to be like that's the the real problem is that amara does not have a defined personality and so she's just dull Mm -hmm. she's around by inertia she exists because she's a chris claremont character so she continues to exist but no one has ever had a take on her that felt particularly interesting even chris i mean that's the real problem you know what i mean yeah anything defining like just one thing that like i feel like dating mephisto is the only time she's (laughs) ever had like a character arc really you know what i mean yeah and even that was like mostly off panel absolutely well it's also mephisto doing so much heavy lifting and mephisto is being funny not amara she's just in the scene she's just kind of into it yeah she's like cool the devil fuck me but like she doesn't have (laughs) like it's not she she doesn't really like drive the storyline you know what i mean yeah the storyline's funny because it's like the devil thinks this chick is hot and he's trying to impress her and that's the comedy of it Mm mm-hmm it could have been any of those women is what I'm saying. He could have been like, wow, Danny Munster is a Valkyrie. That's hot. And like courted Danny and said, like, it, it, there's nothing. Or he could have, he could have been like, I'm kind of in a beta. Well, I mean, <laughs> that, now that <laughs> idea. Beto starts dating Mephisto and Amara is so mad, but pretend she isn't. Because she's like, you were both in love with me and now you're dating? That's not acceptable. But she's like, oh, I'm so happy for them. And it's like, no, you're not. You're absolutely not. You're fuming. You're absolutely fuming. But even in that question, that's much funnier than anything. uh, Exactly, right? That has happened to Amara. Marco Serna writes, Dear Connor and Alex, I've been loving the podcast since episode one, but I reserve extra excitement for whenever Alex is a guest. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'd listen to you to read a phone book, but I'd rather listen to you read Magma instead. First, as a point of national... Well, not pride exactly. I need to stress that despite whatever Chris Claremont may say, Nova Roma and thus Celine and Magma are located in Peru, not Brazil. New Mutants <laughs> issue 8 explicitly says that Nova Roma is hidden in the Andes near the headwaters of the Amazon. And this is restated in later issues. The Amazon River flows for several hundred miles through the Peruvian Amazon rainforest before crossing into Brazil. And the Andes Mountains are entirely within the Peruvian side of the border. Similarly, the inhabitants of Nova Roma are said to be at least partly descendant from Inca. 
How they're thus the whitest of white folks is something we'll ignore, which again links them to Peru, not Brazil. I know it's extremely odd to be claiming Nova Roma, of all things, so forcefully, <laughs> but like many, I have a deep need to see myself represented in the stories I love, and as a Peruvian comic book fan, I've got woefully few opportunities to claim anyone for my people. The closest thing Peru has to a native hero in English language media is Paddington Bear. <laughs> Okay, you know what though, Paddington. That's a good one though. It's so cherish good. that. Yeah. I happily root for anyone Latino who shows up on an X team, but my entire continent is represented by like three mutants. So yes, I will go to bat to claim even the ultimate flop. Since writers insist on reusing Nova Roma, my dream would be for them to actually incorporate some Incan elements, immediately making it more interesting than another boring Roman fantasy that we've seen a hundred times before. Plus, this argument also lets me claim Celine as Peruana by virtue of living there for a thousand plus years. If you had the chance to claim Celine, wouldn't you? Absolutely. That's yeah. fully valid. I would change my citizenship. If I, like. <laughs> I love that it took this long to get the question, but that was a good preamble and I needed to read the whole thing. Anyway, my question, part of the reason New Mutants seemed to work so well as a team is that almost every character had a foil to be friends slash have queer subtext with. Beto has Sam, Doug has Warlock, Danny has Rain, Ilyana has Kitty. The odd ones out, Amara and to a lesser extent Karma, didn't have an equivalent to play off of and have tension with. And it feels like no coincidence that Claremont didn't really know what to do with either of them for a narrative arc. Axing both of them thus didn't break any relationships on the team. Have any later writers ever tried to give her more defined relationships with any of her classmates? Would anyone on that team consider her their best friend or rival or anything? And are the team dynamics too calcified after 30 plus years for that ever to happen? Love the podcast and the Discord. Keep it up. Marco, generic on the Discord. That's a great insight. I think that's what Zeb and then DNA were trying to do with Sunspot a little bit was mm -hmm. like set her up as, I mean, Zeb made it like a romantic plot and then DNA make it a she's not into him, but he's into her tension. Either way, though, it never quite landed for me, I think, because Sunspot is such a dynamic character and Amara is just dull. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't work that well. I mean, I also think that one of the things in the New Mutant run when Danny gets depowered is like her relationship with Cyclops. And it's not even very, uh, it's not even super, super fleshed out, but I get it. And it's when, and it's actually pretty effective. And she's just like, yeah, he gave me a job. He, take care, he took care of me. And it's just yeah. like this unspoken thing. And it's just like, I can't think of any of that, like that Magma has with like the other generation, right? Like she doesn't mm -hmm. have, I can't. Listen, I think it's super notable that, again, in the Hickman New Mutants, when Sunspot gets the gang together to go to Shi'ar space and convince Cannonball to come to Krakoa, mm -hmm. they don't invite Magma. They invite Chamber and Mondo, who they don't even know. Chamber. And they don't yes. invite Magma. Yes. The two that they leave out, apart from Richter, who's busy with Excalibur at the time, the two, like, classic New Mutants, well, and Rusty and Skids, but, like, who's checking for Rusty and Skids? They're not. But... The only other, like, classic New Mutants, if you want to count the Exterminators as classic New Mutants who they don't invite, are Magma and Boom Boom. And that's because Boom Boom's a fucking drunk who they're all, like, <laughs> she's like a loose cannon. And <laughs> Magma is Magma. Especially, like, Magma with the pixie cut. They're like, no, 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 no. She's going through something right now, and we're not involving ourselves. Boom Boom's still fun, though. Boom 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 has Boom's super fun. Boom Boom has so many stands. Boom Boom is hanging out with Dazzler and Jubilee right now. The previews dropped today. So, like, she's yeah. doing fine. She yeah. doesn't need them. No. Amara needs them, and they don't want her. And that's sort of Amara's strategy at the end of the day. Who would you write as her mentor? Or, like, as someone that's, like, the older brother or sister or sibling? 
Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, ideally, I would like have her and Celine like. <laughs> I would have her like reconcile with Celine. I mean, I, but you know that seems unlikely. Yeah. In terms of like good guy characters, she does feel like someone Storm would vibe with, just in the same sense of like, is my power magical? Is it mutant? What's going on with me? I was a fish out of water in like modern American culture right. and like this and that, but it feels too late. Yeah. Like it feels like if that was going to happen, it needed to happen in the 80s. Yeah. Because Storm has enough stuff with other characters that it's like, why would she bother with Magma? Exactly. Well, it's also like like the whole idea of like nobility and like. Right. Like I just feel like they, they have a, I mean, again, they're both like, Storm isn't a Claremont creation, but he's the one who fleshed her out. They mm-hmm. both have that like Claremont goddessy vibe. Yeah. But there's just not much else there. Yeah. And, like, she and Emma could have been interesting together, but after she joins the Hellions, we just never really see much of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too late, because I think in Ten of Swords, Magic and Doug... Oh, yeah, that was fun. When she teaches him how to fight, and she actually mm-hmm. cares about him. I don't think I ever realized that bond that they had. Oh, see, so you no, know, they did. Back in the 80s, it was them and Kitty. Right, but I was like, oh, she's like this... But they reestablished it, which yeah. was fun. You could reestablish now, oh... Amara and Rain have always been friends. Even if yeah. it's not super true, like you could just establish it. We just gotta, you gotta stick them in a competition to the death with the whole <laughs> world watching. That's always helpful. Yes. Celine Gallio writes, Hello, boys. I discovered this podcast during a jaunt through Otherworld, and I have to say, your obsession with me is absolutely divine and appropriate. I could use more worshippers like you. Consider this but a small token of my gratitude for spreading the truth of your dark goddess, the last priestess of Rome, the mother of all mutants, Celine! I have but one question for you about my miserable flop of a granddaughter. Why? What exactly is the point of her? I tried throwing her into a volcano, and that just gave her powers. And now, whenever I kill her, she pops back up like a weed. What am I to do with her? Deliciously yours, Celine. So the person who sent this, I emailed them back, and it was like fully, it's like the photo is of Celine. <laughs> I'm not going to like say the email address because I don't want them to get spammed, but like it was a fully like Celine email address. You know it's sent from my iPad. <laughs> E- oh, of course. I emailed them back and I was just like, I just need you to know. Because I don't usually respond because I get too many emails. But I was like, I need you to know that this made me laugh out loud. Well, Celine, thank you for writing in. Oh, my God. To the show. It's such an honor to speak with you at my all. My favorite honestly. day that's ever happened in my life. What are you to do with her? Here's my take. And I don't want to go into too much detail because what if I got to write this someday? But we kind of hinted around this in the Celine episode. What if... Magma's mother was also a mutant, which would make sense. And we resurrected her on Krakoa, and she turned out to be not the nice lady that Amara thinks she is, right? And then you could have kind of a three generations plot going on where maybe Amara is like more tempted to the dark side. Like maybe you killed her mom, your daughter, not because she was like a noble soul who was working against you, but because you guys just like were mad at each other. Like, maybe she was also evil and she tried to steal your power and you were like, no, bitch, you're done. Like, you know, that would be fun, right? You just went a little too far. Yeah, like, oop, I admire that, but guess what? (laughs) You come at the queen, you best not miss, you know? That's, like, an option, right? Otherwise, you know, you're always ensorceling maidens. Like, just work a little hard on Amara. 
I mean, I get that she's your granddaughter and you don't want to fuck her. So, like, you know, your obsession with Rachel and your soon-to-be, no doubt, obsession with Hope. I'm really glad you got this email in before Immortal X-Men 2 <laughs> because you're going to be out of commission for a little bit. I get that those are your really driving obsessions. It's like the girls that you're hot for. But, you know, spare a moment for your granddaughter. Try to turn her into a soldier of darkness. You'd never really gone for it before. And I think that, quite honestly, I mean, she did fuck the devil. Like, yeah. there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. She was one of the new Hellions because she wanted money. You can do stuff. Just give it a shot. And then maybe we could start looking at her as like just being resilient rather than just being a flop. Also, you could double date with Blackheart and Mephisto because Celine was fucking Blackheart for a while and Blackheart is Mephisto's son. So that would be weird, actually. It's like my son is dating your grandmother. Yeah. But it could be kind of funny. I feel like Celine would be into that. Because she'd be like, wow, I'm fucking the younger guy. I am the ultimate cougar. Like, that would be fun. <laughs> she would be into that. And like, you know, maybe they could bond over that. I, I do feel like, and she was like, oh, Amara, you're fucking the devil? I do feel like that's probably like the key to recontextualizing their relationship is for Celine to be like, ah, demon sex. I didn't know you had it in you, but that's one of my favorite things. Anders Norberg writes, Hello, Connor and Alex. This podcast is such a light in my life, and whenever you two come together, I absolutely lose my mind and cry from laughter. Happy Pride. May you get all the free rainbow bracelets from Bank of America this year. <laughs> anyway, I've just started reading through all of Claremont and have finally met Amara in the infamous blackface story. Oh, no. Although she joins the team following that story and remains a part of it for a substantial amount of time, she never feels like she's serving any real purpose. While it's clear that the different perspectives and point of views we get from the other new mutants, what purpose is Amara supposed to fulfill in the story? What's the element she adds to the dynamic of the book that justifies her even existing? Ilyana officially joins the team soon after as this sort of villain or uncontrollable member, and Doug and Warlock fulfilled a new-to-the-world dynamic, so I just don't see what exactly Amara brings to the table at any point. If you could go back and rewrite Amara's introduction, and honestly, her entire character, what would you do to help solidify her as an important character and vital to the new mutants? Would you? Love you both and hope this question didn't come off too mean or judgmental. I just don't understand why Amara joined the team just to remain <laughs> inconsequential. Best, Andrew Snorberg. So the first thing you do is you make her half Inca. Like, you make her actually a brown Brazilian character, and then she's visually distinct from the 5,000 other... Maybe or Peruvian. Peruvian. Or Peruvian, Peruvian, let's say. Peruvian. We gotta honor the, the Peruvian perspective that was brought to us in that earlier question. I just think, like, if she was actually indigenous and Latina... I mean, there's a reason the evolution version of the character was popular, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like our Peruvian friend just pointed out, there are not that many Latino mutants. So there would be something there, and it just isn't, unfortunately. But the other thing I would do is, again, like, I think that the role she needed to fill on the team is the role that Lubdell identified for Monet. Because Ilyana is difficult and prickly, but she's also Kitty's best friend, and she's genuinely, like, here to help and this and that. And she has a desire to prove she's a good person and all of this other stuff. And, like, Amara has none of that. Amara's just a fucking bitch. And if you were like, yeah... I'm a bitch who comes from ancient nobility and you made her actually the opposite number to empath on her team. I think that would have been a much more interesting character. The reason that she exists and doesn't matter is exactly what you identify, which is that after she's joined the team, Claremont comes up with magic 
and Cypher and Warlock. Mm-hmm. Those characters aren't on the team when Magma joins the team. But once they do join the team, she's entirely superfluous. Agreed. Agreed. And he <laughs> could have just gotten rid of her, like with Karma. But instead, he was like, I'll make this work somehow. And then it just never works. Yeah. Just make her like a bitchy powerhouse. Just do that. Just let her be a rich, bitchy powerhouse. Bossing people around. And then people getting mad at her. And then her being like, this is what I know. This is what I do. This is... <laughs> you know yeah like it's like that's much more interesting than than what happened because right now she's just a visual yeah and the visual is cool but it's not enough it's so cool especially when she has long hair and it's like flying around in the air because she's yeah. like a magma person that's neat but like that's all she's got mm-hmm. and it's not enough by itself I think Simonson realized that real quick because, again, she is out of that team in two issues. Like, what kind of music does Magma like? What kind of TV does Magma like other than the Hercules show? (laughs) Does Magma look at the TV and go like, what is this accursed witch box? (laughs) Like, this is the thing I want. Part of it, I I do think Claremont made a huge mistake deciding like, oh, she's like a quick learner and she's adapted to modern technology really quickly. Like, because it would be much funnier to have her be like MCU Thor. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, another and just like hurl her like coffee mug to the ground and shatter it. Like that would have been fun. Mm -hmm. I do feel like you make her more of like a Wonder Woman character. Mm -hmm. Like she should be like man's world is strange and peculiar. It's just it's been so long now of her just being some girl who happens to be ancient Roman. But you wouldn't know that if you read this comic. That I think it would there would be people who would be like. She's out of character. And I'd be like, I simply don't care because like who cares, right? Like because yeah. you just, at, at some point you have to make a choice to make her interesting. Or have her mean, be like a mean bimbo, you know? That would also be fun. <laughs> but I do feel like in, if you do, if you make her like ditzy, then she's overlapping with Boom Boom. <laughs> and my mastermind girls. Well, right. Like I'm just like, she, the problem is right now she has no lane of her own. Mm-hmm. Because even her power, like, anything she can do, Richter can do better for the most part. Oh, and then I'm kind of nervous for her to be, because it's just, fire starts coming. Well, right. <laughs> like, I, there's already characters who can do what she's doing. So actually, Firestar doesn't make fire. Firestar's fucking lame. Her power is yeah. over microwaves. But it's a lot of the same, like, orange, yellow. No, no, I girl. get it. I'm just saying, like, yeah. Firestar is a bit of a misnomer. She should be called Microwave Star. <laughs> but it's that's not that's none of my business. <laughs> anyway, if you have Richter and Sunfire, you don't need Magma. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like, well, she only needs one seatbelt in your car. But, like, <laughs> otherwise, what's she bringing to the table? Not a ton. And Sunfire can fly, so he didn't even need to sit in the car. Magma can fly too sometimes, but I think that's a continuity error. She's not. She's supposed to have to be like attached to the ground. That's her whole. She drives her power from the tectonic plates. She shouldn't be flying. That's just a utopia era mistake, and people should put a stop to. She's not the human fucking torch. She's magma. Her power comes from the earth. There's even a flame on joke when she's on the little volcano date with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And then he sure does flame on. I'll tell you what. Oh, I feel sad for her. I feel like there's. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, a like a space for her. This is one of the first episodes of this podcast where it's like, what would you do to make her great? And I'm like, change her completely into a different character. <laughs> but I think that's the only real solution. I do think you could lean into, like, the magma who dated the devil. Like, if you lean into that and establish that as much as she thinks of herself as better than Celine, 
She's actually a lot like Celine. Yeah. She is power hungry. She is superior. She is amoral. I think that's the most interesting direction to take the character because that would also distinguish her from Monet. Monet is a fucking bitch, but Monet is one of the most moral characters in the franchise. She has a very firm sense of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that if Amara was a little more flexible, let's say, then they wouldn't be too similar because the uh, like the thing you don't want to do is just make her like Monet but not as cool as Monet. Mm-hmm. Right. The other thing is like Polaris is kind of like princessy bitch. Yeah. The way that Duggan has been writing her, which has been incredible. Polaris also can do tectonic plate stuff with fucking magnetism. So like again, mm-hmm. magma found dead. But like, <laughs> like I don't, it's hard. I I really do think that the best way to rejuvenate this character is to lean into the ancient Rome stuff and make her more of like a Wonder Woman Amazon type of character. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Claremont was doing with her in Extreme when he like put her in the Roman armor and did like that kind of stuff with her, swinging her father's gladius. Like do that mm-hmm. because then at least she has a distinctive visual flair outside of magma form. Right. And since right. she only flames on for battle. And fuck the devil. Also, just like fuck the devil again, maybe. Yeah. Why not? Could even fuck a different devil. It could be like a running motif that she dates different lords of hell. Oh, absolutely. And get, and, and, and then <laughs> she just makes her way down the list. And it's like, yeah. Eliana is like, what? What are you doing here? <laughs> Eliana's like, why are you here at the meeting? I didn't ask for you to be here. I guess it's Madeline now to say, like, why are you at the Oh, is that, I haven't caught up fully, but I Oh, love, catch up I, on New Mutants. It's fun. It's, there's it's like, so good. There's a lot of stuff happening in that book. Ah, I love that. I just haven't picked it. I haven't picked up the newest one. Yeah, yet. no, catch up, catch up, catch up. Paracelsus Kaspari writes, Hello, Connor and Alex. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you for finally attacking the one and only Amara Aquila. Magma fan club waited a long while, but it was worth it. I hope you still feel that way now. <laughs> I'm so Three sorry. Three hours into this recording. I'm so sorry. My question is probably something everyone who likes Magma thinks of constantly. Amara was very prominent in the Claremont New Mutants, but once he left the book, her influence faded. What do you think Claremont was putting down with the character that no one else has really been able to pick up? Is her ancient Roman origin just that weird? Is her personality just that unlikable? What do you think it would take for her to return to, at the very least, near top billing in the world of the New Mutants? I like to think that all the retcons and romances have been writers attempting to bring her back into the fold in a meaningful or lasting way, but it's never worked for me. She has a very useful and visually striking power. She's one of the most unique origins I've ever seen, and she's also one of the few young mutants whose personal struggles had nothing to do with accepting her mutation, but all to do with being in a new environment and being homesick, something I related to as an international student. And that sticks out in the sea of more typical puberty metaphor changing body young mutant stories. I always thought this uniqueness would help her stand out more, but it seemed to have the opposite effect as time has gone on. Is there truly no hope for Magma? Can anything short of a full character reboot save her in the eyes of fans and editors? Thanks as always and love the show. Best regards, Para from Discord and Twitter. I think that the problem is, even in the Claremont run, she pretty quickly gets away from the premise of being the essential fish-out-of-water character. And the solution is to lean into that. The problem is it's now been almost 40 years of publication, and that element of her character has been super downplayed over the years. So I don't know if readers would accept it. That said, I don't know that there are that many readers who are that invested in Magma, so maybe they would. Yeah, I mean, what you said about her being a quick study just kind of also... It undermines the tension. 
Because it's just like, well, it's been 40 years. If she's a quick study art, can you still be a fish out of water? Absolutely Yeah, like she's got a laptop now. She's fine. Like, you know, it would be so much funnier if she like couldn't figure out how to turn off Siri. Mm -hmm. And she's like, this demon Siri will not leave me be. Like, that would be funny. (laughs) Yeah. Or if she was just like faking it the whole time, like you know that tire of mu- the tire of, like GIF or movie where she's just typing like gibberish into a dog. right, yeah, and she's just like because yeah, she's just like I don't know how the computer works, but I'm pretending that I know because yeah. my friends are all typing, and here we are at the internet cafe. She's like, I'm you just- know what, Doug just takes the minutes, pretends he does this for me. Yeah, no, exactly. Jason Kim writes, hello, Connor, an esteemed guest. Something that always weirds me out about Amara is the usage of immigrant child narrative beats in her early stories. The question was always lingering for me as to why the beats of acclimating to a foreign land and the mundane intergenerational strife weren't given to the actual characters of color on the roster. I've had a theory in mind that using Amara was an easy way to do those tropes without stepping on marginalized readers' toes, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on how off-base I am if that theory is nonsense. Thanks for the time. Sincerely, Jason Kim. I think that theory is nonsense because I don't think Chris Claremont cared that much about stepping on toes if i'm being 100 percent well as you pointed out like with the names he obviously yeah like he just i don't think that was really front of mind for him was like "Uh uh-oh i might offend somebody i think that he was just like i'm gonna do my best and i don't care if you hate it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i do think that the thing about amara is it's much easier because it requires less research because we don't know any ancient Roman people. So like her culture shock is something you can write very easily. It's time travel. Mm -hmm. Whereas how does karma feel as a Vietnamese person in America is a more complicated topic, right? Mm -hmm. And with Sunspot, I do think that the intergenerational tension stuff is very, very present in his storyline. With Danny, it's more that her family was killed off. Like, her grandfather's killed off in the first story, and then her parents are, like, part of the demon bear. She's kind of been on her own, so she doesn't really have that struggle. I do think that the primary thing is that it's easier to do an I'm from 2,000 years ago, wow, what is this magical box about the television storyline? But even then, he didn't seem that interested in it for very long. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think it enables you to do a lot of plots like I am a royal's daughter and I have an arranged marriage and all of this stuff without having to like do any actual reading on a real culture. And that's easier. But I don't think it's because he was worried about offending anyone. I think it was just because taking it to a place of fantasy, you can be more creative with it without, you know, getting it wrong. Yeah. Outside of the names. (laughs) And you can hit the beat of like bratty. Like a like a temper tantrum, right? I'm trying to think of like the the arc where she just like runs to a room and it's just like it's a, like it's very like teenage girl, like the way the tropey teenage girl of being mm-hmm. like, oh she's a brat, oh she's we don't have to blame her for being a brat. She's just an ancient Roman lady, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, it's it's also we're supposed to sympathize with her, I think, because that's hard. Like the parallel is drawn between her and Rachel pretty aggressively. Except Rachel, who's also like a bratty teenager, is genuinely sympathetic and also comes from a dystopian hell. Whereas like, oh no, Amara had to leave the palace where she's been pampered her whole life. Like, Mm -hmm. how sad for her. It's not, it just doesn't, it doesn't move me particularly. It's funny, but it's not, but it's not played for funny. But it's not played for humor, right? That's the thing. So it just doesn't work. 
Juniper Shaw writes, hello, Connor and Alex, longtime listener, first time writer here. I'm caught up on the Krakoa era and working through the classic Claremont stuff, but I'm shaky on everything in between. So this podcast has been a huge help with filling in the gaps. Thank you for the excellent podcast and the community you've built around it. Well, thank you. That's very sweet. On to my question. Several of the new mutants underwent major changes, for better or worse, in the special edition number one, where they went to Asgard. Danny became a Valkyrie. Doug shared his life glow with Warlock for the first time. And Rain gained an ill-fated love interest. Has Magma's temporary transformation into an elf ever come up again? Do you think it might come up if she goes to Otherworld? Maybe there's a place for her in the Knights of X. Or do you think Magma's fairy days are too far behind her to bring that up again now? Thank you for taking the time to read my question. Juniper Shaw, X-Man. Get it? Because I'm trans. (laughs) I would not make that joke. I would not make that joke. Yeah, that's funny. That is not a joke for us to make. I will let you make that joke because it did make me laugh. And it's a good joke. Well, Juniper, thank you for writing in. I think it's mostly that Danny's Valkyrie arc and Doug merging with Warlock and Rain with the Wolf Prince were all storylines that people actually gave a shit about. Mm-hmm. Like the problem with Magma is also that fans don't have any investment in Magma particularly. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to reference that Asgard story, which people love, Magma's story arc is just not the thing people are going to pluck out of it. Like if I were to pick things I would want to see come back into circulation from that story it would be like danny as a valkyrie is number one mm-hmm. and then like doug and warlock stuff is still happening so you don't really need that back i mean danny is a valkyrie slapping but not that much in x-men stuff so it would be cool to see more of that again but then the thing i would go to after that is like the weird relationship between Ilyana and the enchantress which we haven't really seen come back like, that would be more interesting to me mm-hmm. than magma turned into a tiny sex elf Like that's just not <laughs> it would i mean you want the reboot if you want the reboot Here's the reboot. Oh, to take her to Otherworld? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, that that would be certainly, yeah. I mean, if you want to just, I mean, people keep saying, they're like, just kill Magma in Otherworld and bring back X-Men Evolution Magma. And like, that would be a solution. Mm-hmm. But then you've gotten rid of this Chris Claremont character who is a classic character. And I do feel like half the reason she still exists is that she is this Chris Claremont character. So I don't know. It would be kind of hilarious if they just, if a writer and artist just was just like, hey, remember this sex self? Like, see, like, oops. Editorial note, Amara got turned into a sex self in New Mutant Special number one. Weird. This is how yeah, it is why now. Not? I will say... I'm calling her a sex elf because it's just like a weird fetish plot, but she's not like sexy. She looks kind of like an elf quest character, but she has like huge eyebrows that come off her face <laughs> and it's not like the, like like little antennas. It's not great. <laughs> it's not a great look for her. I got to be I got to be real. She does grow hair down to the floor, which is pretty chic, but it's not super practical. I, here's my question, I guess, Juniper. What would the point of bringing her fairy elf moment back be? And the thing about Otherworld is, like, the fairies of Otherworld and the elves of Asgard are not the same kind of elf. That's an insane sentence, and I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they're not. They're not, though, is the thing. So right. there's that. Harry Hamzat writes, Hi, my name is Harry. You know the drill. I love the podcast. I've just been binging the entire series. I love what you do. I quote the Celine episode at least thrice a day. I currently live in Australia, but I watched so much X-Men Evolution that I was committed to not having the accent. My question, <laughs> my question is, why is Magma so anti-slay? How does one of a grandma like she who eats Celine and still be so Magma? <laughs> also, if Magma had a Twitter, what kind of Twitter do you think she would have? <laughs> no, Magma has an Instagram. And she just takes pictures of landscapes. 
Oh, man. You think? <laughs> and like Sean Mendez. I feel like Magma has a Twitter account about like volcanology and she's just always like, friendly reminder, <laughs> volcanoes are not a safe place to take landscape pictures for your Instagram. Like I feel like she's one of those like annoying science. Oh my god, no. Is she on the Twitter? Per- is she the person is she like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of volcanoes? That's what I'm saying, of like volcanic activity. Or like one of those people where like she has like PhD in the yeah. descriptor yes. of, and like the, the, the display. But with her, it's like SCD or whatever it would be for like volcanology. But yeah. she's just like, hey. The original tweet would be like, look at this cool volcano, right? Right. And then she would be under, she'd be the first reply. She'd be like, actually, this isn't cool. This <laughs> yeah. eruption is going to disrupt the ecosystem in the area. Exactly. And the local people are going to be devastated by drought. Next time you tweet about volcanoes being cool. Do better. <laughs> be better. Do better. <laughs> she was on Twitter when she was inspired to go get that haircut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which haircut? The pixie cut. She was just like, I'm going to be fully in my like pedantic, what, what, do better Twitter mode. Photo? Does she have a Ukraine flag? Yes. And a mask on. Like four of them photoshopped <laughs> under her face. Like just to remind you to wear a mask, we're going to get canceled. No. No. We're just making- Those people are annoying. I'm sorry. They're annoying <laughs> people on Twitter who are like very hall monitor and it's annoying. I am an annoying person on Twitter. Twitter is a hellscape. It's those people who are like, wow, actually this funny animal video is not cute. That animal's in distress. It's like, shut up. <laughs> it's a meme. Yeah. That, she's actually, you remember that clip from a movie that's like, a, it's like a cockatoo, like drowning in a chocolate fountain. <laughs> No, and people were like, sure. this isn't funny. The chocolate would kill that bird. It's like, this isn't real. It's a puppet. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Magma. <laughs> That's what Magma's Twitter was. <laughs> no, you know, wait, 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 wait. No, hold on. Magma also has a Twitter or social media presence that is in everyone's group chat. That gets pasted into everyone's group chat and be like, oh, yeah, no, people, the, well, the, the new mutants have a separate, to go back to Harini's question, the new mutants have a separate group chat, Saw Magma, where mm-hmm. it's like all of them except Magma. Yeah. And they are constantly screen capping things Magma says and putting <laughs> them into that group chat. Like, can you fucking believe Magma? With the eye roll emoji. Yes. Like, like oh. gosh, I know she's our friend, but she have me fucking crazy. <laughs> Emma D writes, hi, Connor and esteemed guest. Loving the podcast so much. It always puts a huge smile on my face. And actually why I took the plunge from just liking the X-Men conceptually to diving into the actual books. Oh, well, I love that. That makes me really happy. My question about Magma is about her connection to Selene. Do you think Magma would ever start delving into magic? Now that she and Selene are cohabiting on the same island and Selene is a much more public figure than before, do you think Amara would be willing to have that sort of bad influence in her life? Thanks so much for always making my day. Emma, P.S. I'm Canadian. So if you want to try to take the accent for a spin, you're more than welcome. Sorry, I forgot. But... Here's the thing. Selene is not currently cohabiting on the island, but she'll be back. I truly believe she'll be back. Uh, I would love to see this. I would love... This is, again, what I'm saying. Like, I think that Selene should try harder to tempt Amara into the darkness. Mm -hmm. Because Amara is much more of a mark than Rachel. Like, go for it. See what happens. You were very successful with Wither and Mortis and all those freaks. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a shot. You and your freaky clowns. Yeah, like give it a give it a go. Yeah. Family it's, first, Celine. It's like you've done worse. 
Right, exactly. Also, Amara, like, learning magic would be kind of funny. Yeah, I think it would be super fun. And, like... Or Earth magic. Again, I just think, like, leaning into the ancient Roman stuff with her is the best way to make her a character who feels different from the 5,000 other broads with powerful mm-hmm. energy powers in this franchise, you know? Yeah. Reese Indigo writes, about Magma dating Mephisto, do you think it helped raise her profile even slightly or did it diminish his profile? Or do we dry that whole thing and hope they never do a messy X plot? Thank you very much. and always excited to hear the discussions. Reese Indigo, pro wrestling drag manager. Well, that sounds like an interesting life. I think that we should absolutely just always be, whenever Magma is on panel, people should be asking, where's Mephisto? Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned. I think it did lower his profile because everyone was like embarrassing Mephisto. Mm -hmm. I don't think it raised her profile because people seem very surprised when I tell them that that was a story arc that happened. So I don't think a lot of people read it. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I think it should like be on her LinkedIn, like recommended for devil fucking. Like she should be in the mix. She and Patsy Walker should talk about it sometime. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, it's like, it's, it, it is funny to me that like, if she's just, like, the number one devil fucker. Right. She's the best at it. Well, it's also, like, wh- why Why do the devils love her so much? It's, like, because she's fucking lava. She's, like, fucking hell. Yeah. Lean into that. And, like, again, make her, like, bitchier to make that even funnier, right? Like, she is hell walking around. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Brentley Kalka writes, hello, Connor and Alex, long time, first time. I love this podcast so much. It's been an obsessive amount of time each week, refreshing my feed, waiting for new episodes. Well, thank you for your patience. They take a long time to make. So thank you for that, Connor. The Celine episode is one of my all-time favorites. I was excited to hear that Alex was returning to talk about and or roast Mr. (laughs) Celine's disappointing granddaughter, Magma. My question actually relates back to the two's troubled relationship. Do you think Celine gained any respect for Magma knowing she dated the devil? Or did she just lose respect for the devil? Thanks again, Brentley Calca. (laughs) I think she, I think it was both. She was just like, really, her? But then she was pleased to hear it. I mean, it'd be kind of funny if there was a story arc of Magma clout chasing yeah yes magma like threatening to release her sex tape with the devil (laughs) yes on her annoying twitter magma being like do you want to see the devil's nudes yeah i have the devil's nudes and everyone's like "Mm, amara you can't revenge porn the devil even if he's the devil Amara going on X on the beach with Mephisto. Mm-hmm. I want a messy X plot. I want whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I gotta be honest. I'm not following the Avengers super closely, so I don't know what he's up to there, but I know he was all over that book. And I would dig if he's relevant right now, a moment where it's just like, let's check in on them. Do they have messy X sex? Do they like still DM and it's awkward, but it's like when they're drunk? Yeah. Like that would be funny. They definitely text when they're drunk. Yeah, and then, like, the next day, she's like, oh, I fucking texted the devil again. <laughs> and he's like, mm, yes, she loves me still. And it's like, no, dude, she just drank too much. She's in Nova Roma, like, drowning in really bad wine that they, like, oh, make truly, through, like, fermentation, yeah, like, old school style. Absolutely disgusting fermented stuff. Foul. Yeah. Vitor Dos Santos writes, Hey, Connor and dear guest, X-Men Evolution was a huge hit here in Brazil, mainly because the show was on broadcast television five days a week for decades. My first time seeing the character Magma was on the cartoon, and I always imagined her as that cool, shy brown girl who was best friends with Boom Boom. That visual was really cool and made a lot more sense since she's from the Brazilian Amazon, and people from northern Brazil aren't usually blonde with fair skin. I was very taken aback when I went from the cartoon Magma to the comics Magma because the blonde Magma was from the Amazon, but 
Greek, but would still go out dressed as an indigenous woman? <laughs> I would love a brown magma like the one from the cartoon in the 616 universe. Do you think magma suffered from being just another generic blonde chick within an X-Men cast always full of blonde women? Should magma get a new friend or maybe a relative that's brown or black to follow her legacy as the lava controller? Yara Floor is a big hit at DC, and a new indigenous magma would be great. I think an X-Men evolution lookalike in the 616 universe would definitely be a hit in Brazil. Sorry for the long rant on magma, but a complicated character like her makes me want to go off, especially since she's technically a Brazilian like me, but looks nothing like we do, LOL. Well, so yeah, I think the fact that she's not super visually distinct has absolutely hurt her. I do think that if they introduced a character closer to the evolution magma, that she would be a popular character. The problem is just what do you do then with regular magma? And regular magma has the legacy of being an 80s Claremont character. So I just don't know that she's ever going to be functionally replaced. But you could give her like a mentee who has similar powers who is from Rio or something. Like you could do that. I just, I don't, I don't know that there's an easy fix. I think that the version of the character from that cartoon is more appealing in a lot of ways. Oh, but if you're friends with Boom Boom, of course you're going to be appealing. <laughs> but like, I just, I, I don't, at this point, I don't, it's also, frankly, it's been a long time now since X-Men Evolution. It's been like 20 years almost. Oh, Jesus. I know. We're old, babe. Uh, so I just am not sure that if you did that, people would necessarily get it, even, at this point. Love that character, though. She was fun. It was, I love when they when they did the little girls trip. <laughs> they yeah, had the little yeah, girls yeah. bottleneck episode. And they were, that episode's fun. Yeah, so fun. Need more of that. Caleb Wade writes, how do you esteem Connor and Alex? Why do you think Amara hasn't had a major role in any media since X-Men Legends and Evolution? Is it because she's ultimately a flop? Is it because barring Evolution, she's just another blonde white lady with powers? A lot of you are hitting similar notes, I just want to point out. Is it because she gave Soraya sand cancer that one time? We haven't mentioned that yet very much, and that is true. She did give Soraya sand cancer. We, we brought it up earlier, but I do feel the need to stress that was not good mentoring of the younger generation of students, in Bad. my opinion. Not great. Also, what do you think Amara would sing on a karaoke night? Part of me thinks she tried Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson, but couldn't hit the high note, disappointing Celine further. Thank you both for everything you do, and make mine cerebro. Caleb, what do you think Amara would sing on a karaoke night? I like that question. Oh my gosh. I feel like Amara is deeply into Eurovision. Amara has, this is the thing also, like, again, if you made her, like, Euro trashy, like Empath, <laughs> that could be fun too, you know what I mean? <laughs> It would be really funny if they, her and Empath were together, and every time they're together, Dad's just like, not more Euro trash. Oh, God. I deal with this on my world tours all the time. They're just unbearable. <laughs> no, if you made her, like, very much an Italian girl, that could be funny, too. You know what I mean? Not, like, Italian-American. I mean, like, you know, like, if you made her just, like, very European in her sensibility. Because she's, like empath just like me traces his lineage back to ancient rome but he's just like spanish he's from like madrid so you could absolutely mm -hmm. similarly have her just be like i've spent some years in naples and now i'm very european and that could be funny too i just think the most important thing is to distinguish her from her peers in the new mutants like you need to i mean because here's the problem if you're gonna do that i'd rather do it with tarot Right. Who's French? Because that would be funny. Yeah. Tara would show up and do Christine and the Queens at karaoke. Or like she would do yell, like je veux te bois, or however you say like mm -hmm. that would be great. Favorite. Like you remember that? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. But, like, or like Uffy. Pop the glock. But yeah, I think that Amara 
I would want to lean into that. Like maybe at karaoke she does like ABBA. But bad at it. Yeah. Or actually, maybe she's gotten super into like Brazilian music. <laughs> and you just make it funny. Like you make it funny that she's doing Bossa Nova. The girl from Nova, Roma goes walking. That when she passes <laughs> each boy, she passes goes. Ah, like, oh, no. that would be this funny. This is going to be a, an anime. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> that would be fun. You could do that. You Oh, you're saying Kriko is going to jump on it. Yeah. I mean, that I can't think of any. But I'm going to see that, and it's going to be in my head. The girl from Ro- Nova. From <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Broderick writes, Salutations, Connor, you sweet thing, and illustrious guest Alex. What a sexy thing. Ooh. Ooh. Look at you. That's what your Instagram gets you. Sweet. One guy named Alex on Instagram if you love Barry's boot camp and shirtless pics at the gym. Oh, just letting okay. you know. Just doing promo Sometimes. for you right now. Thanks. Thank you. After all the shade you've been throwing at Magma the last few seasons, I couldn't be more excited to hear this episode. My first exposure to her was in the X-Men Legends video game where she was the young POV character for the audience and voiced by the always wonderful Cree Summer. Oh, that's also true. And that threw me in that game because it was like, why is Magma Susie from Rugrats? <laughs> that was peculiar to me. She was very down to earth and lovable in that game compared to the comics where she's more conceited and a bit monotone. Anyway, my question is, in this day and age in the entertainment business and social media, dirt on celebrities doing blackface of the past is being dug up and presented for all to find out. Usually, no matter what the situation, these celebrities are put in a position where they have to send a tape or write a formal apology with an explanation for their past actions. Should Amara be held to the same standard? What if one of the Gen Z mutants on Krakoa find past evidence of her dressing up and painting herself as a dark-skinned <laughs> tribal warrior? Even if it was ages ago and was for her own survival, should Amara admit that it was wrong and do an apology via video message or Twitter? Thank you for keeping the children and crops fed with your magnificent podcast. Looking forward to the day when you do an episode on the icon, the legend herself, Astrid Bloom, Fest, Anthony Edward. So, first of all, Astrid Bloom needs seven more appearances to have a full Zaladane. So the writers have to get on that before there's ever going to be an Astrid. She's appeared in five issues. Great name. Great name. Great name. Great potential to really fuck with Emma's day. And I, I'd love to write that character. But right now, unfortunately, she does not have enough appearances to qualify for a Cerebro episode. To get back to Magma's Blackface Notes app apology, I know I would like to see it. How does that, how does that apology start? When I was young, I'm from, it would actually be very Diana Jenkins on Beverly Hills. Like, I'm not from this country. After she said something that came across astoundingly racist on Instagram. Like a lot. That, that woman is out of pocket. She's just. Out of pocket, out of her mind. She's a saga, that one. I am fascinated by her. I need her. Did you read the part where on her Instagram where she claimed that the sex trafficking rumors about her are a psyop by the Serbian government to try and undercut her charity work in Bosnia and Herzegovina? Because I truly need a real housewife versus the Serbian government <laughs> security apparatus to be a recurring plot now on Beverly Hills if she's going to stick around. You need a new Whelan? Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. You need a new magma? Here you I need am. a new magma. Here I am. Make magma Diana Jenkins. Have her marry the devil and become his trophy wife. Actually, oh and she's God. like, I'm doing so much. I am doing so much charity work in Nova Roma. <laughs> I use this money so philanthropically. Well, no, and then it's part of the his, his MLM where he just makes people live long, so they made all the bad choices. Honestly, X Court might be into that because they're like doing the the. The medicines, Lifespan right? prolonging medicines. Right. She should actually, honestly, she would be a funny friend for Monet. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to give Monet a Euro trash nouveau riche friend group. Yeah. Because Monet is pretty classy, but like she's definitely, 
She's not old money. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, her Algerian side is, but I mean, like, the French Monegasque. So her father is, like, definitely, like, a nouveau riche kind of guy. And you could have her and Magma and Tarot and Sugar Cane. Have Stacey X and Sugar Cane show up. They're always fun. The ladies' mastermind. Bring them in. The ladies' mastermind. I do think Monet would like them. And she knows their dad now. So Mm -hmm. there's no... I mean, I think Monet would like them in the sense that she would just be like, you are intolerable, but it's very funny. (laughs) And she likes a mess. She's Bessie the Siren, who, like, God love her, but what a mess. But yeah, I mean, I just think that Magma needs friends and doesn't have any right now. And needs to apologize for the brown face. And maybe that would be a way to start. Maybe Monet is like, listen, we can hang out, but like for, like, I don't want to get shit on social media about this. So you need to get ahead of this, like, <laughs> indigenous cosplay thing. That would be, such, that would be such, a cute, such a cute little, just a little sub, like a little side plot of just being like, oh, wow, you're actually not as bad as I heard. Yeah, and, but you do need to publicly apologize for that if we're going to be photographed together by paparazzi. Yeah. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. She's be like, my dad did it. I was hiding from the evil cult. It's like, don't care. Got to address it. Gotta Put it in the notes app. Put it in the notes app. Also, we'll move on. if Monet and Magma just laugh at, like, clown Firestar. Well, <laughs> Monet clowning Firestar for taking her seat on the X-Men is really all I want for the next year of comics. Yeah, and obviously you're going you're gonna to commiserate with the fucking Lava Girl, right? Yeah. Yeah, because she just like, wow, Firestar just ate my fucking lunch. Yeah. Monet's like, tell me about it, bitch. She's like, not even a real X-Men. Not even a real yeah. X-Men. Well, she is now. She's a cop. It's our cross to bear. She's a cop. She's choosing to be less copish, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, it's growth. We'll see. Jerry will. I, I do have faith that Jerry will. Say, but it would be very fun to to see like Monet and Magma kind of mean girl her a little bit. I would mm-hmm. enjoy that. And like the Firestar fans would live and die for that because they love to paint her as this tragic victim. And all of the mean girls are so mean to poor Firestar. It's like, give me a fucking break. We all got bullied in high school. Move on. Love you if you're listening, Firestar fans. This love a- Firestar fans. This is not a Firestar podcast, though. It sure isn't. Mike Chu writes, What sort of eulogy would Celine give at the funeral of her flop granddaughter, Amara, assuming that Celine was not found responsible for her murder? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's so mean. I think, it's, it speaks I just for itself. I, I don't even think we need to answer it, but it would be funny. It would be like a tight 10 like stand-up routine, and everyone would be like, Celine, she's dead. <laughs> oh, live a little. It's funny. You know what would be funny? It would be... <laughs> it would happen during the, the the immortal protocol, like the resurrection protocol. So like that would still happen. But Celine would be like... She'd be like, okay, I know she's going to come back, but let me do this. <laughs> the tight 10. Let me have this. And she would act like she was actually really dead. I also think it would be really funny if she died and Celine pretended that they were super close and gave this <laughs> eulogy about, like, my granddaughter, the last of my line, <laughs> cut down in the bloom of life. I'm so sad. And everybody's just like, didn't you hate each other? And she's just like, it's just so terrible to see the young ones gone far too early. Like, that could be fun also. Two, does Amara know about Hercules and Novar? Does she have any strong opinions on the matter? And do you think any of the three of them know what it means to be versatile? 
I think Novar does, but Hercules is not down. <laughs> and I think Amara doesn't have a strong opinion on it because, like, Hercules does have male lovers in mythology, and she would just be like, yeah, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, this 20-year-old twink would be someone he would want to fuck. It's our culture. You might not get it, but mm-hmm. that is what we do. I don't think she knows yet, but she should find out. I actually, that's one thing is like, I do think that Amara and Hercules teaming up again would be cute. That would be like a fun thing to revisit. Mm -hmm. And also like, what does it do if you take Magma to space? Like do her powers work in space? Oh, you want to turn it to, what is it, Araka? Well, because Hercules and Novar, maybe Araka, but I'm just saying, like, Hercules and Novar are doing space stuff because they were, like, you know, they were in Guardians together. Mm Novar is a space character. Can Amara even flame on if she's not, like, in contact with the Earth? Mm. Apart from continuity-era panels where she's flying, but she's not supposed to be able to fly. (laughs) So. (laughs) It's a seatbelt. That aside. (laughs) Get her in a seatbelt. DG writes, hello, Connor and Alex. I always gravitate towards C-list characters, and my favorite series of all time is the original New Mutants. For years, I was a karma stand, but now that she's finally gotten some development and polish, I find myself simping for fucking magma. I didn't choose this for myself, but here we are. I feel like Emma and Amara might have gotten along well when magma was a hellion. Are you telling me Emma groomed a microwave tween up to and including murdering a horse to use as a weapon against Selene? And then when a volcano lady showed up who already hated Selene, they didn't hatch a plot? <laughs> X-Men Legends arc now. That is a great point. Mm-hmm, and absolutely. I would love to see that. I imagine Emma also showing Amara how the upper class lives in Boston, up to and including the wonders of a discreet bump in the ladies. What's your take on their relationship? I think that she probably did like Magma and would have enjoyed Magma. I would, I would like to see that, actually. I think that would be fun. Well, don't they troll? They basically troll each other. Like, Celine is always trolling Emma. Emma would always troll back. Right. And so being like, this is my new prize pupil, your flop granddaughter, (laughs) I think would really be funny. Like, that is a story I would like to read. And it would be a fun flashback story. And then if you did the flashback story, you could revisit them in the present. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be fun. I think the thing with Firestar is that, like, she's always, for Emma, going to be the one that got away. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's, like, a little obsessed with Firestar in a way she's not with her other former Hellions. Right. Who survived, like, Magma and Empath and Warpath. But I don't know. I think that would be fun. I would like to see that, especially if Magma and Empath were, like, circling each other again. Because Emma and Empath are always fun. And they had some really interesting stuff in Hellions recently. Mm Mm-hmm. In Magma's pinup page in the original run, Charles suggests that she's likely a genius. My question is, Connor, why is this so funny? <laughs> if I recall correctly, he also suggested Cat's Eye is a genius. This man should never have been allowed to be an educator. Cat's Eye is a genius. Cat's Eye has a photographic memory and learned English in like two months. So don't come for Cat's Eye. I will fucking end you. Is she a genius though? Cat's Eye? Yes. She was raised by cats and she acclimates to human culture in like a month. Magma is not a genius. Like, let's be, Magma is not. No. No. Let's be very clear. Not. Magma is not a genius. And Charles was wrong for that. We have never seen Magma demonstrate any, like, to the point where they were all like, we can't leave you alone with the devil because you will lose your soul. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're not that bright, babe. Not. No. <sighs> it's giving rogue again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. I'm exhausted. Magma sucks, but I wish she didn't. Thank you so much for the podcast. I hope this is just the first step in a creative career for you, such that I can brag about how I was a supporter of yours just as you were getting started. Well, that's incredibly kind. Thank you so Sweet. much for saying that. Oh my gosh, I thought you yeah. were ending the podcast. <laughs> what? I thought that was the end. 
was like, well, this is a weird way to end it. No, that was the end of the letter. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Connor. Frederick Yelkander writes, Dear Connor and esteemed guest, Mr. Abad Santos, I want to apologize in advance if my English is hard to understand. It's not my first language. I'm Swedish, and I'd be honored to hear you take a shot at the accent. This is going to be... Woo. Crazy, but I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I love it. Don't write in Swedes if I fucking suck at this. I'm just thinking of interviews with Robin. That's like my like point of <laughs> reference. First, I want to thank you, Connor. Cerebro and Hawkspox is what have awakened my slumbering comic book interest, and I'm now as invested in my merry band of mutants as I was when I was in my early teens. And this has helped me through some pretty rough times the last couple of years. Thank you. Also, Aww. very impressed with your courage, Mr. Abad Santos. You dared to take on a character that, from the get-go, is very problematic and really hard to love. <laughs> Okay, question. One of the reasons Amara is hard to like is that she never really had any good dynamic with her teammates or love interests. She never found a pairing and friendship that could help her show her good sides like Sam and Beto, Rain and Danny, Doug and Warlock, and Kitty and Ilyana who all had each other. Instead, Amara dated both Empath and Mephisto. One is literally the devil and the other one is worse. But who would be a good partner for Amara? Who could help her grow and through the relationship make her showcase some more likable traits, best regard, sneaked and tweets, and sneaked on Twitter? That was a little more Dutch. I feel like I went like Yolanda Hadid there. I liked second, it. It was very sweet. I tried. It was very sweet. We're in Amsterdam now. Um, it, You know what? I'm getting a theme and a vibe from all the questions is a lot of people feel the same way. Even big Amara yeah. fans feel the same Who way. Who would you like? But I do think that it is like of all her, she doesn't have that many identifiable character traits, but one of them is terrible taste in men. Who should she date next? Oh, who's terrible? I'm I'm thinking of the worst people. <laughs> like the, the like sinister Corgan, right? Like I'm like Fenris, both of them. No, but like they they, <laughs> they hunted her in the Young Hunt, though. But yes. you know what? Like Empath sent her the Gladiator ring before she started dating Empath. Maybe she likes that. Don't don't date Fenris though, Amara. That's a bridge no, too far. That's not. But I'm just trying to think of like who sucks. Who sucks? Actually, actually, you know who? Like she could date Shinobi Shaw. Yeah, that would be funny. She could date. Wait, no, I don't want to be mean. <laughs> Fabian Cortez. Yes. Fabian Cortez. That would be fun. I'm just going through the upstarts now. I, mean, I had Trevor Fitzroy, and he killed all the Hellions. She wouldn't like that. What if she dated, like, someone that's, like, what? like Havoc? Like Alex No, Summers. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to Havoc. <laughs> and she's not, quite honestly, she's not pussy enough to date Havoc. Havoc <laughs> likes Polaris and Madeline Pryor. He's not into Magma. It's just not going to happen. But no, so I, here's actually, now. the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like Fabian Cortez 100%, because his whole deal is that he's obsessed with being Spanish aristocracy, which is why she was initially drawn to Empath. And he's a fucking dick. And he's a power booster whose touch is addictive. She would love that. Perfect. That is a man that she should date. Terrible taste in men. Ryan West writes, Hi, Connor and Alex. Say three nice things about magma. Love the look. Um, heat. Heat is nice. Heat's good. <laughs> Love the... <laughs> <laughs> um, Woo! And... Uh... Uh... uh, uh, uh I like yellow. Yellow is pretty. Oof, this is rough. That was a rough three. <laughs> that was a rough. Took you a while and you came up with yellow. That's good. That's a tough one. 
that's the first thing in this whole episode to make me feel a little bit of sympathy, a pang <laughs> of sympathy for Mac. Well, well, there we go. Someone had to do it. All right, I'll try now. Uh, number one, related to Celine. That's great. Love that for her. Uh, two. <laughs> seems to have moved beyond craving slaves. <laughs> so that's character growth, right? I should have said she loves fancy things. I love a fancy, love, loves fancy things. Yeah, I was going to say number three, gold digging with the devil is aspirational to me a little mm-hmm. bit. But no, that's not, that's kind of a criticism. What's another nice thing to say about Amara? Um, great taste in jewelry. <laughs> no. She's always rocking like a gold necklace or a bracelet or something. It's, she's, you know, blinged out in a in a fun way. She's a romantic. Set Kitty on fire in X Men Gold <laughs> when Kitty was being really annoying. <laughs> that was good. I enjoyed that. I gotta say, splash lava on Kitty. <laughs> A pro. At least you didn't say yellow. That was reach. I got to be honest. Do love the look. I mean, you you used that one already, but Sorry. that that lava look is just stunning. Right. She is really the ultimate in great gowns, beautiful gowns as an X Men character mm-hmm. because you look at that visual, and you're like, oh, it's magma. That's a great design, and that's really all that mm-hmm. there ever is. Last question. Krakoa welcomes writes question about magma. Her. <laughs> But in seriousness, in honor of Alice and Crestmere, what do you think are some of the other funniest retcons in the X-Men franchise? That's pretty fun. I mean, I my brain is a little melted right now, but... No, we've been doing this for a long time. But I would say one of them for me is... I was just talking about this with my friend Holly in the Discord. Astra, who's a terrible character and a terrible retcon, but... She's the one who, like, in Magneto War in the late 90s, they established that she created Joseph, who's a clone of Magneto. It's the way they get out of the Joseph mess Mm -hmm. is like, oh, he's a clone that Astra created. Who's Astra? The long-lost, forgotten member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants from the 60s (laughs) who you never met before. And she's a fucking bitch. (laughs) She's just really rude to everyone. She doesn't have a full Zaladane, so there could be no Astra episode just yet, but much like Astrid, actually. Astrid and Astra both need more appearances. She's just kind of rude. She's like a Chorus Leachman character in a Jack Kirby outfit, and she's absurd. <laughs> and so that's like a fun retcon because it's bad but funny in a way that's mostly harmless. Like the Draco is like a funny retcon to talk about, but it's awful. It's just awful in like a not fun way. Zorn. Zorn. A Zorn bad. <laughs> No, like, because the Zorn retcon is just, again, that just, like, makes me sad, you know? Like, oh, no, Zorn is real, and there's two of them. It's like, shut the fuck up. No one asked for this. Zorn is pretty oh. funny, though. Zorn is intrinsically pretty oh, funny. It is true. Mild retcon of the of the cuckoos, their names. Oh, that's a good one. Right? Her name's actually Irma, but she hates it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good, that's funny. That's a very funny retcon. That's a retcon that is very pleasing to me. That's a pleasing, it fixed the acronym and it was funny. And I, I like that very much. Also, with the new Irma Vep show. Oh, that's all I can think about. Maybe she's feeling it again. Grant in their <laughs> newsletter said, Irma wouldn't have been my choice. My thinking was Ioni. But Irma has an appealing Irma Vep quality. And they were thinking of the movie with Maggie Chung. Mm-hmm. But 
The new show. I haven't watched it yet. Have you been watching the new room of that? I hear it's great. It's Alicia Vikander, right? I am not like a Vikander head, generally. Who is? There are people who really like her. I loved her in Man from Uncle, but I haven't rewatched that movie since Army Hammer's Cannibal Scandal. So I don't know if I would enjoy it as much now. You know what? That's kind of a flop. That man is kind of the magma of. Well, that's kind of that's that's a pretty wild retcon <laughs> of like the world. I mean, it's more of a reveal because he's like, but but you know, it's like, huh? That's a weird place to take that character. But with the army, with the army hammer thing, I think the whole thing of him being like, there was that Vanity Fair that was like his family has had five, his famous family has five generations. Well, it was all very sad to me because the Hammer family is like a very that this is not a Hammer family podcast, but the Hammer no. family was generations ago a very prominent Jewish communist family, and his father married an evangelical psycho, and now they're like right wing crazy people, and they fund Jews for Jesus. Because he converted to evangelical Christianity. So I was always happy that he'd like escaped from that. Mm -hmm. But then it turned out he was an evil, abusive cannibal. So. Oh, I was just very surprised to learn that it was like five generations have just given like have been working really hard to give us Army Hammer. He is a little bit of a magma, right? Mm -hmm. Where were we? Oh, the funny retcons. Yeah. Um, Chuck Austin, I will say, I hate the Draco, but him deciding that Kurt becoming a priest was all an illusion that the Church of Humanity created because everybody wanted Kurt to be fucking again is extremely funny and is a retcon that was good because we did all want Kurt to be fucking again. And so he needed to not be a priest. Mm -hmm. It was just like, nope. Maybe if you become Anglican, but otherwise, it's a no from us. Can I give you a, a retcon I hate? Sure. The Wanda retcon. The Wanda Pietro retcon. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't talk about that right now. <laughs> but come back in a couple weeks for the Pietro episode where I'm sure that Luke Reddick and I will talk a ton about that. For now, Alex, is there anything else you'd like to say about Magma? I think we're about gassed out, honestly. I mean, I hope that people listen to this and know that we gave it our all we tried we really we really gave this a shot no we really asked like each other like what what do you like about the character what do you like what is it what and then you were like i think it's more about like what we want for her yeah i want this character to be good because if she's gonna be a chris claremont legacy character who's around forever i want her to not suck yeah and it's like a lot of it is jokes yes the commitment to the bit is very admirable of like Emma sucks. But like also like there's there's a character there that has a lot of potential. And I hope that someone, a writer, an artist, figure out what to do. Something. Something. Give us fun stuff. Just give us something. Give us a reason to hate her so much. Right. Because <laughs> right now she's just boring. You know? Yeah. Well, Alex, why don't you tell the listeners where to follow you online and plug anything that you want to plug? Oh, my gosh. Just follow. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram because I'm thirsty. And then follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore A-B-A-D-S. And then I write for Vox. But I'm always around to tweet and make fun of X-Men stuff. And I'll be reading Hellfire Gala, which will probably be out by the It's time. out by now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I'll probably be jibber jabbering about that lots yeah, yeah, yeah gabbing about nervous for my nervous for storm nervous so so nervous for storm about like whatever is gonna happen in judgment day so yeah. nervous there's for lots I, I am nervous about judgment day i'm nervous for eric 
not for Storm. Oh. I don't think Storm is ever going to get hurt at all, but Magneto making a big thing of like, I'm not afraid to die. I'm like, I'm afraid for you to die. You're my father, <laughs> my X-Men father. <laughs> Careful, sir. Please don't. Storm has never died. Mm-hmm. Still nervous. Still nervous. 50 years of publication, I'm just saying. So we'll see. You can follow Cerebro on Twitter and Instagram at CerebroCast. You can follow me on Twitter at DreamOfOrgonon or on Instagram at Connor Goldsmith. You can find all of the episodes and much, much more at CerebroCast.com, the official landing page for the podcast for $5 a month at the House of Zaladine tier at Patreon.com slash CerebroCast. You can get an ad-free version of every episode the minute it goes up, plus bonus episodes as they come out, and the exclusive weekly Claremont Marathon series been a lot of fun it's a weekly read-along with commentary i'm doing every single issue of the claremont run i'm doing funny voices i'm talking about retcons as they happen i'm talking about first appearances and i'm having a lot of fun now because moira is in the story and it's really fun to look back at old moira stories now with the context that we have from hawksbox mm-hmm. so please join us there it's a lot of fun and the patreon is really what enables me to continue to do this show so i appreciate the support Next week's episode, hopefully, will be Anthony Oliveira on Pyro, but again, it depends on how much he's recovered from being sick. Questions are now open for Daryl Ayo on Feral, Margot Mutter on Lila Cheney, Luke Ruddick on Quicksilver, and Sam Guido on Kailun. Email cerebrocast at gmail.com with your questions, and you might hear them read on the show. As always, thank you for listening, and bye. Bye. X-Men, X-Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. Only hope is... X-Men.